Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add-ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Unitanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. The mysterious Gram Box from Morbeer brings you this Brewing Network Sunday session. See the Gram Box affordable control unit at morebeer.com. I was pouring in my mouth and it just wasn't going down. My first beer was an IPA, the best IPA I've ever drank. Mostly because I brewed it. If you have a scale that is good for measuring cocaine, you're probably good for measuring hops on cocaine. You're, you're scaring me. <laughs> I think the information is awesome and the audio sucks. Make some sugary water, throw some yeast in there. And you're going to drink good beer. Yeah, it's, it's going to be good. It's fine. From the Brewing Network Studios in Northern California, this is the radio program for home brewers, craft brewers, beer lovers, and beer geeks. It's your only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers together with, well, expert drinkers. This is the radio program with a head on it. This is The Session. That was a really vulgar five minutes or so. <laughs> you ever really listen to the five o'clock song that we play before the show? There's yeah, a lot of... Heavy stuff. Really, every line. Pretty offensive, in yes. that song is offensive. It's a rap song. I'm offended. Hey, I learn something new every time I hear it. <laughs> you do, don't you? Yes. It's like, uh, that's not for children, I'll tell you that. I counted 27 F-words. A lot of F-words. Wow. MF-words and talking about vaginas. I All thought, kinds that, of that was you talking about vaginas. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Again. Boy. And who was in my studio while I was gone anyway, fucking with everything? Buttons all turned and headphones were everywhere. What kind of party went on in here? Man, I don't know. JP, mixtape show? I don't know. Was there a mixtape show? I don't think think there was. Maybe he came in like late at night and turned on the (laughs) lights, got all giddy. No, I think it was Schumann giving somebody the tour. Oh, Oh, maybe. Could be asked. Somebody leaning on the buttons. You you want to touch those buttons? Oh, I wiped everything down. (laughs) Once I saw that someone had been in here today, I disinfected Uh. everything. When all else fails, blame Sam. Little Red Riding Hood. Was Sam in here? He probably was. Angry that the Giants won. (laughs) That happened while I was out of the country, too. I don't know if you know. (laughs) What? That's right. We wouldn't have known. Look at Mo- Moscow getting to stand up so the camera can see you. you Moscow's got his. Mo- got his uh, I hope everybody knows who like I am. Looks like a bigger retard than usual. Is Brian Wilson uh, fear the beard <laughs> and also uh, Mohawk going on? That's my yeah. man right there. Yeah, my my girlfriend wanted to 
basically blow me in the bathroom at the bar we wow. watched the game at when I first did this. Really? Yeah, if I'd have known that girls love the Mohawk as much as they do, I'd have done this a long time ago. It's not the Mohawk, it's her wanting to think about Brian Wilson. <laughs> Maybe. Exactly. just want to point out. My girlfriend asked if she was allowed to sleep with him now that we won. <laughs> yeah, everyone's got a yeah, list, right? of course. I think he's earned it. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way... Where the hell is Sam so that I can revel in my glory? I haven't gotten to celebrate. Uh, I was with the Brits during the whole time, and they don't care. Yeah, we got three phone calls and a text from you. Yeah, because he wouldn't answer his phone. Yeah, that cost you $8. Who's the winner now? (laughs) Oh, it would have been worth worth $80. (laughs) I am still the winner, and that is the point. Who's Sam into the Dodgers? Yeah, he's a Dodger fan. Mm. He's at home writing a paper. About Uh, what? I don't know. About why the Dodgers suck. School and stuff. I didn't even know that, that many words. It was awesome. Doesn't. This whole uh, October has been pretty awesome. And I know no one gives a shit outside of the Bay, but we're in the Bay. Right. So uh, I'm going to say it. Well, I was up at 3.30 in the morning screaming ins- inside some <laughs> poor Englishman's house about us being world champions. In and American then, baseball. And then, of course, having to answer the question about who else in the world got to play against us. <laughs> really? What other country? And I said, what world? Yeah. I know this house, and I know the United States. That's all I knew. <laughs> so, it was a good time, though, watching him win, even when I was by myself. And you were able to get, because normally, I thought you have to get, uh, like, MLB.com subscription to watch so uh, I, on a laptop. So, I bought the MLB thing, and I paid nine ninety five so I could watch it on the laptop, wherever I was. And then I went to log in to watch it, and even though I had paid for it, it's blacked out. Outside of the United States, what? online, unless you pay an additional nineteen ninety five mm. so for you, the international version. So you did. Oh, you bet your ass I did. Yeah. <laughs> so you know why be out nine bucks when you could be out thirty nine bucks? Is that all it was? I thought it was like a hundred, but I'm glad that you said it was only like thirty nine because <laughs> I was feeling bad. Yeah. Uh, so I got to watch it finally after I figured that out, and all I thought was. Who are they really charging this extra nineteen ninety five? Because nobody else but me and probably a bunch of dudes in the military yeah. who are abroad are, are those who care. Why are you going to charge us extra? Uh, yeah, you know, it would just kind of make the interest wane at that point. Oh, I don't like it that much anyway. I'm not going to pay twenty bucks for <laughs> yeah, it. It's like they don't want anybody to watch it. Right. Not only do people not voluntarily leave when the Giants get to the World Series or their team gets to the World Series, people will come from Europe to here. Uh, they will come to be here. Right. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I hear you. Why'd you leave? Well... The fuck? Let's face it. Um, nobody ever expects the Giants to be in the World Series. So when I booked my tickets to Europe, it was a very safe time to travel. But you told me you thought about switching the dates when, in fact, they didn't you know, clinch against the I Bills. almost canceled my trip. Um, because for one, it was a miles flight, so it wouldn't have cost me any money to cancel. Right, and it would—it's a momentous occasion, the Giants winning. But the only reason I didn't cancel is I thought if I cancel my trip and we lose, like we always do, I'm going to be a very, very miserable person. Uh, more, so. more so, yes, <laughs> yeah. So I thought I can't really do that. I, I, I will. It will be hard to get over. I, I thought it's easier for me to get over missing this momentous moment than it would be to cancel this great trip I had planned and still be a loser. Uh, lo and behold, we won. Yeah, <laughs> it was awesome. Oh man! And then the parade in the city. Yeah, that was a pretty ridiculous time too. I got a bunch of pictures of that, so that was as close as I got. Well, congratulations to my Giants and Moscow. Good work on uh, on looking like Brian Wilson, sort of. Thanks. Looking like kind of a shorter, fatter Brian Yeah, Wilson. that's right. I, I look like Brian Wilson looked uh, about uh, four months ago. 
Yeah, pretty close. All right, today's show, uh, much more exciting than all this talk for you. We've got Dr. Charlie Bamforth in the studio, finally. It's been a couple years in the making. I know he was on one of Jamil's shows, but uh, listeners have been asking for him on the session for a long time, because let's face it, I do a better interview than Jamil does. You'll you'll find that out, Charlie. (laughs) It's it's coming. (laughs) Eventually, you'll figure out that I'm good (laughs) at what I do. (laughs) Just don't hold your breath. (laughs) So 888-401-BEER is our phone number if you've got questions for Charlie. Of course, you can enter the chat room by hitting the chat now button, and Bevo's in there. Uh, I do Hi. encourage you to uh, send your questions over to us, because uh, it's Charlie. It's Dr. Bamforth, for heaven's sake. Uh, short of going and, 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 and enrolling in the UC Davis uh, program, you don't get this kind of access to Dr. Bamforth. So ask your questions now or forever hold your peace. Leave the man alone, for heaven's sake, or except for the next three hours, and you get to ask all the questions you want. And it's perfect timing for me to have you in here, Charlie, because I just spent uh, this trip abroad. Most of it was spent in England. Good man. And I'm telling you, I love the place. It, well, it's just beautiful. It is. It's full of wonderful people. Well, most of the, they were wonderful, and mm-hmm. let me say, unique. <laughs> there's nobody quite like an Englishman. <laughs> no, there's not. No. And each Englishman different than the next. Yes. And uh, and let me tell you also uh, that there's a difference between a London Englishman yes. and uh, a country Englishman, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> what am I? <laughs> well, I don't know yet. I'll tell you at the end of the interview. Okay. I'm, from, I'm from the north, you see, so I'm from a civilized part of the uh, you are. English countryside. Well, I spent most of my country side in the southwest ah well yeah. my wife's cornish oh she is okay yeah, she's uh, kind of primitive that way but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. but electricity's got through there now so it's okay so, barely yeah they, and they got television now as well so. well i saw let me tell you i did see some very primitive things going on but it was all fun for me and i'll yeah. talk about that in just a minute um i spent about a day and a half in london mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd been to London before. In, in 2004, I went there. I had just gotten out of college. Not a penny to my name. Um, tough time to go to London. It's an expensive city. Uh, yeah. Tokyo's worse, but not much. Not much. Yeah. And, you know, so it's it's a beautiful city to look at. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, there wasn't a whole lot I could do at that time. So no, I wasn't in love with it. No, you just wait till 9.30, and then you get on the, you get a cheap ticket for the subway and just ride around all the <laughs> uh, the people watching then is fun yeah 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 i was also at that time of my life uh, disappointed that the pubs would close at 11 yeah uh because i found myself uh well i was still thirsty let's let's face it yes but it's more civilized now they change the rules on that they have which is which is wonderful now um yeah the only thing you could do then at 11 is then you could go to a club and uh, I'm not really a club. No, me neither. No, yeah. I, no, they frighten me, so I don't do that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or you can go and buy fish and chips. Yeah, that you, or a curry. Or, or preferably a curry, the, the finest British food there is. Yeah. Uh, that's right. uh, Indian restaurants. Yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm, oh, now you're getting me hungry. Mm. Well, and speaking of hungry, I have a couple questions for you uh-huh. that maybe you can clarify yes, for me. Yes, sure. Um, what is cockaleeky soup? Scottish. It's a Scottish soup. Yeah. Is that a fish of some kind? God knows. They're Scottish. I'm English. Because <laughs> it was in a couple of English, play- English pubs mm-hmm. I went to. They're all serving cockaleeky. Yeah, I don't think it's anything to do with cocks, but there's probably some leeks in there. Yeah, so. probably so. Yeah. All right, that's the other thing. Uh, that's one thing. The second thing also on a menu, uh, uh, what's a faggot? <laughs> it's a cigarette, isn't it? Well, a fag is a cigarette. Yeah. 
And in San Francisco, it's something else. Yeah, but on a menu in England, a faggot is something else again. Yeah, I think it's something to do with sort of, sort of cheap meat or something. But I, I, I don't actually know. <laughs> you know, faggots of wood. I, I, I uh, thought it was a bundle right. of sticks. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Measure wood? Those are faggots. But but I, I used to go into a, a, a cafe in, in Wolverhampton. They had faggots and chips. Yes, um, that's what this place had. Yeah. It had a faggot and chips. Yeah. And they were very tasty, but I never did ask what, what it was. Neither did I. No. And, and <laughs> I think you know. Why it's I probably did the it. safest way. I, I mean, I was already the sissiest looking guy in the group. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I go in there, I look on the menu, and I just I didn't have the heart to ask. I thought, well, Charlie's on the show in a couple days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. and, and Charlie can't answer the question straight, <laughs> right. but, uh, yeah. but but there you go. Well, but enjoy it. It's tasty. I've, it could have been. <laughs> yeah, I, I ordered the hamburger. Yeah, you can't beat a faggot. They do. Uh, they do say <laughs> blow a fag when they mean smoke a cigarette, right? Uh, well, well they say puff so a fag. I get a puff a fag. I get super drunk yeah. and I puff fags. What can I say? <laughs> you were in the wrong uh, city when you heard oh, that. I see. Well, wow, those were my own. I understood everything else except for those two you things. You did. Yeah, everything. Well, well not everything. It to me sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, uh, so. I wish Jamil was here, because I had to yell at him about something. He's going to be here soon. Jamil's going to come in and help us out. I have to talk to him about some things. Um, well, since we're on the topic already, a couple. let me do some, some of my European notes. And some of these things involve some, some thank yous and, and shout-outs. First of all, uh, Mr. Phil Lowry at BeerMerchants.com. And he's been on the show before. You guys know Phil. He's the guy who waffles on. Uh, like Yeah, how's he doing? Phil's doing great, I think. Good. And uh, he's got a couple brewing things going. Phil's got his hands in everything over there. <laughs> everything brewing. And I'll tell you one thing that's really cool he's done that I got to experience a little bit is he's he's kind of brought together um, uh, many of the London brewers under the London Brewers Guild. Oh, good. Well, he kind of called them up and he said, hey, you know, over in the U.S., they're, they're, everyone's got a guild and these brewers are getting together and they're on the phone with each other when there's a problem and they're sharing ingredients and they're having events and stuff. Yeah. yeah and they're really helping each other out. And over here in London, we're all on our own little island. Uh, you work over there. I work over here. So he kind of got everyone to sit down together and and they're loving it. The brewers think that uh, apparently they never thought of talking to each other before. Uh, Phil did that. And now they're really enjoying it. So. Through that, he's made, you know, uh, and and through his other ventures, I'm sure, made a lot of connections. And so, Phil picked me up from uh, the train station, me and the Frenchies had just come in uh, from Paris, and took us right around uh, straight away to a couple different places. We got to go to a new brewery called uh, Colonel Brewery, which is in London. And at Colonel Brewery, they're doing really tiny batches, like... Like Chad. Well... I'll tell you what, not so different. Uh, maybe Nano Brewery or no? A, a little bigger. N- nano. I really? would call it Nano. Okay. Very small. What, uh, what are the batch sizes? I, I want to say something like 500 liters. You know, they gave me everything in liters. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what they do over Is there, that like Charlie. Is that like 9 million gallons? You're still, ca- you're still confused, <laughs> aren't you? <laughs> still, so, well, I looked. Uh, all I know is that by the size of the vessel, it's... Five of five of your batches, Chad. Okay. It's about that. All right. Ten, maybe. So like a it's a nano, all right? Three okay. barrels. Um, yeah, it's about a three-barrel system. There you go. Tasty. Sure. Okay. And they're doing American-style beers, which mm. were aw- He had an awesome pale ale he gave us, an awesome IPA, real hoppy, mm. a lot of citra hops. You know I'm a fan of that now. And just really good stuff. So that's the Colonel Brewery. I met Evan over there. The other thing I really liked about his place is he's sharing the building with a cheese 
and a charcuterie maker. Oh, perfect. Oh, yeah. I was. It was a little taste of heaven for me. We oh, walk yeah. in the door, mm-hmm. and there's a plate of cheese and all kinds of different salami and meat and prosciutto. The whole thing just <laughs> laid out right there. And beer. <laughs> and beer. Yeah. So we hung out there just for a little while tasting beer and eating great food. Cool. So Evan at Colonel is a smart man, if you ask me. You, you set up your nano inside a place like that. Where you can get some awesome. free charcuterie, um, but I was kind of blown away. Uh, open fermenters, all right, oh. and uh, he's so, isolated room or yeah, is a room? Yeah, no, uh, no. Really? In this room, really open, like. open up room. <laughs> there's shit everywhere. They had just bottled a bunch of beer in there, um, and it's the first thing I asked him. I'm not too shy about that stuff, and I, I you know, he said, "Go ahead and poke poke but, around." But and germs. First thing I noticed was it was this this open <laughs> fermenter. Now it was at high at, at High Croyson, but I I just asked him. I said, "Aren't you worried about that? Did you know you were just bottling some other beer in here, and mm-hmm. I it, it's a little musty on the walls?" And he he thought the question was stupid. Said, no, <laughs> I'm not worried at all. And his explanation was that well, it's at High Croyson. And positive CO two. Everything's pushing out. It's yeah. not, it's it's uh, uh, it's protected by a layer of, of yeast, of course, right. and uh, it's pushing out CO two anyway. So not until it's done with high croissant would he would he put a lid on it. Yeah, but a good sized bug it would punch right through that CO two blanket. Well, and I, and that was yeah, my I mean, worry. What well, again? And and I've said this with you, Tasty, with your crazy bottling <laughs> methods and what? things that you do. The proof is in the pudding. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that, and that's what he's doing too. His beer was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Now, Charlie, what do you think? Was he right that it's pretty good seal on yeah, that? Yeah, the thing I always say is, it's like a, a, a if you're a fan of Manchester City, and and you're the only one wearing sky blue, and you find yourself at Old Trafford going watching Manchester United amongst seventy thousand people <laughs> dressed in right. red and white, you know, you won't survive. Uh, and if you've got a lot of yeast, you know, it's, they're going to have a little bit of an advantage and so on. So okay, so um, you know, it's not perfect. But it, it's uh, there's an awful lot of excellent beer brewed that way, and historically in, in the UK. And the odds are in your favor. They certainly are. I, I remember a famous story of a, of a guy who, a uh, young brewer, turned up at a, a brewery. I, 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 I like to think it was Sam Smith, but I'm not sure. And he turned up on his first day, and he walked around, and he, he, he wiped his hand on the top of the fermenter. <laughs> he went into the head brewer, and, he's, and the head brewer looked at him and said, what's that, lad? He said, well, I've just scraped it off the fermenter. And the head brewer said, well, put it back. <laughs> 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 Why do you think our beer tastes the way it's part of the oh, yeah. yeah, it's an ingredient. Yeah. Well, the the beer was awesome. Yeah, so it would be. It was a good. And I'll tell you, I got to go to the Fuller's Brewery on the following day, and I'll tell you about that. Um, but I asked them the same question because I it was really in my mind. I, you don't see that very often. And the only open fermenters I have seen were in a clean room, right. like mm-hmm. you asked, Jeff. And the guys at Fuller's uh, said the same thing. Oh, nothing to worry about. No. Nothing to worry about at all. It's uh, If he's got high croissant, everything's fine. So the beer was great. So that night, uh, Phil then took us out to um, my first real uh, British pub. We went to the White Horse mm-hmm. out there, mm-hmm. which is world famous also, mm-hmm. and was completely packed. It was a Thursday night. I guess Thursday's a big pub night. And so, I, you know, when I went to a couple pubs in London in 2004... I must have been going to the tourist places or something because the food was bad, the beer was bad, the women were ugly. I mean, it <laughs> they was must, they must have been flown in. 
right. <laughs> it must have been Scottish. Uh, probably. So, no, that was the men. They were, they were men. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> Maybe that explains it. <laughs> so, the white horse w- was very cool. Brewdog actually happened to be... They are Scottish, I think. Yes. Uh, happened to be there doing a tasting. So, I got to... You know, they've been on the show before. I got to meet them in person. They pretended they didn't know who I was. Mm-hmm. That happens sometimes, you know? Yes. I think he was got worried. on their turf, you know. I think he was worried I was going to steal the spotlight. You know, the oh, probably yeah. Come walking in there looking like Jesus. Yeah, he thought. <laughs> well, listen, I can't have these brewing network guys taking my my wind. And they're even really good at pretending. Like I would actually think they didn't know who you were. <laughs> right. It, it, it seemed a lot like that. Well, but that was cool. I got to try some of their beers that we don't get over here. Uh, but the, okay, so the coolest thing about the White Horse, though, is that I got to have uh, in what I have now come to believe. My first real, real ale. Because I had had what I was told was real ale before the last time I was in London. And I'm pretty sure that it was, no, it was nowhere near what, what real ale is. What does that mean, real ale? Well, real ale, it's, it's, a, it's a definition. It's also kind of a movement in England at this point because they're trying to save the way this... It's essentially the way beer is produced and served. Uh, Charlie could maybe give a better explanation than that. Um, but it's a traditional way to serve good English beer, and it and it's a traditional style of of good English beer. And I'm happy to report, you should correct me, Charlie. Do no, no, I'm just going to put a little bit of flesh on the bones. If do, you it, want to. do it. I mean, a number of years ago, as an organisation was founded in the UK called Camera, and it was a campaign for real ale. And basically, what they're celebrating is beer ale in uh, in cask. So it's beer that uh, leaves the brewery, and the last thing that happens in the brewery is it's run into uh, barrels, historically wood these days, likely uh, of, of metal, and it's never been pasteurized, and it's still got a little bit of sugar in there, some priming sugar, and some yeast, and uh, a handful of hops, dry hops, and Isinglass finings uh, from the swim bladders of fish that will do the clarifying job, and uh, it basically uh, matures in, in the barrel. And uh, you you run it to the the uh, pubs and uh, they allow it to settle for a while, and then it's delivered either directly from the from the barrel or pumped through a, a hand pump, um, and uh, you know with no extra carbonation, no forcing of carbon dioxide in there and so on. So that that is traditional English ale, and it is, in my opinion, it's the most drinkable beer in the world. Uh, the trouble is that if you're not if you don't look after it well. Uh, it's pretty much uh, it soon will become vinegar, and uh, and then it's some of the worst beer in the world. So uh, when it's looked after, when it's done well, uh, it's superb. And there's an organisation in the UK now called Cask Mark, and they basically train people how to uh, how to do it properly and make sure the beer is in tip top condition. So. This is, by the way, perfect explanation, of course, and it brings up a lot of issues that I found about when the beer is good and when it's not good. So as brewers, I want you to keep a couple things in mind that that Charlie just said. For one, the beer leaves the brewery before it's ready to be drunk. And now, in the U.S., a good brewer would cringe at the thought of beer leaving his brewery and, and putting it in the hands of someone else to look after until it's time to be drunk. So some of them would stop fermentation or at least transfer into firkins and and casks before they've reached their final gravity because they don't necessarily want to add priming sugar. They've they've got sugar in it already if if they leave it a couple points high, right? So they do that. uh, They dry hop it. 
And then they hope that this cask is not only treated well from the time that it leaves the brewery, but but saved until it's ready to be served. Yeah. Because so, if yeah. it left the brewery and, and would serve two days later, it wouldn't be ready to serve. Still got used to in suspension, yeah. And so I've experienced beer like that in England before, and I think I've experienced it here before uh, with, with brewers trying to do the same thing, and I've found a lot of diacetyl in the beer. Um, and I've also found it to be flat. And, um, and a lot of different errors. Now, the other thing about serving the beer when it's time to be served, when it's finished and when it's carbonated and when it's been treated well, is also kind of uh, uh, whether or not they use the hand pump and, and what kind of system they use to serve that beer. And it's not just the, the hand pump itself. It's also the distance the beer has to travel from the cellar to the, to the glass. The longer the distance... Uh, the more pumping they have to do, the more pumping and agitating they have to do, the flatter the beer ended up being in the glass. Mm-hmm. So some bars that were very proud of their cellar and very proud of how they were serving beer would really explain to me, well, our pints take one pump, and that's it. You've got a full pint. You know, others, they take three mm-hmm. pumps. And I watched this happen in other bars, where, and that bartender's really getting a workout to pour his full <laughs> pint of beer. Um, and I really could taste the difference, too, in some of these things. So, at the White Horse, I had just a wonderful experience with beer. And I'm happy to report to Americans who have believed the myth, English cask ale is not warm and it's not flat. <laughs> it's bright and it's cold and it's fresh and it's, well, it's fucking awesome. It's well, that's not, good to hear. It's real. I, I thought so, too. <laughs> So, and here's why I kind of point that out. I feel so sorry for him. This myth about this warm, flat beer thing. You know, sometimes the beer is... Sometimes American brewers will try to do this whole Cascale thing here. And they'll serve it at what they think is cellar temperature. But cellar temperature is really... It's pretty cold. I mean, I'm saying 50 or below. Uh, Anything above 50... And this is where we're getting this warm beer myth. Mm. At any of the good bars I went to, it was not above 50. It was probably more like 48 and, like I said, pretty cold. Warm enough so that it's, it, it's, the flavors are coming out of it already. Yeah, You're not yeah. warming it up in your glass like we do here. Uh, it's already coming out of it. But it was also crisp and plenty of carbonation. It's not effervescent, uh, but it's carbonated, isn't it? It's it's about one point three volume, so it's about two and a half grams per liter. So it's 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 got plenty of CO two in there. It does, yeah. But it's not gassy. You're no, not, no, uh, you're no, not yeah. standing around belching like we do on this show no, all night. No, no, no. Uh, we. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. I had uh, I had the first beer I had, and they said this was kind of a not really a traditional bitter, a little more hoppy. This guy had. had had kind of taken a couple cues from what we're doing over here, but JHB was the was the first bitter I had from Oakham Ales. GHB, um, not, not that. No, uh, <laughs> that's roofies. Isn't it? <laughs> yes, <laughs> no. Uh, JHB was fantastic, and that was a pretty hoppy beer. And I don't mean by English standards; I mean by American standards. Really? This was a nice dry hopped beer. The other one was Harvey's. Harvey's bitter. You know, everyone knows this. Oh. Oh, now I'm feeling nostalgic. And Isn't uh, that a wonderful beer? Yeah, from Lewis in uh, in uh, East Sussex. Sussex, right. Uh, it's uh, a wonderful brewery, Harvey's. Mm. It was an amazing beer. And yeah. this was the beer that changed my entire opinion about this kind of you know bland, warm, flat. 
The, also, a very hoppy yeah. beer. Okay. Not in the bitter IPA way, but in that, you know when we're really looking for that aroma and that mm-hmm. flavor in the finish of the beer? This beer has it. Yeah. Oh, does it have Is it? that from the hops that they throw in the keg? Yeah, it's a dry hop yeah. at the end. Uh, right in the cask. Yeah. If yeah. you think about it, every beer, every good English beer, real ale like that's dry hopped, right yeah. in the cask. That's, that's part of the signature. And, you know, many of them are, are not ridiculously bitter. But uh, but certainly have a good hop nose, hoppy nose, you know. Yes, um, lovely. Yeah, and so, you know, three four pints later, I'm not full, I'm not gassy, and I'm just really enjoying the beer. They were lower in alcohol, mm-hmm. but they're not two percent beers. I mean, it says three point eight. Right. Is that one three? It says three point eight. They yeah. seem to range to me the different ones I had anywhere from about three and a half to to four two. Yeah. I mean, it didn't go much higher than four two. I well, think. you got to remember that the taxation depends on the alcohol content. Okay, so it, it's incremental. So every point one percent alcohol means more tax. Really? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So they, that that forces the alcohol down right. somewhat. You know, and uh, that's not a bad thing. No. You know, over here, here people say to me, "Ah, oh, three two beer." You know, they're, you know, and. And that's three point two alcohol by weight, so that's four percent by volume. You know, you know, coming from England, that seems a pretty respectable alcohol. <laughs> well, it should be, yeah. yeah, right, yeah. There was a couple places that I had like a five and a half beer. Yeah, yeah. You know, some do it. Step out. Did you have any of the end of history from uh, Brewdog then? No, no. But no. the bottle was there. Apparently, by the time I had gotten there, they had already served the end of history. Right. So the the animal had collapsed. Had it? Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I did get to see the animal bottle and all that, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> Crazy guys, those brew dog guys. No comment. Did I mention they didn't know me? <laughs> well, they, they pretended <laughs> as if they didn't know you. Uh, they were cool. Uh, let's see. So the next day, uh, so I got to go to Fuller's, and this is another thing Phil set up. He actually uh, called up the uh, John Keeling, uh, who uh, I suppose is the director of brewing operation. He's the man. It's his beer. Fuller's beer is his responsibility. Uh, Derek Prentice is his uh, friend of mine. And I'm, is he? Yeah, Derek's a great guy. Derek was awesome to me. Mm-hmm. Both of them spent a lot of time with us and great to talk to. And I particularly had a nice time with Derek. Yeah, lovely uh, man. Really. So he's I, now. I would call him the the uh, brew master. Maybe I have it backwards, but. I, I understand that, that that Derek is John's right-hand man. He would be. Uh, D- uh, Derek came out of Young's originally. So when Young's was still in Wandsworth, uh, Derek Prentice was uh, was a senior brewer there with Ken Don. Um, but uh, I don't actually know the relationship. I think John is probably, uh, Keeling is probably the director. Yeah. Uh, so he probably sits behind a desk more than, <laughs> than Derek does. And, and Derek probably is uh, walking around the brewery a bit more. And, well, and that's what it seemed like. Uh, although, I'll tell you, John knows that beer. And, and oh, he, he knows do. that yeah. brewery in and out. And both of those guys have been in this beer business for a long, long time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I wasn't shy about asking Derek that. And, uh, you know, he had to think. He, he probably pulled out a calculator. And uh, over 30 years, this man's been brewing oh, at, yeah. at legendary breweries. Right, absolutely. Like you say, with Young's. Oh, yeah. So they took time out of their day to, to walk us personally around the brewery and not put us on the cattle tour, and uh, which was just really fun. And then they took us into the sensory analysis room, the sample room, which is a very small room. It's smaller than Studio D here. and um, but the But the walls are lined with dated bottles 
of all their different beers so that they can go in from mm-hmm. time to time and, and say this one's two weeks old, this one's a month old. And, and, and the sensory analysis that they're doing is, is, is pretty impressive. I'm, uh, maybe I should say quality control because uh, they, they really want, you know, they're looking at the beer at every step of the process and then after the process and then well after the process. They really want to know how their beer is aging. Mm-hmm. Um, got to snoop around their hop room. Uh, proud to uh, announce I found some nice American uh, Cascade and Centennial <laughs> hops sitting on the floor, wow. which when asked about, they pulled out some crazy, bitter, hoppy West Coast IPAs for me. That they had made? Or? Being brewed at the Fuller's wow, facility. That's cool. And, you know, this is a traditional brewery with a lot of history that knows damn well that there's plenty of room for growth. And and with younger palates coming in, they're not afraid to try to see what else they can do. So they brought in some of their younger brewers and asked them, what do you guys want to make? And they said, apparently, well, how about we throw a shitload of hops in something and see how it comes out? Um, so they gave me a couple versions of it, one that they didn't like so much um, and one that they thought was getting closer. And they let me try them both. They, they were letting me try their failures, too. And the, 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 the quote-unquote failure... Um, I'll tell you, the only thing wrong with it, with it was that it was just a bit too thin for all the bitterness. Right. It was a very bitter beer. So Chad would have loved it because <laughs> it was a nice bitter. But it was, it was you, you would have noted, too, that it was out of balance because it um, just kind of finished too low. And Well, they're all dry beer, so. Yeah, yeah. Got to love that. But. So they gave me the next one then that they had kind of altered that, and uh, they're getting there, man. These guys are going to produce a, a world-class uh, West Coast mm-hmm. IPA out That's of that That's pretty place. cool. And they're doing some different Brewmaster series. So at one point, they, they pull out this beer, and they start to tell me about it. And it turns out it's a, it's a recipe from 1890, and it brewed at Fuller's in 1890. And they're kind of going back. I forget if I'm allowed to say this, but I think I am. They're kind of going back and maybe going to do these, these, this series of, of beers that have been brewed historically at Fuller's. So my first question is, where are, where's these, where are these recipes? And Derek, being just the open and nice guy he was, he said, well, let's go upstairs and I'll show you. And he pulls out this beer log, you know, mm-hmm. six inches thick from 1890. Wow. Every page handwritten by the, brew, by the brewer each day. I've got some pictures of it. I'm going to put it on the blog. He didn't care about me taking pictures of these old recipes, too. And, um, but everything handwritten and dated. So I'm looking at things from you know November fifth, eighteen ninety, in the brewer's writing, and he's writing down every everything that happened, the the temperature changes, uh, you know, just like we would do in every detail. They have strange measurements and things. The measurements didn't seem too strange, actually. I think they were pretty normal. But a couple of things that I really took note of. One thing, and John, uh, Derek showed me this in the book um, because there was the page from the first day they used it. They didn't used to have sparge arms. That was a piece of technology, of course, that had to be invented. So there was a time where they pretty much batch sparged. Uh, they would get a hose and sprinkle water all over, but it, it didn't do that very efficient uh, uh, continuous sparge that we have. And the reason was because a sparge arm hadn't been invented yet. Mm-hmm. And then he showed me the very page in 1890 where the brewer wrote, 
first day using the sparge arm. <laughs> and you can imagine that their efficiency was probably all fucked up, and uh, who knows what happened. But they never went back, and well, nobody ever went back correct. once the sparge arm came out. Nope. So I thought that was a really cool thing to see. And the other thing was how hops were named back then. Um, they weren't listed as Goldings or Kent Goldings necessarily. They were listed as the, the region, the farm, and the farmer's name. So that was the varietal, basically. That was the varietal. So it would so in the hot so written right in the recipe, you know, sixty minutes. What they grew would be the farm name and the farmer's name, (laughs) and that's how they kept track of what the batch was. And we have batch numbers now, don't we? When we when we buy hops, maybe not as home brewers, but brewers do, so they can trace this stuff back. Well, that's how they traced it back. You know, it would be John from Kent and the name of his farm. That was the sixty minute edition. I thought that was cool, you know, just a very historical document. And apparently they've got just a room full of these brew logs because that's how long Fuller's been around. So the old system is still there, not being used. They've they've rebuilt the system. You were there recently, right, Charlie? I, I gave a talk there uh, about bubbles. Um, yeah, uh, just less than a month ago. And, uh, to the brewers? or uh, Yeah, brewers. Yeah. Institute of Brewing and Distilling. Actually, it was probably two months ago. But I, I was on a tour. I started off in Dublin. Oh, yeah. And uh, gave a talk in uh, in Guinness there. And then I went over to Edinburgh and, and then down through Blackburn um, at Thwaites. And then to Burton. Oh, yeah. um, to that well-known uh, Burton Brewing Company Coors, and um, <laughs> right. and then down to uh, t- to uh, uh, Fuller's, Fuller's okay. Fuller Smith and Turner to give uh, due credit to its uh, there you go full name, yeah. and that is on a lot of the equipment inside yeah. still. Yeah, yeah. beautiful. Uh, Fuller's ESB is one of my favorite brews. Oh, it's a wonderful beer. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I brought back fresh uh, beer from the brewery, but we can't drink it tonight because it's for the Can You Brew It show. Are we doing that one tomorrow? So another cool. Th- that's a, another thing about how cool they were. This th- this is a rebrew for us, is it not? Right. These Fullers, because uh, we failed in our first candy brew attempt. So I'm talking to the guys about this, John and Derek, and they, and I'm explaining why this happens a lot that that we fail. Some of it is that, especially if it's a, a an export beer, import for us, um, the batches we get are old and oxidized, and it's hard for us to taste our fresh beer, our fresh home brew that just came out of the fermenter against theirs. And Derek said, well, I've got a couple of unpasteurized bottles for you right here. So he gave me unpasteurized London Pride and ESB that we can try against uh, on the show tomorrow. And then, of course, I picked up two fresh bottles of pasteurized. So we've got several examples to try to see if we cool. can get it right this time. Um, of course, you can go back to the Candy Brewed episode and look up Fuller's, and you can hear John, the, the, the guy I'm talking about, uh, John Keeling. Is it Keating? John Keeling, um, and he was the guy we interviewed for that and, and, and talked about the party guile brewing and, and all of those things. So, um, All right, I won't bore you guys anymore. I could I could do a whole show just talking about that visit because they were so nice to me and I enjoyed it. Went down to the pub and, and, and had lunch with Derek, so we just got to talk about the brewing industry in general and, how, and his views on it, and he's just a fascinating guy. Yeah. So I'm hoping to bug him for a, an interview one day here. Um, all right, so finally, just to give you kind of the last leg of my trip there, uh, I went out to the Moore Brewery. If you go back to the session archives, we had oh, Moore yeah, yeah. Brewery on the show, and that was Justin. Justin, yeah. um, He's actually an American that uh, moved over there to uh, purchase and start brewing. And they moved out to the country, a little town called Pitney in Somerset. And he bought this small brewery there that I got to go see. And he was just so nice to me and my friends. We rented a Volkswagen bus. <laughs> to, that was our transportation. 
to get around because I figured hotel and car in one. I was trying to do everything on the cheap. So we actually, it's a big, a big thing. You can rent uh, V-Dub camper vans out there. So I ran on the 71 yellow Volkswagen bus named Daisy, and uh, nice. we drove out to Somerset, and it was pretty goddamn cold this time of year, so Justin was nice enough to let us crash at his place. Um, although we slept at the local pub the night before, which was kind of nice. And, um, well, he took us around. So Somerset region is actually not known for beer. It's known for cider. Um, apples everywhere. Scrumpy. Scrumpy, that's right. <laughs> and a lot of it is basically home-brewed cider mm. out there. Um, there's only, uh, I think, a, a small handful of, of commercial. Mm. Although the homebrewers are selling a little bit of it, they're essentially making a little more than personal consumption and not quite enough to sell commercially, so a little bit of it gets sold. Everybody, the way that Justin put it to me, a lot of the people in Somerset have about three jobs. You know, maybe it's at the pub, maybe it's picking apples, and maybe it's selling cider because it's kind of tough to get by. But driving around this area, it's this quintessential picture of the English countryside that you have, that all of you have because you've seen it in the movies or you've read it in books, uh, but just better and more vibrant. I mean, you're driving down a tiny, tiny road. And you don't have to worry about driving on the left side of the road because only one of you fits anyway. So, <laughs> you know, you got to pull off into the bushes and try not to hit the cow uh, to get out of the way. Uh, so just a really cool experience. And, and he takes us to one of the cideries. They happened to pick their apples fresh that day. They went straight to this 100-year-old um, apple pressing machine. Um, you know, so it was just like five local farmers all helping out for nothing. Um, just, you know, for cider probably. And watching this stuff go through this this 100-year-old diesel-powered um, apple press, the juice coming out, and then putting it in barrels right there. So let me try some of it. Best part about this Somerset uh, cider to me? Lambic. Mm, well, yeah. <laughs> it had an awesome, Whoa. sour, lactic flavor to it that... Clearly, just they don't. They barely wash the apples for one. Yeah. They certainly don't pasteurize. They throw them into these barrels that they've used for you know. As they're filling the barrels, they're emptying last year's cider out of it to put in, in, in bottles and stuff. And I mean, just a. Re- it could have been a lambic beer if I gave you two lambics and this cider, all three. I don't know that you and didn't tell you that one was a cider. You'd have thought each one was just a lambic beer. And just a great, dry, kind of sour taste. They gave us a big jug of it. Did it still have apple flavor? Or does the it back- still had apple flavor. Did. Um, but it was dry enough mm-hmm. and lactic enough that, like I said, you could have confused it just for a nice, like, maybe I should say more like a goose. Um, oh, wow. With That's just sour. like a subtle, yeah. About a week, he gave us a, a big jug of it. The, the, <laughs> the, the farmer, his name is Mike, real nice guy. He, he, it was his apples that particular day, and he was making his batch. He gave us a big jug of it, and we drank it the whole way. Uh, but it was, a re- <laughs> it was a real big jug. By about day six, it wasn't as good anymore. It got a little too sour, mm-hmm. uh, or maybe from us you know, fisting it all the time. Who knows? Mm. But um, it was just cool. And so that we did go to one professional cidery, the Somerset... Um, I write that one down. Somerset Distillery. They actually make uh, brandy. cider brandy. Right. And then also cider. And this crazy old guy comes out to talk to us. And so Justin has some experience with him because he's bought a barrel from him. 
but he's a really grumpy old Englishman. Oh, yeah. Who hates everybody but Englishmen. Yeah. <laughs> you know the guy I'm talking yeah, about, the kind of guy. Yeah, I probably relate to you. His name's Julian. And <laughs> Julian. You're probably related. <laughs> and, um, well, so Justin kind of explained to me, it took him a long time to even get a barrel out of the guy. The guy's real standoffish, absolutely not, these are my barrels, and catch him on a good day and he's just yelling about things catch him on a bad day and you just don't you you leave Mm. well this guy came out and uh i don't know i guess it was a good day because (laughs) he showed us everything uh 20 year they they were just bottling or had just bottled 20 year old brandy cider brandy um and he he was real excited about that and proud of that and hoping that that was going to be a big push for them and so the thing about him was that He's even slower than I am at this storytelling thing. He would start a story, so (laughs) this building here, this distillery. (laughs) Was built in 1860, but just after it was built... And that'd be another one of those. And he goes to the pregnant pause. But you're so interested. He has this character about him and this presence that you know just to keep your mouth shut and let the man do what he does. And don't mess with his timing. You don't mess with his timing. You just shut up and listen. And and if you did, if you shut up and listen long enough, you'd hear great things. And he would, you know, he'd talk about the distilling and he'd talk about cider brandy. And then somewhere, something would set him off. And all of a sudden, he's yelling about camera and how <laughs> fake cider is uh, from other places. And just, uh, and, you know, now it gets better because the two people I'm with are French. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the English... <laughs> uh, no, uh, not bosom buddies, really. Yeah. Yeah. No. So this guy's taking every chance he's got to take digs at the French. <laughs> wow, every time. Wow. I mean, he, every chance it's something about French wine and how it's a bunch of bullshit anyway, and how the real cheese comes from England, and you name it. Did he call them froggies? He uh, didn't quite get to call them froggies, <laughs> but I, I bet had we been there another 15 minutes. Yeah. My friends from France are real cool, and uh, they laughed the whole way through, and, oh, that's good. and he knew that and, and so he had a good time with us but when we finally after the tour when we got back to the tasting room where he was pouring things in glasses for us he'd he he'd pour us some and and he'd have a little bit and when he was ready for the next sample he would just throw the the the, the glass on the floor not the whole glass but whatever was left in his glass and somehow it always seemed to land on the Frenchies' feet. <laughs> somehow it was always right at their knees or their feet. <laughs> just right. And I laughed every time. No. Um, yeah, I wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah. So did that, and then uh, the, the very next day we got to go to the Queen's Arms, and uh, James, who was on the show with Justin, it was his last day as the manager at the Queen's Arms, and he's the guy who really uh, taught me about how Cascale is served, actually. He brought me down to their cellar that was built in 1860, and we stood down in that cellar uh, trying Justin's beers off, like fresh off the cask. He tapped a cask right in front of me. Uh, we must have stood down there for an hour and a half just trying different beers. And he talked to me all about the he, – he's the one who had a just one pump for a pint and, and that they cared about all that. The temperature down there was just perfect. And now, mold and must everywhere, mind you. This is a really old cellar. Did you touch anything like I that? I didn't touch a damn thing. <laughs> I just stood there holding my glass and snapping photos. 
Um, but just a really nice group of people that that taught me a lot about Cascale and how it served. And um, for me, it's that kind of history that's just the most impressive. I mean, to stand in a cellar, a beer cellar that old, uh, I just love that kind of stuff. So, um, And then we passed out that night on a farm. Not so far. That was right on the border of Dorset. Uh, ah, Dorset Thomas, and Somerset. Thomas Hardy country. Yes. Yeah. And I have, uh, he gave me a Hardy from 2005. All right. And I have a J.W. Lee for us. These we are going to try tonight, Charlie. While John Willie Lee's. That, yes. Uh, that one's from 93, I all think right. he gave me. And those were all, have all been properly stored in his cellar. And James just, he, as I was leaving, he said, wait, wait, wait. He brought me down there and started handing me beers. And a couple of them, he had a bunch of uh, Lambic and Goose down there. And he'd show it to me. Have you had this? Oh, no. We can't have this one. <laughs> he'd pull down another. You had this? No, no. I've heard about it. Well, you can't have this one. But uh, gave me some awesome old barley wine. So we'll try those tonight. So did you go out and do crop circles after that? I didn't do crop circles. Um, there was one loudmouth at the, at the party at the farm, and it wasn't me, believe it or not. And I had to, at the end of it, I had met nothing but perfect gentlemen, even when they were insulting the French the whole time. Until this party. And this one guy, this kid, just a kid, uh, you know, maybe no, 25, 26. And everyone's hanging out around a fire, literally in the middle of this farm. Nice people who own the farm let us party there. And this kid's just getting into everybody's conversation and taking every chance he can get to, to insult them or make fun of them. And I didn't really hear him doing it to other people. I only heard him do it to me. And the first time he did it, I thought, well, he's probably just being funny. I must have, I must be misinterpreting that. And by the second time he did it, I thought, well, this guy, that's not funny. <laughs> but I don't live here, and I'm a guest here. And by the third time, someone else was telling him that he that, that he had a loud mouth, and he comes right up to me and, and right in front of everybody and says, "Oh, so so I heard that I've spoken a little too much." I just said, oh, no, no, no. You can speak all you want. You're just a fucking dick. <laughs> That's right. And he didn't say anything to anybody for the rest of the night. I think he passed out eventually. And I, and I woke up the next morning feeling bad about that. Not for him. He was a fucking dick. But because I was a guest on somebody else's farm, and it, everyone came up to me after and said, good show, mate. Good show. <laughs> yeah, just... Uh, Apparently nobody. Apparently, even you know, you English are so polite that even when someone's a dick, you don't want to tell them that. Usually, <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't hurting anybody, uh, but it just got ridiculous. Uh, I was just happy not to be the dick at the party. Hey, uh, Justin, how For did once. you get the uh, the beers back? Uh, like, how did, they don't let you take liquid on the airplane. I've had to throw away bottles of wine. No, no, you pack it all in your your bag that you stow. The, the, yeah. the checkout. You stow. Yeah. I see. Yeah. So and, and I brought you know I brought back more than the legal amount, but they don't care. We've talked about this in the show. People have asked, "How do you do it?" Just don't worry about it. Don't sweat and get nervous when you get to customs and they ask what's in your bag. And when they ask you, "Do you have any tobacco or alcohol?" Say yes, and you're probably fine. And if they ask you how much, you say two bottles, and that's it. What if they ask you if you've keistered cocaine? Do you also say? No, yes, no. sir. You, no, you deny. No, Who are you calling say, a I'm, mule? I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah, yeah, that you say no. Uh, so I brought back yeah, just mostly Fuller stuff, actually. Um, and then anyway, not a story here, but my last day was spent, just because I'm curious if you know it, but uh, Burton Bradstock, uh, kind of near Dorchester and right on the west coast um, of England. And it was just gorgeous. West coast or south coast? South 
southwest, isn't it? Yeah, southwest. Southwest Dorset. Coast. Yeah, sort of. Uh, yeah, still yeah. in Dorset. Bridport and all those sorts of Bridport. Places. That's exactly right. It was yeah. right near Bridport. Just yeah. a little farm just outside of it. Oh, nice. And the coast there is surprisingly like Highway 1 up here. Yeah, it is. It really has a green, cliffy kind yeah. of uh, beautiful ocean. Um, and so that was just, a, you know, then I was kind of done with the beer travels. I just. Worked off my hangover. The hangover, yeah. yeah. Dorset is just about the most beautiful cu- county in England. It really is. It's a beautiful place. It's amazing. Yeah. The drive from right on the border of Dorset and Somerset right. to Dorchester, which yeah. we, which is not very far. Dorchester. There, Dorchester, thank you. <laughs> Dorchester. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was one of the most beautiful drives I've ever yeah. taken. Yeah. Just Absolutely. really very green, rolling hills. As I said, it's... It's what you think of when you think of the English countryside, right? But better, yeah. <laughs> but just that even nice. even better, yeah. Unspoiled, yeah. So just amazing. So Mrs. Peel and or Steed, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My God, that shows your age. Yes, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> I love that show. Yeah, yeah. So good time. I do recommend getting out to the English countryside. I recommend London if you've got either friends to stay with or a bunch of cash in your pocket. Um, or friends with cash. And I recommend finding a good pub. Um, so so knowing somebody or taking some recommendations, like the White Horse is very popular and, and easy home run if you want to go get a nice pint of Harvey's. The Black uh, Donkey is a pretty cool like place, that. too. That's a whole different kind of – That's re- never mind. The, the other week I was up in uh, North Yorkshire in a place called Beckhole, which is on the on the North York Moors. And if you want to go to a pub, you go to this place. It's called the the um, uh, uh, the Birchall Arms in Beckhole, and they have a big painting outside and so on. But halfway through the evening, all there was there was no music, no food, anything, just beer. And the 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 woman behind the bar said that. If anybody comes in, do you think you could just stall them a, a while? I've got to go and put the chickens away. <laughs> and and there wasn't even a till there, you know. The, the, she just put the money in the drawer. That's what a pub should be like. And yeah. th- there's lots like that in England. Well, and that makes sense to me now that I've kind of seen this. Because, yeah. um, you know, it really is the village pub, isn't it? And they call it that, but it's... it's that's not just a word. It's a, it's really... A, it's a culture, the village pub. Yeah. And for one... There's not a whole lot else going on. You don't drive five minutes to the Cineplex in these little villages and, and watch the blockbuster movies. No. You, everybody, the whole family goes to the village pub at times. Totally. You know, for dinner, there's a big fire in there. It's warm and it's cozy and it's friendly. And holidays are spent together there. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's Christmas carols being done because it, it's really a community and this is where they get to know each other. Yeah. Get away from the Black Death. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's, well, and it does have that historical significance. It's been a people you want something else to do. Because you went to the wrong, wrong time. You should have gone in the summer. You could have watched the cricket as well. And- well, that's true. That's but the other great thing in villages as well. The cricket. And is then it? the pub, yeah. So, Church cricket pub, you know. So, oh, is that what you do? At, yeah. You all go play cricket? Yeah. I well, see. no, no, no. Well, depends. You see, cricket is a great game for anybody who is a good drinker because basically all you need is two good bowlers and two good uh, batsmen, hitters, okay. and a, a wicketkeeper or catcher, and the rest just have to be able to drink. Um, <laughs> Perfect. Because there's nothing else that they need to do. Maybe see. it is my sport, then. It could well be. And, and it can Go on for days. Yeah, it's a great sport. Start a cricket team. Yeah. yeah. I mean, let's face it. We're not the most athletic bunch in the world. Definitely not. Well, you know, or the most coordinated. Yeah, we're the most coordinated. But the big difference is, unlike baseball, you, you, 
you don't get a glove in oh. the field, you know. So and it's a it's a hard ball. It, it's, too. it's a hard ball. Yeah. yeah, I used to play cricket. You yeah. did. That's why I'm so good looking. Now. <laughs> <laughs> Were you one of these good uh, ballers or hitters? No, no, I was okay. They used to call me the blacksmith. Because if I hit it, it went a really long way. Um, <laughs> but if I usually, I, I just completely missed it. And you only get one chance. It's not like baseball where you get three chances at least. Oh, that's it. Uh, yeah. If you, if if you miss it and it hits the wickets, um, you're out. You're out. And that used to happen to me. But when I hit it, oh, it went a long way. All right. Yeah. I've heard of a lot of pe- a lot of spectators getting whacked by that ball. Yeah. And, yeah, in, yeah. and really injured. It's a yeah, but most of them are old and, and half dead anyway. So <laughs> it was sort of actually considered natural selection. Yeah, at that point. Was, you know. <laughs> the weaker ones will fall. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, the the I'm happy to report the village pub is alive and well in these in these small communities, and uh, it was just it was just cool to see. Just a good culture. Sounds so, so much better than going to a McDonald's. You know, well, that was my other favorite part. It's funny you mentioned that. I said that to a, a lot of the of my hosts. I said, you know, one of my favorite things about being here is that I haven't seen a McDonald's in five days. And it's refreshing, uh, yeah. They laugh now. Now there's McDonald's there. The English, uh, they like their fast food almost as much as we do. When you drive along the motorway, it's called. Uh, they have the same big ass rest stops, and every one of them has a, a Burger King. And a McDonald's, and um, well, why not the big ass? They yeah. do have the big ass. They do. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if we're the fattest country, England's getting there. They're close second. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I don't know if they're second or not, but um, they're getting there. But the women in England are mm. not afraid to dress like whores. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they got a I closet mean, full of that stuff. The, I don't know. Now, I'm not saying that they are or they are not. But I'm saying no, 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 I have no, never no. seen so many short skirts in my life. It's a, it's the fashion there. Well, they have to get your attention away from their mouth and their teeth. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I have, sorry, I wait. It's been uh, it's been an hour and three minutes. It was going to happen. Right. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! I mean, skirts everywhere. I'm going to miss that because we've yeah. lost our respect for the short skirt here in America, and I hope we get it back because that was nice to see. But. Yeah, eating habits that I saw are, are very similar when you're on the go. They're just hitting the fast food restaurant. It's really lots of McDonald's, lots of junk food. So don't forget you have to have your pudding Yeah, after dinner. <laughs> Everything's a pudding. And pudding isn't pudding. Pudding's just dessert, isn't it? Pudding is dessert. If you're posh. You know, it's dessert if you're if you're poor, but if you're really blonde to the upper classes, they call it pudding or pudding. Well, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's you know apple pie. You know, spotted dick. <laughs> I um, saw the spotted dick. You did? I didn't try it, no. but it was there. Oh, spotted dick's tasty. <laughs> In between puffing bags. If you had the opportunity <laughs> to have spotted dick, why would you not do that? Well, now that one I did it's ask contagious. about. You know, uh, yeah, they, they got they got medicine for that. Well, yeah. it's sh- it's a it, it's a it's. What is its substance? It's shaped like a dick, though, isn't it? No. <laughs> I was told that They just that did that for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's shaped nothing like that. It's oh. got a, kind of amorphous. I see. But with big spots in it, and that's due to fruit and so on. So, okay. Yeah. Well, they told me that, right? They didn't lie about that then. No. But, but they told me that it's shaped like a dick. No. And, oh. No, no, no. <laughs> they saw you coming. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that they well, did. Look at him, the cock and ball street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was that before? after your bowl of uh, leaky cock dicky soup on the shores of Lake Titicaca which apparently is Scottish anyway Uh yeah (laughs) 
All right, let me get us to a break. Uh, announcements real quick. Uh, we'll do chats as, as well. Um, we are live from Downtown Joe's. I believe it's uh, on the 21st, Downtown Joe's in Napa. And uh, one of the reasons we're doing that is because Tasty McDole brewed a beer with Colin. Yeah, we did a couple of weeks ago or 10 days ago or something like that. Yeah. We brewed a uh, American Pale Ale. Oh, yeah. A, taste, a, a tasty, tasty style? A, a tasty APA derivative, yeah. Okay. It's got some tasty APA uh, malt uh, attributes. Now, when you say we brewed, you mean you stood there with a beer and told Colin what to do. And Colin had somebody else do it. <laughs> More like, uh, yeah, Colin told everybody what to do. And we, one of those wasn't me. But it's so, your recipe. Yeah, and, uh, we designed it together. Oh, you did? Cool. Right. Yeah. And so this beer is going to be ready to serve on the 21st. I yeah. got a message oh, yeah. from Colin. Yeah. And so we're going to go out there and do our regular Sunday session remote thing. And I really encourage you to come out, as I always do, to hang out with us. But because you get to try Tasty's Beer on tap. Yeah. You know? And uh, I'm going to have a keg of uh, Janice Brown sent over from Russian River. Which is one you also just brewed, right? right? So I'll have Double two, dip it. two falses there. <laughs> wow, look at you, Tasty. <laughs> hey, did you hear about the grain delivery that got dropped off at I, Downtown I saw, Joe's? The pi- I saw the picture. Got yeah. dropped right on the front of a brand new Volvo. Oh, Whole pallet. Yeah, You're 44 kidding. sacks right in somebody's front hood. How the hell did that happen? You can go to my Facebook page. Man, it's complicated. A, oh, yeah, I, got a, I got an album there called Downtown Joe's Brew Day or something like that. Oh, so it happened while you were there? Well, yes. yeah, we needed the grain off the truck, and so we're out there getting it and watch the pallet fall oh. off the, the the lift on the truck. Guys, it falls right off onto the hood of this car. Was yeah. it your fault, Chad? No, no, no. The guy, the truck driver, he didn't know what the hell he was doing. Oh. Did, the, did oh. the alarm go off on the Volvo? No, no. I didn't. No. Oh, that would have been better. Yeah, we'll add it for, as a sound effect for the, for the movie. <laughs> yeah. How did it go with the, uh, with the owner? Uh, it was kind of a hit-and-run situation, actually. The, dr- the driver took off. He said he didn't want anything to do with it. And so he called the cops, and it's of course, Colin, much hit-and-run. You know, says, no, so, you can't do this. Yeah, wow. well, Colin left them a note. He left the note on the car and, and says, here's Oh, the they game. weren't in the restaurant or anything, so... No, no, no they had to do at the restaurant. Oh. It's like an Allstate commercial. It's like, now what? <laughs> Pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Pretty bad. Wow. I'm mayhem. So what's the name of the beer? I'm, I'm, a, sack name of, I'm a sack of grain. Dented hood pale? I have to talk to you about a name. We're going to use the dented hood thing as sort of the theme for the beer. We'll see. All right, so two tasty beers on tap at Downtown Same Joe's place. on November 21st. Yeah. That's a Sunday, of course. Uh, come hang out with us and Tasty and, and try his beer all night. Uh, signed yeast books are in. Uh, that's the new book from Jamil Zanishev and Chris White. Um, and that's in the store right now, still with signatures. So you can go in there and get them. I just put more in the store the other day. So if you didn't get your copy yet, get it now. There's other merch in the store, stickers, T-shirts, uh, other books. You can get the Brewing Network app in the iTunes store and listen on the go. And subscribe and join the BN Army by um, hitting the donate button. If you're a recurring donor, you get auto entry into the More Beer Donation Giveaway, which we do whenever we do it. But uh, it always works out to be one prize a month. And I think we owe you like three prizes at this point. But uh, sign up and uh, do that. It helps us help, help you. All these announcements can be found on Twitter. Go to twitter.com slash brewing network and on Facebook. Um, Facebook uh, slash brewing network, whatever it is. Scott yeah, the Jew uh, is now available at Scott at the Brewing Network.com for your show ideas. Uh, feedback goes to feedback at the Brewing Network.com. And Chat, do you have announcements for I us? I do. All right. Chat's announcements are brought to you today by the Cicerone Certification Program. You can go to Cicerone.org and learn all about becoming a certified Cicerone. Know your beer, especially you're going to be serving it, just like the Brits are doing. <laughs> all right. 
So the first one coming up is November 13th. Entries are due for this one November 10th. This is the State of Franklin Homebrewers Competition. Um, it's called the uh, Franklinstein Homebrew Competition. Uh, basically, all the categories went through 23. They also have a special category called t- Category 29, Monster Beers. Uh, so check it out at uh, franklinbrew.org. Uh, also coming up on the 13th is a Land of Muddy Waters Homebrew Competition. You can go to MuggsHomebrew.org for all the details. M-U-G-Z Homebrew.org. Uh, a big giveaway coming up for the Great America Beer Festival next year. Uh, basically, you can win two uh, tickets, airfare, uh, session tickets, hotel room, all that good stuff from the uh, Homebrewers Association. All you got to do is register at the homebrewersassociation.org uh, by November 30th, and uh, you're in this prize giveaway. Uh, you can basically go to homebrewersassociation.org. They have a big banner. It says Great American Beer Festival uh, Getaway. And, uh, man, if you could win that, that'd be pretty sweet. Be a good deal. Yeah. Uh, Club Only Comps coming up. November, December is Strong Ales. Those are due November 30th. It's going to be uh, held November, uh, December 4th. Entry fee is 7 bucks, and uh, basically you can get all the information on the AHA website. Also in January, February, get those beers ready. This is English Pale Ales, Battle of the Bitters. So these are going to be due by January 28th, and that's right around the corner. And uh, also coming up, uh, deadline for this one is going to be December 3rd. This is the Temecula Valley Homebrewers Association Homebrew Competition. Uh, again, the deadline is the 3rd, and you can uh, check out the Temecula Valley Homebrewers Association website for all the details there. And that's all I got. All right. Don't forget, Shats announcements are brought to you by Cicerone, the Cicerone Beer Certification Program. Become a certified Cicerone. Go to Cicerone.org and check it out. All right. Doc, we're going to do feedback later. Oh, well, I figured you would be. <laughs> yeah, that was a good hour start. Just don't jip me on the on the feedback. we got to hit it. All right, we'll do it. Okay. Scott will remind me that we have to do our feedback. All right. It's done. No, make sure. All right, <laughs> we're going to take ourselves a break. Uh, probably just a little longer break than normal since we went on for an hour. Uh, that way we can refill our beer and have a pee and whatever else we have to do. Um, so hang in there. We've got Dr. Bamforth on with us, and uh, we're going to talk about his new book, Beer is proof that God loves us. And uh, so if you've got questions, 888-401-BEER or hit the chat now button on the homepage and enter the chat room. You can watch the video feed, justin.tv slash brewing network. We'll be right back with Dr. Bamforth. Listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. My name is Olin Schultz and I'm president of More Beer. This month, More Beer wants you to meet the man behind the brand. I founded More Beer 15 years ago. Olin started brewing before the release of both Windows 3.1 and Bill Clinton. I've been homebrewing for 18 years. What makes starting the biggest brand in homebrewing great? My favorite thing about working at More Beer is the great energy of the staff. Everyone loves to talk about beer. Olin has put some of his favorite items on sale this month just for you. My favorite things to brew with right now at More Beer are the new breathable silicone carboy hood. An easy way to seal your carboy without a lot of head pressure on your yeast. 
my multi-brown ale kit, our stainless steel quick disconnects, our line of heavy-duty kettles, and of course, the B3500 brew sculpture. The best gravity-fed brew sculpture with a footprint of just two by three feet. It can fit almost anywhere. Don't miss Olin's favorites this month only and only at More Beer. Nico, listen, our lawyers said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months until the next meeting. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. Hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment 10 years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Heller High Watermelon Wheat Beer at Brew Free or Die IPA in the Northeast, Northwest, parts of the Midwest, and Alaska in cans and on draft. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in the can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. Hey, what are you doing, man? Writing a review of WLP 400. What? You're reviewing yeast? Yeah. White Labs has home brewer reviews of all their strains. Are you new to these interwebs? Check it out. That's awesome. White Labs, your source for great yeast, invites all brewers to visit whitelabs.com to read and write your own reviews of all their yeast strains. Get real-world tips and tricks from other brewers who have made the most of their vials and post your own experiences. It's another way White Labs brings you closer to the best yeast on the planet. And send. There you go. You misspelled flocculate, dude. What? Ah. Uh. White Labs. It's all in the vial. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone Certification Program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerones know beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone Program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious. Cicerone are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. What's up, BN Army? Jake and Mike here from Brewing TV. Brewing TV is homebrew culture in video. Asking the big questions. Who and why. We leave the how to the tubby know-it-alls. Check us out at BrewingTV.com. The first webisode drops May 7th. Like Crosley's pants in a Louisiana jail cell. This Sit down next to it, grab yourself a paper towel, and watch those yeast have sex. You're listening to the Brewing Network. The Brewing Network, saving your life. 
one beer at a time. Thanks for sticking with us. It's the session with Dr. Bamforth, and a lot still to get to. Don't worry, I'm not going to shortchange our interview with Dr. Bamforth just because we had to cover the uh, Euro trip and get that info out, too. Uh, if you got questions, 888-401-BEER. The Beeb is there to answer your phone calls or hit the chat now button, and uh, she'll give you the middle finger. Uh, over there, and send your questions over to me. You can also watch all the action and see uh, Dr. Bamforth's lovely face at justin.tv slash brewing network. There's a little video cam there. And, uh, Who are you calling Lil? <laughs> That's we, news. <laughs> we have two Englishmen in the room, by the way. Our friend Simon's in the room, too. And uh, feel like I feel like I haven't even come home yet. It's kind of nice, actually. I'm still on vacation with the two, two Brits in here. Very nice. I can bring you back to reality if you want. <laughs> with, with our awful accent. Yeah, Simon was saying how nostalgic he was feeling with you guys talking about England. <laughs> uh, cool. When's the last time you were you were back home, Simon? Earlier this year. Okay, so you go visit a lot. Mm-hmm. Earlier this year you went. Oh, no, when, it's, well, it's about a month ago, weren't you over there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, when's the last time you lived there? How long have you been living here in the States? A uh, little, little over three and a half years ago. Okay. But whenever I head back, the first thing I do is go for a pint of cask ale and then uh, the national dish of the UK, which is curry. <laughs> Just curry. <laughs> curry. Right. I did have... I tried to go for as, as much uh, English food as I could. Um, so, of course, I had some um, some meat pies, mm-hmm. which, are, which are great. And, by the way, they don't always have to be hot. Sometimes you get a meat pie that's cold. I oh, think it's called something else. Pork then. pie. Pork a pie. Pork pie. That's, Melton yeah. Mowbray pork pie. Yes. With yes. mustard or pickle. That's right. Oh, I didn't have either of that. I just had the pork pie. Branston pickle. Okay. Yeah. Near right. Burton on Trent. I would just keep thinking about how they could possibly be made out of humans. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would ruin it for you. Um, and then I had some hot meat pie. and then I didn't have curry. I'm not a big fan of curry, even though I understand. It tastes like dirty socks, there. curry. I've decided, put my finger on dirty it. Socks. Dirty socks, yes. Next time you eat or smell curry, think that, and then you'll never be able to touch uh, it again. Well, Ark, I have had both. I've had curry here, and mm. I have had curry there. And I will say there's a significant difference. Um, some, of, some of the Indian restaurants over here are get, uh, getting pretty good. Starting to get it right? They are. Uh, go to Dixon near Davis, and there's a, there's a great the Indian restaurant there. Guys. Okay. Is <laughs> well, and there's probably some good. Berkeley's. Dixon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Berkeley's pretty good with a yeah. lot of uh, yeah. uh, foreign food, too. So uh, there's probably some good restaurants there. But I'm not sure what. Of course, I had bangers and mash. Oh, oh. Why did I not mention this oh. earlier? English bacon. Oh, yes. Mm hmm. It's fabulous. Mm-hmm. Better than Canadian because, bacon, huh? Oh, Canadian bacon is bullshit <laughs> compared to English. Uh, let me tell you right now. What makes it so much better? Well, <laughs> the pigs made with real pigs. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> like all the meat part instead mm, of no all the fat f- part. Mm. Now, now the fat's there. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like ours, which yeah. is ninety percent fat yeah. and then a little. So it has the same great flavor, a little different, but it's meaty. Interesting. Mm. It's the one thing I smuggle in every time I come back from the UK. Oh yeah. And I ate a burger made out of bacon. The whole burger. I don't mean, like, when we have a bacon burger, we have a burger. With, with a some, couple pieces of bacon. bacon. Yeah. 
you can get a whole burger made of this bacon meat what? out there. Mm. Now, why'd you even come back? I don't yeah, know. Honestly. After, after that, I believe I, it's called pork. <laughs> uh, no, it's it tasted like bacon, not mm. like pork or ham. Or it was a whole burger, or Canadian bacon. It was like bacon. Now that one, I don't know if that's a common thing. It might have been mm. a specialty of a local butcher where we were at in um, uh, 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 Burton, uh, well near uh, uh, Bradstock. Does this or, guy export by chance? I don't know. I try. I, that's one thing I don't mess with uh, bringing back. I don't mess with cheese or meat. Because you get in trouble for that. They 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 get pissed off at you for that. Plants, livestock, yeah. Yeah, you bring home too much beer and you get caught, they'll just tell you to leave some behind. You bring home meat and cheese and you're crossing a line. You're cuffed and have a full cavity search. It gets ugly. <laughs> it gets ugly. Anyhow, some good foods. All right. So Dr. Charlie Bamforth uh, with UC Davis is with us. What is the uh, official title you have there at UC Davis? The Anheuser-Busch Endowed Professor of Malting and Brewing Sciences. What is the... I just now realize the Anheuser-Busch endowed part. What does that mean? Some people call me the well-endowed professor. Just, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you got that you rim, started rim that river, drunk. didn't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. What it means is that uh, the, that company wanted to make sure that the brewing program continued uh, at Davis when Michael Lewis retired. And so they put a, a, a slug of money into the university and uh, the university invest it or put it on a horse or something. I don't know. Whatever they do with the <laughs> right. money and whatever it generates uh, goes to comes to me to uh, pay for research or pay for travel or something like that. Okay. They, they don't pay me. They, they don't pay my salary. I'm a faculty member of the University of California, so I'm, a, if you like, a state employee and so on. So uh, contrary to popular opinion, uh, uh, Anheuser-Busch InBev do not pay my wages. I and, see. Uh, but uh, what they do do um, is uh, it, there's the endowment, and, but they've also been very generous in with facilities and helping us build new building, uh, new brewery, and all those good things. Well, it does behoove them and the whole brewing industry, so yeah. it, it's, it's a worthy investment. You said behoove? <laughs> Why not? I've never heard you say that before. <laughs> I probably just picked it up. If you said that in England, by the way, they would have said, no, you mean behold. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) They said a lot of things like that to me every time I was speaking. I just stopped speaking after a while. (laughs) It was much more interesting to listen anyway. (laughs) That's not something I brought home with me. I thought it was. (laughs) Yeah. Now, how long have you been doing that with UC Davis? Uh, I, it'll be 12 years in January. Okay. So uh, I came over in uh, January 99. Um, I've, I've been in the Brewing Institute for 32 years. So, okay. Uh, so before that, um, the Brewing Research Foundation, or BRF International in England, and uh, I was an adjunct professor at Heriot Watt University in Scotland, and uh, I was with Bass for uh, eight years. Oh, is that right? Yeah. A lot of talk about Bass while I was out there among yeah. the brewers. Yeah. A very nostalgic brewery right. for when they used to apparently brew some really incredible... No, no, I don't have anything against Bass now either. No. But apparently it used to be a very different beer, and a lot of younger... Uh, uh, well, when, when, when a lot of brewers were younger, I guess Bass was it. It was the one. Yeah, Bass, uh, very famous, uh, I mean, uh, you know. The, uh, I'll read my own book and it'll say exactly when uh, Bass were uh, were founded. But uh, okay. very nostalgic brewing company. And these days, the brand is owned by Anheuser Busch InBev. Although I believe it's in the market on the market. The breweries, uh, half of them are uh, with that company, and the other half are, are Coors. Um, oh yeah. Uh, the the original Bass company sold all the breweries, sold all the beers, and and got into hotels, and so. Uh, if you go to Holiday Inns or Crown Plaza or Intercontinental Hotels, that is Bass. Is that right? Yeah. 
And you used to work for them when they were Bass. Yeah, yeah. I, I was research manager in Burton-on-Trent. I was also quality manager in uh, one of the breweries. Uh, they, they told me I had to get some of the smooth edges knocked off, so I went to a brewery near Liverpool. And uh, uh, I mean, we were very proud of being Bass employees. It, it really was the, um, the leader in, in the UK, Okay, pre-Thatcher. Yeah, well, that's kind of <laughs> yeah, had to get that in once. <laughs> yeah, and I've got questions about that too, which is uh, I'm glad you bring it up now. Yeah, good. <laughs> now, I, uh, well, just Scott just poured us a beer. This is an old ale from Fuller's Prize oh. Old Ale. Now, I tried to grab beers from Fuller's that we don't get here because uh, they're you know we we just kind of get their their big brands. And I saw this on on the shelf. And I love an old ale. A, a nice old ale is just a great flavor for me. So, so like a cougar I have a, ale? <laughs> like cougar ale. See, if Americans did it, we'd call it cougar ale. Yes. Um, I haven't tried this yet. I didn't even try it, it there. I just awesome. saw it on the shelf. And It's from 2007. Bottle conditioned. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good old ale. A lot of raisin and sweet. Raisin, yep. Smells like it, too. Sherry, absolutely. I like that beer. Mm. Everybody's chewing on yeah. it in here. <laughs> it's pretty... Uh, it's really sweet. Like a sourness to sour it. Sour, yeah. finished it. Uh, yeah. Very sour. It's weird. I picked up sweet, and then now that you say sour, I'm like, all right, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's both. I, I picked up sweet, too, but there's also sour. Very Just sherry. Justice, lots of yeah. shit here. Yeah. It's probably because somebody stuck their fingers in it when it was fermenting. <laughs> how, how you like that? Right. Somebody sneezed. <laughs> yeah. 9% alcohol. Yeah, it is. that's a big one for them, isn't it? Yeah. 9%. Yeah. So if they have to uh, pay way more in taxes than they would have otherwise? Well, that's that's it would be, yeah. 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 It's, the increments are 0.1%. Yeah. What's George Gale? What is that? George Gale... Um, Unless I'm confusing, but Gales of Horndean, which is a, a, a brewery, brewery in uh, Hampshire, but I'm not sure mm. it's the same Gale, George Gale. Uh, I'd have to do my homework on that one. Mm. So was this one more expensive on the shelf? A little, but it, this was at the Fuller store. They have a store right there, so anybody can go in and do this. Uh, it's Brewery Fresh, but you buy it right there. Everything's cheap. I was just wondering, you know, with, the, the, with the taxes and this being a nine percent beer, if it was yeah, it was a slight, lot more. No, it wasn't a lot more. No, I have an oak aged one that we'll try a little bit later. I wonder, but that one's newer. It just had been sitting in um, in in barrels since I think a year. We'll pretty cool it. bottle too. I do like the bottle. It's pretty neat. That's yeah. so your hand doesn't slip off. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. So, what got you into beer, Charlie? Um. Well, uh, I was 18, therefore drinking beer, and uh, at university, it was one of the main social activities you had. And, uh, <laughs> right. So, yeah, amazing. So, uh, you know, the university, was there were bars all over the place, and uh, and I was at a university in Hull, uh, Beer Drinker's Paradise, on the East Coast there, Hull, and literally a, a Friday evening, you would sort of have a drink in the first pub, and then sort of go next door to the next pub, and then go next door to the next pub. <laughs> okay. So it was kind of a... Uh, but I was studying biochemistry, and um, and then I did a PhD. Then I was doing a postdoc in a city in the north of England called Sheffield, and my wife was uh, 
and I we just got married. And of course, when you're doing a postdoc, you you actually, uh, on the one hand, you're trying to get as much uh, research done as possible, uh, but also you're looking at the pages of New Scientist and Nature for for jobs. And the first one that took my eye was a place called the Brewing Research Foundation. Um, which uh, was a big old country house in the south of England, just south of London, and they wanted an enzymologist. And I, you know, that's what my PhD and postdoc work was all about. So, you know, brewing industry, enzymologists, give me a break, I could do that. And uh, so I went down for an interview, and I was really impressed. I interviewed on the Thursday, and on the Saturday morning, the the offer letter arrived uh, in in the house. I thought, they really want me. And uh, and so, um, you know, know, our friend here from England, he's he's from the south, I'm from the north, there's an inherent suspicion between the two um, <laughs> even though it's a tiny place yeah it is uh like you know, so so I, I come from the hard <laughs> hard rugged north you okay. know where, where men are men and, and some of the women are men and um <laughs> I, I, and for me to go down to the south was uh, you know there was a big shock factor there but i i, I you know i bit the bullet and i went down there and your uh, dad must and, not have been happy and the rest of history <laughs> it's like moving to san francisco he, he thought wait a second no, I, I, my son in my, in my, in my family an uncle of mine his, his daughter moved to the next village a mile away and said, we'll never see you again. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's a, it's a different sort of culture. But to go down to the soft south, uh, as we call it, um, <laughs> was, uh, was, was, was quite a challenge. <laughs> well, our friend Simon's a little fancy, let's face it. Yeah. You, you might have him pegged right. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, so I joined uh, this the Brewing Research Foundation, and what it was uh, uh, was an organisation that was paid for by the brewing companies, uh, and they had a basically a tax on the beer. So every barrel of beer had a few pence tax on it, and that was used to fund the, the Brewing Research Foundation. So the bigger the company, uh, the more they paid for research. So Bass was the biggest brewing company by far, so they paid the most. Mm. And uh, there are six other big brewing co- or five other big brewing companies and lots of others as well. And so it was it was a very civilized thing, sort of paying for all these uh, young scientists. And then, of course, because they were paying, they kept tabs on what you were doing. And they were looking at you. They 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 they, they actually cherry picked the ones they wanted, and so after a few years, they said, "We'd like you, Charlie." And and so I transferred basically to uh, to Bath. Wow. Okay. And essentially did the same sort of research. Well, I was carrying on the research, and then I, in less than a year, they said, "You know, we need a new research manager. You uh, come along, and, and uh, can you run the the, the program?" So I had. You know, a research program, thirty people basically, and we're working on the fundamentals of brewing, um, biochemists, um, yeast people. We had a couple of uh, molecular biologists working on gene technology. We had a new product development team working on all the new products we were having, either the not only beers but other drinks as well. Um, so we had a, a large research team that uh, was, uh, you know, we were publishing papers, and those are the days when you know PhDs were all over the brewing industry, and they're doing a lot of really? fairly, fairly sophisticated science. And all the brewing companies had these people, and uh, and we were competing to get into the press first and so on. I don't know why I'm surprised by that. Mm. I would have thought that, that the real quality control and research side was, was much more recent. And I don't know why I think that. No, they, the research in brewing really started in the at the end of the 19th century. Um, but, you know, the, what is now the Institute of Brewing and Distilling, it started off as the laboratory club in the, the 19th century. And so there were some very eminent scientists working on, on beer for, for that period of time. And the first one, people like Pasteur worked mm. on, on beer in the Whitbread Brewery, um, uh, Horace Brown. Um, at the, in, in Bass, 
um, a forerunner of mine, who was the guy who, who basically was a research manager uh, in the early 20th century, is a guy called Cornelius O'Sullivan. He's a fellow of the Royal Society, which is equivalent to being a, a member of the National Academy of Science. And he was being paid, at the start of the 20, uh, 20th century, he was being paid £5,000 a year, a year. And, you know, in modern terms, that's rather a lot of money. Okay. And so there was a lot of money spent on, on science. And, of course, these guys uh, like that. They, they were really unraveling the, the basics of the brewing process, the malting and brewing process, and being paid good money to, to work out how to make beer consistently and excellently and efficiently. Okay. okay. And that was really the key because it wasn't consistent. It's being brewed for thousands of years, but Correct. consistency was was always the issue. That is that is the key thing. What's what what we have now is a product that can be made consistently well, consistently excellently every time, and that's because we have the science and we have the technology. Okay. Unlike certain other types of alcoholic beverage, and that goes along for storage, mm. uh, transportation, all that. Absolutely. Kind of stuff. So understanding what can what what you need to do to make it go right. And what you should avoid so that it doesn't go wrong. Okay. Do you think that craft brewers now um, who don't have their own labs, these smaller companies, uh, is it kind of a going back to the way beer was made when you just made it blindly? or To, a, to an extent. But, you know, if you, if you listen to the people who've really made a great success growing through the craft sector, um, they have always stressed the importance of a laboratory. Okay. Uh, even the most primitive of, of quality control is so important. Yeah. So if you listen to a Fritz Mater, you listen to a Ken Grossman, they emphasize one of the first things they insisted on is having a laboratory okay. so that they could, you know, go back to uh, Jack McCauley. If you see the pictures of him, you know, with, there's a picture of Pasteur on the back wall. Oh, not Pasteur, um, uh, Einstein. There's a picture of Einstein on the back wall. Uh, I'm not quite sure why he got inspiration from Einstein, but he recognized the importance of, uh, of science. Right. And so, you know, people like Fritz and Ken, they, they uh, had laboratories right from the start. Uh, Fritz, for example, he, he'd inherited a brewery that was, as he would say, the you know, last medieval brewery, uh, <laughs> uh, crawling with bugs and so on. And I think the first thing he bought was a microscope, and the second thing he bought was a, a, a brewing textbook and, uh, and got it done right. Okay. Hmm. So the laboratory is where aluminium is made, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just want to make sure. I'm no, let me get this. You see, aluminium. I, I, you know, I find myself saying this now, so you guys can understand. Me. <laughs> Why the hell don't you say sodium and potassium and calcium? Yeah, I don't you know, know. I mean, it's the only one you miss the eye. Is it because somebody misspelt it one day? You know, I mean, it's, it's not on the schedule. It's, <laughs> it's bizarre. Yeah. You know? <laughs> We must do it just to mess with you guys. Yeah, I guess you do. <laughs> <laughs> Tomato. <Yeah>. Vitamin. <laughs> I can say it properly now. Right? It's the only way the students understand me, you know. Oh, yeah. But they love the English accent. You know? Oh, I'm sure of it. Yeah, they think but I'm But then smart, they take you know? their notes and they must come up afterward and go, so I got everything. Yeah. What the fuck's a vitamin? <laughs> <laughs> Is that VID? One of the fir fir first times I was speaking over here, I was talking about the, the big sacks that the hops are in, in in England. I said, and 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 they're called hop pockets, and everybody was crying with laughter. And I said, what the fuck have I said? Yeah. And and they said, have you never heard of hot pocket? And I said, no. Right. Oh. And I said, you know, they brought one in for me, but you know. 
And you're rude about British food? I mean, for God's sake. <laughs> if we, yeah, we have hot you pockets. You gave us hot pockets? My God. Huh? That's part of our pop culture. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So now, you, you know, you've been in the industry uh, for over 30 years. You've, you, you've been at a brewery. Um, you've been at UC Davis uh, as a professor as well as a director of the program now for a few years. Yep. Um, written how many books? Oh, a lot. A lot. More, more than ten. <laughs> and your latest book yep. uh, is Beer is Proof God Loves Us. Yes. Now, to me, and now I'm going to be honest with you, I haven't read your other books. Okay. I know the existence of them, and I know um, and I know their purpose, and I know how important they've been uh, as well. To and most of that, I've learned from other brewers talking about how important they are. Right. This one's a little a different pace for you. It's totally different. Okay. Yeah. It's not a technical manual. Nope. Um, and it's not the same research that you've always written about. Nope. This one's more of a life research. Yeah. You know, I, I, I've written plenty about the, the, the science and technology of brewing and beer quality and, and, and uh, the, the science. Um, I wanted to write a book that was from a different perspective. It was about uh, the world of beer, uh, beer in society, beer uh, and life. Uh, and, and as I see it as well, there's, there's, there's a lot about me in here as well, which some people would say oh, that's a bit too egotistical. But um, um, And most of it I've, I've relegated to sort of uh, the end notes. Uh, some people are being critical. The, the book's in two parts. It's the, the main uh, – the bulk of it is, is kind of uh, relatively short. Um, and there's a lot of end notes, uh, but that's for very good reasons. I, 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 I have a lot to say in those end notes, but they they put some color perhaps into my own personal perspective on on why I view things the way I do, and why I'm in the place I am, uh, and so on. But hopefully, also uh, at the end of the day, people will read this and say, you know, perhaps beer. Uh, is a, a mindful thing is a an important part of uh, of life and uh, and perhaps it would open their eyes about uh, uh, the way in which beer should be regarded and uh, accepted and tolerated so i feel like and 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 by the way just you know if you can see it on the camera and uh, I, about halfway you're right about the two parts yeah. with the end notes yeah i feel like you you're actually not a narcissist, and that's why you have the end notes. It, rather than kind of what you say, that, that it might be your, your ego that made you write this book, I feel like you were kind of afraid to make this part the – not that it's not the meat, but do you see what I mean? Yeah, well, I do. Because uh, I yeah. – well, because I think that I would have been happy to read anything you have to say about uh, about how beer is part of life. And, and I just wonder why exactly you split it. Uh, I don't know. Some people would say I did it because it was easy to do it that way and, and less of an effort to to, to uh, meld it into the main uh, part of the text. I, and there may be an element of truth to that. Okay. Um, but I felt uh, if it was done that way, it may detract from the flow of what I really was trying to achieve in the, if you like, the, the body of the book. Um, and, you know, when I started talking about what I really wanted to be when I was a kid was the Wolverhampton Wanderers goalkeeper. You know, I, you know to actually fit that into a, a story about, about beer is, is it, it's relevant because it says something about who I am and why I, I, I came to where I am now. Um, but perhaps it was a little bit tangential to, uh, to the main thrust of the, of the topic. I see. Well, 
I guess then, in any case, I'm really happy that you added the end notes. And kind of as you say in the beginning of the book, that they're worth reading because they just might strike a personal chord. And yep. I think that's kind of the key for me. Right. In a lot of the traveling that I just did, uh, I, I think I came to, to a, a conclusion, and that's that really what I love about beer for me, and, and maybe this explains why I don't brew very often, what I love about brewing and beer and this thing that I do is really the people. I am absolutely crazy about meeting the people in this industry and how fascinating they are and where they've come from and that crazy guy Julian at the cidery who just blew my mind with his yeah. stories. The culture of beer is what I've, I've discovered I'm really passionate about. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and the, the people have always said... Um, throughout my career in the brewing industry, what characters there are in the brewing industry. And there are some fabulous characters and some fabulous personalities. And uh, uh, for the longest time, that, that has been the case. Uh, it's, it's the most convivial industry you can possibly be in. You know, I, I sent somebody so while ago, I go all over the world going to meetings and so on. And, and yeah, you meet a lot of the same people, but wherever you go, you're, it, it's all good spirit, goodwill, and lots of anecdotes, lots of amusing stories, and uh, yeah. lots of history. Struggle. It, it, oh, it's wonderful. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just fabulous. It's such a human side to it. It's such yeah. a hu- to me, it's just a human beverage. And that's why, you know, one of the points I, I make in the, po- the book, and I've made this in other places as well, possibly in this room as well in the past, I don't know, is that, you know, the brewing industry is a big industry. And not everybody's, you know, likes everybody else's beer, <laughs> right. but 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 I think it's important that uh, people respect that whoever is in the brewing industry is doing what they believe is right. Uh, we're all in this together, and uh, you know I think it's so important. If we're going to talk about mindfulness and tolerance and so on, and acceptance and so on, realize that you know there are some huge brewing companies in the world, and you know, some would argue and. Sometimes me as well would argue perhaps too big. Um, but also there are some brewers that are very, very small that, that aren't, you know, they're not all doing it very well, you know. Um, right. and, and those latter ones can learn from the big guys. And the big guys can be a bit humble and learn from, from some of the smaller guys as well. But basically we're all in it in the same business. We're interested in beer. Yeah. And I think beer should be celebrated and, 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 and held up and triumphed. Uh, because if we're going to do that, if we're not going to do that, then you know other inferior beverages will will get in there, like Four Loco or Mountain Dew <laughs> Smirnoff. <laughs> I wouldn't name names, but <laughs> we did it for you, Charlie. It's okay. okay. Uh, one thing that we just touched briefly in a joke in the beginning of the show, and, and Doc seemed to know what you were talking about too. You, you talk about it in the intro of your book. You say that in England today, pubs are shuttering their doors at the rate of about fifty-two. A week, yeah. Um, and you blame Thatcher, <laughs> who had some beer laws come about in the 1980s. Yeah. Can you explain that to me? Because I heard about this while I was in England too. Yeah, um, it was at the time that I was with Bass, and um, basically Margaret Thatcher decided the British brewing industry was a monopoly. Uh, and the reason she said that was we had vertical integration. So basically, the brewers owned the pubs. And so Bass was the biggest brewing company in the UK at the time. We had uh, more than 6,000 pubs. She said that's a monopoly. And, of course, we would respond and say, well, you know, but Allied and Whitbread and Courage and Grand Metropolitan and Greenall Whitley and Wolverhampton and Dudley and Marston's and, you know, the list goes, they've all got pubs as well. Mm-hmm. 
but she said it's monopoly. Uh, so basically, the decision was made um, through the beer laws, and they were pushed through by a guy called Lord Young, that um, uh, you uh, you couldn't have uh, or own more than two thousand pubs. Uh, they relinquish, they they relax that and say, well, actually, two thousand plus a half of the balance. So, you know, I think we had 6,350. So we were able to keep 2,000 plus a half of 4,350, whatever that is. <laughs> um, and after this 9% beer, I can't do the calculation. <laughs> well, um, I think 6,000. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, so 4,000 or something pubs. So, but she said, if you don't own pubs, you can basically brew as much beer as you want. Now, everybody knows that the profit is in selling the beer. Uh, over the bar it's not in the bulk sale of beer from one um, you know like in this country from a brewer to a, um, a distributor or something like that or a wholesale so so basically basically people say well, what do we want to do do we want to brew beer or do we want to sell it mm. and basically most of the guys decided well unless you're very 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 big it makes perfect sense to own bars and restaurants and hotels rather than own breweries so one by one, they got out. So Bass got out. They sold all the breweries. They sold them. Initially, they sold all of them to what was called Interbrew at the time in Belgium. But Thatcher said, that's still a monopoly. So uh, Interbrew, in turn, held uh, some of those breweries back and some of the brands back, but sold the biggest brand in the UK, Carling Black Label, together with some of the breweries to Coors. Mm. Uh, Scottish and Newcastle were the last to get out. They sold half the breweries to Heineken and half to Carlsberg. So... They're still, um, the, the companies like some of the ones you've mentioned, Fuller Smith and Turner, mm. who, um, um, they still have a lot of pubs of their own, but nowhere near as many as 2,000, you know? Yeah. So there is these regional breweries, uh, and of course a lot of craft brewers as well, smaller ones. But the, the, the famous names, the Bass, the, you know, the Whitbreads, they, they just sold out. They sold out of it. And so the whole brewing genre changed. Now, we talked about Cascale, and you were saying just how, how important you feel Cascale, how excellent you think it is. The key to that is having confidence in it when it's in the pub. Yeah. Now, when we brewed draft bass and sold it in our own pubs, we had our own people who were trained who were running the pubs, and we had outside quality control people who patrolled the different pubs and went into the pubs to check the beer and make sure everything was good. So we had total control on the product. And when you've got something like cast conditioned ale, you've, you've got to look after it. Yeah. And if somebody else is, is, is looking after your beer, well, you know, it's not quite so smart. And so partly because of Thatcher, that basically jeopardized a whole genre right there. So, yeah, she's not my favorite politician. <laughs> so when I drove around some parts and saw a on, a, on the side of a pub, whatever the name of it was, and then it would say Free House. Yeah. That meant it wasn't affiliated with a brewery. Correct. Not and they tied. Could, they yeah. could, it wasn't a tied house. Correct. And then they could buy, get the beer basically from wherever they wanted to. Uh, up but the, Whereas the, a tied house might have been a, a bass house. Yeah, and, and still there will be tied houses. So you can still go to a pub that is a Green King pub or a Shepherd Neem pub or something like that. Okay. Um, but uh, there are many more uh, pubs these days that are owned by... By pub companies, okay, um, Weatherspoons uh, and names like that, and uh, and they will basically negotiate for uh, the beer from wherever they can get the best deal. Okay. The other thing, the, the, the crazy thing is, um, in uh, in the UK, I mean, Thatcher talked about a monopoly, but you know, I think a monopoly is like what you have with some of the supermarket chains in the UK. 
which of course I would never name, things like Tesco. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was and, the name I was going to give you. And basically, um, you know, they're, they're screwing the brewers down to provide beer at the lowest possible cost. So the re- brewers are, are competing to, to, to get their beer into Tesco. And they're in turn selling at really low, crazy low prices, mm. cans of beer to take home, you know. And, and, and instead of going to the pub... Uh, to drink beer in a nice convivial environment, you know, people are taking it home and and uh, and drinking cheap beer uh, that way. Now, you know, you know, there's a lot to be said for a cheaper beer, of course, but if it's going to um, uh, be at the risk of pub survival, and if it's going to uh, be at the risk of brewery survival because they're really trying to to meet the the stresses that are being put upon them by the supermarkets, it's not healthy. It's not healthy, and um, so the whole business is a little bit jeopardized at the moment. Yeah, I could see that, and I I think I think it it's pretty controversial in the UK right now, also, and even camera comes into that controversy mm-hmm. about uh, their sort of very clear and defined way that beer is supposed to be served. That doesn't leave a whole lot of room even for brewers to experiment sometimes. Yeah, uh, cam- the campaign for real ale have uh, uh, have done some useful things, and certainly they've they've kept the uh, they kept for a long time the image of cask beer high, and uh, it, it was helpful to preserve that style, even in the face of some of the pressures I've described. Mm-hmm. Having said which, you know. Um, I don't think it's necessarily the cor- correct or, or fair that they would sort of simply say that is the only good beer you can have. You know, I, I, I think it's, it, again, it's not tolerant and not a tolerant stance to say this is the only decent beer. Anything that's pasteurized, anything that does not fall within these rules of cask-conditioned ale is by definition bad. <laughs> I think that's rather silly, you know. Yeah. Um, so they've done good, but equally I think uh, it's a fairly narrow stance that is not healthy. And even some of the brewers they're trying to protect... Uh, are, are feeling the same way. And isn't this the nature of all of it? I mean, it, it, the the law that you talk about in the beginning that was trying to protect these monopolies, uh, even if it wasn't completely well-intentioned, um, might have had some good results so that you don't have monopolies, but there's always something in the end. So it's sort of similar in the U.S. Uh, didn't we develop the three-tiered system yep. to try to keep from the same kind of monopoly? True. Um, and there was a time in the U.S. that Budweiser could go in and have essentially a tide house. You could you could buy a bar, and that they were only allowed to serve Budweiser. Right. Any, not just Budweiser. That's just my example. Any yeah. any big brewery, and we stopped that because we thought it was unfair competition in the marketplace. Yep. And while it fixed some problems, now the three-tiered system is also flawed. For certain small breweries, well, it is. I mean, it's, it's a challenge for many brewers to get onto supermarket shelves, and if you've got distributors that are uh, there are largely dealing with the products of one or at most a couple of companies, then sure, they're they're going to have the power. So I mean, it's very difficult to identify a um, the the ideal system. But uh, speaking from uh, my uh, memories, and uh, I think they're fairly accurate of what it was like when I was within the br- British brewing industry. Um, it was a case of, I think, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. And I think she tried to fix it, and it just wasn't broke. To begin with. Got it. All right, let me do this. We're going to take another quick break. 
And when we come back, we're going to hear Charlie read from his new book. I've got a couple other questions, and I've got a list of questions coming in from the chat room for me, too. Okay. Um, so we're going to get all get to all that when we come back. Hang in there. It's the session. We've got Dr. Charles Bamforth on the show with us. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, your questions, a piece of the book, and more. Hang in there. It's the session. You're listening to The Brewcasters. Brewing Network. Hi, this is Push from the Brewing Network, and I want to tell you about the Brewmasters Warehouse and how you can get 10% off your next order. I'm a pretty techie guy, but I've never seen an online store like this. It's awesome. Go to brewmasterswarehouse.com and click on Brew Builder. You can whip up a custom recipe so easily even Sven could do it. Seriously, it's slick. You can share your recipe with your own logo and notes to the Brewmasters database if you want. And the best part, it keeps a running tally of the beer you're building while you're doing it. Then, bam, click Buy Recipe and your cart is filled and ready to go with helpful suggestions in case you forgot something. This thing is amazing. Brewmasters Warehouse is run the way a home brewer would do it with great service, fast turnaround, and $6.99 flat rate shipping. Brewmasters Warehouse and the Brew Builder blew me away. Check it out today at brewmasterswarehouse.com. I'm serious. And don't forget to put BN Army in the discount code box for 10% off your order. Check out brewmasterswarehouse.com. Cheers. BN Army members, are you looking for a discount on hops? Keep listening. Nico's Homebrew Supply at nicobrew.com has hops by the ounce and by the pound. Choose from varieties like Amarillo, Centennial, East Kent Goldings, Hollertower, Simcoe, Summit, Tomahawk, Warrior, Willamette, and more. And adding new varieties all the time, many for less than 20 bucks a pound. Whether a couple ounces at a time or an 11-pound bag, all hops are shipped vacuum-sealed and frozen straight to you. Nico's Homebrew Supply offers store-wide $5 flat-rate chip and won't waste your money on unnecessary overhead or advertising. They're going bare bones and passing the savings on to you. The staff at Nico's Homebrew Supply loves to brew and is committed to keeping homebrewing affordable and accessible to anyone who wants to join in this great hobby. And for a limited time, use coupon code BNARMY at checkout for a Brewing Network discount. Visit NicoBrew.com. That's N-I-K-O Brew.com for your hops and more. NicoBrew.com, your bare bones buddy in the brewing business. And now, Northern Brewer brings you another installment of The The Time Brewers! Three brewers, three different eras, all caught in the same fermento chronological vortex, traveling through time, righting brewing wrongs, and bringing beery wisdom to where and whenever it may be needed. Journey now with Dr. Jean de Clerc. Greetings, listeners. 20th century Belgian super brewing scientist. Please, please, the yeast and the enzymes do the hard work. I am merely a facilitator. Icebox. What, what? 21st century Norwegian American home brewer rapper from St. Paul. Listen, listen, I bust attenuation maxims and my yakima magnums make my lager so smooth it's like a laxative. My spit got that static power after I mash for an hour. I got naked ladies in my brew room all covered in hot flowers. I swing a propagation flask like a five-liter dick. Get your nasty mid-drinking group on ass back 
1026, fool! And Brother Abelard. Off that with witch. Be gone! 12th century English monk and perpetuator of brewing superstition. My holy rod of divine bubbling shall maketh any ale to froth by the grace of heaven. And a modicum of bog myrtle hurts not either. Brought to you by Northern Brewer, your one-stop homebrew supplier throughout the entire Fermento chronosphere. The widest selection of quality malt, hops, yeast, and equipment with $7.99 flat rate shipping. Tune in next time for more Time Brewers! Hilo, what's it feel like? Take awesome and multiply it by two. Yeah! <laughs> Spraying live beer radio all over your face. <laughs> Can't get any better than this, baby. <laughs> it's the Brewing Network. You're listening to the Brewing Network. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. Yeah! Welcome back to the program. Thanks for sticking around with us. Still talking to Dr. Bamforth here and talking about his new book, Beer is Proof God Loves Us. And I'm digging this book so far, and I'm digging where it's coming from. I haven't gotten through the whole thing since I was traveling. I wish I had it beforehand because I, I would have kept it with me, and I think it would have fit. Um, why don't you read us uh, a passage from the book? I know I kind of forced you, uh, Charlie, before you got here, that I wanted to hear something uh, from you in the book, something that, that you really wanted to share to, to, to let people know what the book's about. Okay, so I, I'm just going to read a bit from the start of Chapter 5, which is called, So What is Quality? The table linens were starchy white. The cutlery gleamed. The menus were sumptuous. My hosts and I, in one of the better restaurants in the Netherlands, poured over the abundance that was on offer. I made my choice, a straightforward one, a steak. And how would you like that done, sir? asked the somewhat severe waiter. Well done, I replied. He looked blankly at me. That is not possible, he said. Choose something else. Fish, perhaps. Possibly the English accent was a giveaway. At least he had taken one step back from fish and chips, perhaps. Herein lies one of the great realities on this earth, one that this pompous waiter and all too many in our world fail to grasp. Beauty truly is in the eye of the beholder. What is nectar to one palate may truly seem as poison to another. For my part, I am somewhat appalled to see blood seeping from a, to my perception, underdone steak. I savour the robustness of caramelised beef, especially when it has a rich depth of juicy fat at its rim. How I shiver to recall the time a well-meaning Japanese colleague invited me to his Tokyo home to honour me by serving shabu-shabu, in which one is presented with strips of raw beef that you are invited to waft for a second or two in a bowl of hot water before deftly chopsticking them into your mouth. How I cringe to remember the time that a Master Brewers Association of the Americas organising committee in Cincinnati decided that steak tartare was a good idea for closing banquet. And yet there are countless people around the world who rejoice in rare or raw meat. Good for them. It's called tolerance. I will allow them their idiosyncrasies. But please, would you do me the courtesy of allowing me mine? Each to his or her own. And so in the world of food, I dismay at the invariable sneer that accompanies the words British food. 
It happens all too often here in the United States, a nation that of course gave the world such sophisticated dishes as peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and the hamburger. The first of these I detest, the second I adore. Well done, of course. I cringe when friends order such a minced beef concoction, medium rare. Just in fact, as I adore cockles and Heinz baked beans on toast and Cornish pasties and lobscouse and ploughman's lunches and tripe, cold with lots of pepper and vinegar, and roast pork after the pork has been dipped in brine, and of course the ultimate British triumph, curry. Who has the right to say that English food is naff? The French, with triumphs such as frogs' legs, snails and fungi dug from the ground by pigs? The Germans, with vast lumps of meat, belly-swelling dumplings and red cabbage? It is easy, of course, to be sarcastic and demeaning in this way. Indeed, one might say that I am being hoisted by my own petard writing this way. I seek to make only the point that whether it's food or any other manifestation of this earthly existence, the beliefs, passions and indeed choices are endless. And who is to say what is good or bad? Let us be mindful here. Let us respect and be tolerant of each other's opinions. And surely it should be this way with beer. Very nice. Love it. See, and this is my favorite part about this new book of yours, is this perception of beer as such a functional human existence and not just uh, uh, facts and figures. And Yeah, I, 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 well, I try to get to the soul of it, as the, as the title says. Yeah, and and yeah. really, uh, it's, it's a metaphor, I, I, I guess, for so much else that, that uh, we experience in life. And, uh, so beer is a, is a great teaching tool. It is. I've learned a ton. Good. About not much else. <laughs> now, it kind of brings me to another point, and I think this is an example. I think you're a great example of how one can, can, can really have an opinion, really find the figures, really do the research, and still be open-minded in another direction. And, uh, and that's about beer's nutrition. Right. So nutrition has been uh, a pretty heavy part of your your research uh, over the years. Sure. Yeah. Everyone wants to know from you if drinking beer is healthy. They do. Um, you know, UC Davis is a land-grant university, so uh, professors there, we need to have a project which is uh, devoted to the well-being and the interests of the people of California. <laughs> so mine, of course, is beer and health. Um, and, uh, you know, it gets a bad rap, and, and it's very frustrating being uh, in my role for, for two reasons. One is, as soon as people say, well, you're the brewing professor, so you're prejudiced, so we can't trust you. And that, I think, is very disrespectful and, and, and not accurate. And the second thing, is, of course, that I've got colleagues who actually stand up and say, you know, beer's empty calories, which is just crap uh, <laughs> and very irritating. So, yeah, um, people talk about beer um, as though it, it is empty calories. Uh, and if they say that it has got calories, they say, well, this is the basis of the beer belly, blah, 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 and there's no good in it. And... Uh, and then they'll, you know, at the very least in Davis, they'll say, well, actually, wine is good for you, but anybody knows that beer is not. And, and none of those things are true. I mean, beer is good for you in moderation. Beer is healthful. Beer has got nutrition. And, uh, and it, 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 I, you know, it needs to, this message, it's important to get it out. So even given that and the time that you've spent <laughs> doing that, yeah. and this is what I love about this, the time you've spent proving that and, and researching and finding out these real facts – you say in your book, count me then among the majority of people who take a beer for the simple pleasure, uh, the simple pleasure quotient. True. Uh, this was an answer to a question by a doctor 
who asked you about uh, Beer's Nutrition. Yeah, a very famous doctor, actually, who's, uh, who's well known for his work on, on alcohol and health, and uh, a very balanced guy, based in Oakland, actually. Uh, and he uh, came running up to me, because I'd given one of these presentations, he said, is, is it true, then, if we could just boost the level of thiamine, vitamin B1 in beer, then it would be a well-balanced diet? And I said, you know, even I wouldn't say that. At least you need a few pretzels. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, but, uh, but... But, you know, we did a study recently, and it was reported all about silicon in beer and, uh, and the fact that beer is a rich source of silicon in the diet. And uh, and there's a doctor in, uh, actually in the UK, not me, but a medical doctor who's, who's drawn this very real link between moderate beer consumption and reduced risk of osteoporosis. And I've been inundated with people saying, please, could you, uh, here's my medical record I'm attaching to this email. Please, could you give me, you know, and I'm saying, I'm, I'm the beer guy. You know? um, but, um, but, you know, they're saying, well, which should I choose? What beer do I have to have that's best for my health? And what I replied to all of them was, look, for goodness sake, don't come at it from that angle. Choose what you like. Yeah. You know, why have something that you, 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 it's going to make you miserable? Um, (laughs) if you, you know, because you're not going to benefit, you know, so I would never choose a beer simply on the basis of this one's got slightly more silicon than that level. You know, they've all got silicon in them. Some have got more than others, you know, an old malt hoppy IPA is going to have more silicon in it than a gently flavored light beer from North America, but there's still silicon in the latter, you know, and and the key ingredient in all of these things is the alcohol. Anyway, that's the main thing that, that, that is the most healthful component. So. You know, to actually say, well, I'm going to recommend these beers on the basis of their health delivery, I would never want to do that. Uh, and I personally would always choose something that I enjoy because I think the mellowing influence of beer is as, as important as anything else. And healthful. Uh, yeah, and if it, if, if it makes you happy, you know, that's half the battle. Yeah. Jamil's just joining us in the studio. Hey, Jay-Z. Hey. Thanks for making it down. Oh, yeah, we, uh, we were attending the Raiders-Chiefs game. Oh, Went yeah. into overtime. And uh, Raiders win by a field goal. Wow. wow. Yeah. Amazing. They tied it at the end of the regulation Amazing. with a field goal. Yeah. So, if I, do you mind if I read your list, Charlie, of, of the, you, you've kind of made a list in order of importance yeah. of when you, and, and I wanted to introduce Jamil there too, because I think you, I, I think you'll like this if you haven't seen it yet in the book. Um, but, you know, when, on this show, and and when you're a beer judge like Jamil, and when we're constantly evaluating our own beers, I, I think that we sometimes, I think it's very possible that we lose focus sometimes about why we loved beer in the beginning, and we start to we start to put different ideas above other ideas that maybe weren't that way in when we started to really love beer. So I thought this list was cool. It's kind of in order of importance the decision making process regarding the purchase of alcoholic beverages for Doctor Bamforth. Number one, taste. Very simple. Number two, activity. Whatever uh, Doctor Bamforth is doing. Uh, number three would maybe would, would be location. Number four would be time of day. This one, I, this is what I really like that you're evaluating because you know Bloody Mary before noon. Anything uh, else? Half afterwards. of ice for breakfast. Yeah. Half of ice. There you go. Price is number five. Mm. Kind of far down the list. I like that. Um, company, whoever uh, you're with, is number six. Food pairing, number seven. After feelings is number eight. And I really like that this one's in the list, too. Uh, and I think I've heard Jamil talk about that, too, especially when you're with friends. It's, it's also how the beer makes you feel. Mm. Um, alcohol content is, is way down there at number seven. Uh, 
I move that up a little bit, Charlie. <laughs> Serving size is number eight. Weather is number nine. I like that, the, and I I do that too. I think I guess a lot of beer guys do because there's so many choices. Um, calories is next, almost at the bottom of the list. Healthfulness below that, even mm-hmm. after all the research. And finally, uh, the very last thing that Charlie would think about would be carbohydrates <laughs> as the final thing in the list, which I also like. Mm. Not a lot of light beer in your fridge. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's never a style that I particularly cottoned on to. No, yeah. No, no. I just particularly like this list. I think everybody's list would be different. That was but, a list actually generated. I mean, I, I didn't pluck that out of my own head. Uh, okay. Actually, I was a research project that I, uh, mm-hmm. I, I had a student doing, an um, uh, uh, excellent uh, young woman called Christine Wright. And um, and uh, she uh, uh, got together some discussion groups and focus groups and so on. And, and that emerged from, uh, from that particular study. Hmm. It's a good list. I like it. And I like thinking about beer in all those different terms. All right, before I, I have tons of listener questions in front of me for okay, you. Great. Before I do that, I, I think the last thing that needs to be discussed in this book, and it's in the title, and that's, well, it's spirituality, I guess, is maybe a, a better word, isn't it? But, yeah. but God and, and how the spirit is involved in beer and, right. and in this book. Yeah. Um, and I'm curious why you took that approach with, with this particular book. Well, as it says right at the start, this is a, a, a little bit of a different book to what I thought it was going to be. And I, I had actually started writing a book, which was um, uh, to, more to, and that really was going to be much more autobiographical. Um, and elements of of that message were, were what really appears in the, uh, or is what appears in the end notes. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I don't know, is it fair to say I'm a kind of spiritual type, type person? I uh I, I, I'm a very different creature, probably, um, to the one that stands up in front of 385 students at UC Davis and bounces around and, and, and tries to make them laugh, you know? Yeah. Um, if you do the Myers-Briggs test, uh, uh, I, I, I'm an introvert. Uh, and uh, that's because I don't sort of... Um, um, my energy is not derived from other people. It's, it, I'm a sort of a, a lone creature and so on. So I, I, do, I do a lot of reading about uh, Buddhism and other, uh, other things. And uh, so I've, I have a to- very different lifestyle to what people might imagine. Uh, but I do a lot of thinking, I do a lot of thinking about uh, tolerance and uh, keep using that word and, and, mm. and, and acceptance. And, uh, and I think it comes into so much of what we encounter in, in society, you know, whether it's religion or whether it is uh, politics or, you know, or, and whether it's, you know, people's views on, on things like beer. Um, and in the book, I, I actually get into some of the, those things, you know, in the, uh, one of my great heroes is a, is a, uh, a, a, a Vietnamese Buddhist monk called Thich Nhat Hanh. And, uh, he, he talks about, uh, uh, how you know uh, things change, you know, um, so, uh, and uh, there's an ev- evolution of, uh, of of things. Let me give you an example. You know, beer. You know, if you if you think of barley and hops, uh, they're very very different commodities to what you have in in the beer. But the the barley is still in the beer, and the hops is still in the beer. And and so I explore in the book the sort of the 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 fact that you have a transition here. But 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 the barley. And the hops and the water—they're uh, still there. They're, they're components of the beer, um, and uh, 
uh, and really they're, they're speaking to you. Uh, it's a transition. Um, so I'm not sure I'm explaining that very well. No, I think you're doing fine. Two or three beers later, <laughs> but, uh, you, you got to read the book to actually read what I what, what I'm what I'm getting at there. But I, you know, there are messages of mindfulness in there, whether it's moderation in in in, in attitudes and uh, and drinking behaviours. Uh, but um, I think that you know the weather, you know uh, in in terms of evolution of uh, of of spirit and so on, then it, it it's all in there, but in a, in a, with a beer metaphor. So you, you're going to have to forgive the nature of this question for me. No problem. Um, but I wonder if this comes because it does for me also. So I'm 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 not picking on you or your age. <laughs> but I'm wondering if this kind of thoughtfulness comes with age as you start to look at your life and where it's come from and, and what you've – do you see what I'm getting at? Uh, this kind of – this looking at life as more – and even your life's work as more of a spiritual thing than a scientific uh, I, I don't know. It, it may be. Like I say in the book, I don't know whether it's midlife crisis or... or, or you have said that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think it is. Um, but um, it's amazing as, as uh, you know, when grandchildren arrive and so on, that uh, you sort of do take, take stock of your life and think, well, um, what's it all about? What have I achieved and where, where, am I, where have I come from and where am I going? Um, and you know you're in a party town in Davies, and and uh, yeah. some people would argue it's not a party town, but there's a lot of parties going around my place, and uh, <laughs> and sure. I'm thinking, um, you know, you know, I, I, and that's the other thing. I was listening to myself the other day, and I kept saying, you know, I'm sorry, I keep saying that, but uh, uh, I think that um, uh, it you take stock and you think how. Where, where is this? Where, where is beer? Where does it stand in society? Um, and there are so many conflicts there. You know, there are people who abuse it. There are people who who are anti, totally anti. You know, I, mean, I go on about people like the Marin Institute in, in the book and so on. Yeah. Um, the religion, the religious element that is, is you know, saying that whoever said anything ever good came out of beer, you know, which is a, a bizarre statement to, to, to make and so on. So, I don't. I don't think it's a, a personal sort of uh, uh, late life crisis going on here. Okay. But um, I, it's certainly as uh, as I've uh, I've grown older, I've I've paused for thought a, a lot more about uh, some of the uh, some of the things that go on in and around beer, and, and I hope perhaps I've, I've captured some of it in this book. I think you have. Thank you. So let me give you my favorite quote so far that I think does capture that look. And it also, in one kind of uh, – it's a quote from someone else in your book, actually. Okay. Yeah. But it talks about this kind of – this neo-prohibitionist you're talking right. about and this, this view of uh, this very religious way to look at things that can sometimes put beer in such a negative light. And, and it's from Emerson. And you, uh, you said he wrote, uh, God made yeast as well as dough. And loves fermentation just as dearly as he loves vegetation. Yeah. As if so, as if not to ignore this other part of nature, right? Then the only part of nature isn't isn't the growth of barley and the growth of hops and the and the existence of yeast. It's also fermentation. Absolutely. And to me, that was just such a good essence of this book and, and kind of where you're going. Yeah. And Emerson, of course, he 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 himself at that time had, uh, was asking questions about. Um, the acceptance of you know in a time when 
you know, Christianity, for example, the people were, were, were big in, in traditional Christianity. But, you know, he, he realized that, you know, there's an awful lot of people out, out there that, that don't buy into that ideal. They're in, in other religions or in other walks of life. And who's to say that they're wrong, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's, um, uh, it, it, it's it, again, it speaks to this tolerance uh, uh, situation and an understanding that, you know, there are many, many ways of, 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 of dividing things up. Well, very good. It's a, it's a wonderful book. My only criticism is that of the books we talk about on this show, I'm usually in the acknowledgments. <laughs> That's, right. So, That's uh, right. Second edition. Thank so you. I'll have to wait. <laughs> I'll have to wait. This um, might be a higher caliber book. Is all that. <laughs> That's true, yeah. He's, he's on a whole different level than the rest of us. Beer is Proof, God Loves Us. It's a new book by Charles W. Bamforth. Uh, you can find it on Amazon and elsewhere, I'm sure. Where'd you get yours, Tasty? Uh, Amazon. Yes. You got it, yours, Amazon. I have to get it in the store, I think. I'll talk to your publisher tomorrow and get some in our store. We can sell it right here. That'd be great. And, um, uh, yeah, just it's really uh, an, an impressive uh, book, and I'm glad you wrote it for us. So, thanks. Thank All right, now that we've done that, our listeners have a ton of, of just beer questions for you. Okay. Can we do that, too? Yeah, sure. And I have a bone to pick with you later, Jamil. <laughs> and you know exactly what it is. Oh, I do. It's just PR yeah. agent's problem. That's all. It's not his. Let yeah. somebody else scream. He has people handle that for him. Talk to his people. <laughs> now I have to talk to his people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's a bigger deal now, you know. Uh, let's see. All right, here's an easy one for you, Charlie. Uh, Silver City is in the chat room. He wants to know. He says, I attended the ACS Brewing webinar oh, yes. that, you pro- that you produced in, in August. Right. And you had a great set of slides for that presentation. What was that presentation about? Uh, what was that presentation about? <laughs> <laughs> Something to do with beer. Yeah, it was. Uh, beer was certainly on the agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, so there was a, a set of slides totally. That's And he wants to know if those slides are or could be available somewhere. I, I, I believe if you go to the ACS, the American Chemical Society uh, webpage, and uh, go to it. I'll just put it in the ACS webinar, bam forth into uh, the search engine. I think you can download the presentation, including the slides. In- I believe. Right. Okay. My ego wouldn't let me do that, but uh. <laughs> right. Um, all right, what else do I have for you here? Okay, here's a good one. Um, strange named guy in the chat room wants to know um, what research topics are being pursued in Doctor Bamforth's lab, um, or if not in your lab, more generally, um, what are the popular research projects? Okay. Um, well, I only ever have master's students in my lab. I don't have PhD students for the simple reason that there are no jobs for them in the brewing industry anymore. Um, so master's students, and I, I'm hoping they're going to go on to careers in the industry. Um, uh, six master's students at the moment, three are in the in the second year, so they have research projects lined up, uh, or they're underway. Uh, the three, um, a guy called Brian Donaldson, who's working on hop aroma, and what I what I would like to do is to get a really decent lexicon, just like you know, get the um, not quite the same BS factor as in as in wine grape grapes, you know, but to have really good descriptors for for um, hop aroma, uh, whether it's the hop themselves or hop uh, after say dry hopping a beer and so. On. The second uh, project, uh, Lindsay Guedrum is working on beer for celiac sufferers. 
Um, and uh, two two elements of this. One is trying to find an alternative way of making it a really, really nice. Um, again, it's subjective. <laughs> mm. Not to say there aren't nice ones already, but uh, <laughs> uh, but others that uh, other possibilities for beer for celiacs from uh, things other than malty barley. But also, she's looking at the um, b- existing beers to see just how big a problem they really are. Uh, you know, they're, okay, sure, they're, they're made from barley and wheat and so on. Um, but by the time you've germinated the barley and and mashed and boiled, uh, uh, you know, just how much of a problem is it still? And so we've got a, a, a nifty technique to actually look for just how much sensitive protein there really is in, in regular beers. And the third uh, guy, which is a bit out of left field for me, uh, is a guy called um, Nick, um, who is working on... Um, Lambic, and he is working on microbial succession in uh, Lambic. So it's a guy called Nick Bokulich, and he's actually seeing what is the sequence of evolution of the different microbes uh, as Lambic develops. and uh, Meaning we, the wild yeast itself? Yeah, which organism at what time. Ah. And he's using modern techniques to do that. And, and chances are he's going to go over to Belgium for the, uh, for the winter quarter to actually... Uh, uh, we're cooperating with uh, the university in Leuven to actually look at that. So that, that's just a range of them. And of course, I, I, I do products on, on beer and health and on uh, flavor stability and, of course, on bubbles. <laughs> on bubbles. Yes. Now, flavor stability, you can go and listen to the Brew Strong episode that, that uh, Jamil and John Palmer had, uh, Dr. Bamforth, on, where you mm-hmm. talked about things such as hot side aeration in particular. Right. Um, but it was there was a lot of discussion about flavors. Sure, we also probably talked about bubbles. But that if it was us, then it was probably a stripper that we were talking about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, bubbles! I remember her well. Um, okay, another question that came through from the chat room um, says, "I'd like to know uh, from Doctor Bamforth how the brewing science uh, slash fermentation science." has grown since he's been there over the last 11 years. At UC Davis, um, it's a little bit different. We don't have a fermentation science major anymore. We have a a food science major with a brewing option. Um, And so a growing number of people, it's around somewhere between 10 and 20 at the moment, are doing that that option. in terms of classes, I, uh, I teach three classes now, and the, the one that has changed, a new one, is uh, something called FST3, which is a general education class. It's the um, third most popular class on campus after uh, Introduction to Nutrition and uh, Introduction to Human Sexuality. Oh, of course. Um, so it's food, sex, and beer uh, in, in that order at the moment. But I, but I am trying to get more sex into my class. <laughs> <laughs> and outside, and, and as you pro- as you probably know, I was in October's Playboy. Um, no, I didn't really? know that, oh, yeah. Scott. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. how do we not know that? I yeah. uh, I have no excuse. Oh. Yeah. Tell us about it. <laughs> oh, surely no. Oh, but if if I must. Um, now, they chose 20 professors from across the nation that are, are making a difference in the classroom. I see. And so uh, I was lucky enough to be one of those alongside uh, the guy who's working on marijuana and somebody else who's... <laughs> who's right. wor- you took care of the sex part. Who's working on the Kama Sutra. Yeah, but uh, no, that was somebody else. Did you uh, get invited to the mansion for No, that? I didn't. I didn't. And they didn't take oh, any did, photographs. Did they airbrush you a lot? No, there's... <laughs> 
why why would they need up? that? You know, <laughs> <laughs> they need that. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those centre ones where they just folded it out several <laughs> several openings. But no, no, no photographs. Oh well, there was, but it was taken by my daughter. It was very respectful. Very respectful. Uh, See, this is right. the problem: is I'm not actually reading the words in the, yeah. in the issue. Right, I'm just yeah. looking at the picture. You know. Anyway, um, but uh, that <laughs> class, there's a thousand students in that class. So. Uh, what it does is uh, is tell people about beer and uh, and uh, interest them in it. And there's the history and the, the basic science and technology and the quality and so. On. And we get some some guest speakers. So um, uh, Dan Gordon comes in, uh, tells them how to make the perfect uh, 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 garlic fry. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, Ken Grossman comes down, nice. uh, and uh, with the guy from Anosa Bush, we have Ga Prowl from Sudwork. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, you know, uh, so we've had Don Barkley comes in and Fritz in, in the past has come as well. Wonderful. So, um, you know, a thousand students in a year in, in that one as well. So um, so uh, the extension program is alive and kicking as well. Michael Lewis uh, still heads up the extension program. I do a lot of teaching with Michael. Is the ex- extension is the shorter program? Well, it is shorter. And uh, quite honestly, that's the one I, I recommend to, to most students to take because it is the, the quickest way from A to B. Okay. Um, so the Master Brewers program starts at the end of, of January and goes through to the uh, beginning of June. And, uh, it, you know, a lot of brewing in there. A lot of, it's very intense. Uh, they get, they get uh, Michael, who's a great teacher. They get me, or I, I like to think I'm a great teacher too. And uh, Tom Shellhammer comes down from Oregon State and, mm. and engineers and so on. So it really is a high-class program. It, it was uh, sold out the last two years. It's sold out the next two years as well. And um, so there's a lot going on in Davis. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's high exposure right now. And Dr. Lewis is uh, English as well. Is this he's a coincidence or are no. you two... Uh, oh, he's Welsh. He's Welsh, for goodness uh. sake. Don't, don't tell Michael he's English. Yeah. Um, uh, Michael, I'm glad you corrected me. Yeah. <laughs> Michael is Welsh. But, uh, well, I mean, Michael came to Davis back in 1960. 60, 62, 62. Okay. So he's been around a long time. So yeah. th- those two uh, were totally unrelated. But, of course, um, there's a lot to be said for great... British people. <laughs> there is. Yes. As you know. As I know. Mm. And they like to say it. Yeah. <laughs> Although I'm an American citizen now, so I, I know. So, and so is Michael. You must have got in early because nobody can be a citizen now. <laughs> unless you're born here. We don't let anybody yeah, we don't trust be anybody. Anymore. You got here quick. <laughs> well, unless you have something to uh, you know to give. That's and, true. You know, <laughs> people, people like him. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, we got room. Oh, let's squeeze over. one more in. Yeah, you know, yeah. when I did my uh, test, they asked me whether I could speak English, you know, and they tested me out. And, and, and what I had to say was, we pay taxes. <laughs> <laughs> that was your line. Yeah. yeah. We pay taxes. Well, could you just said, well, you don't know how to speak English. <laughs> no. Yeah. no comment. That wouldn't help. That would not have helped. <laughs> All right, we covered this a little bit earlier, maybe just uh, to elaborate a bit. Junket in the chat room says, uh, wanted to know, uh, could you ask Dr. Bamforth how he feels about our three-tier system and then how that compares to the system in Britain? Well, as I say, it's uh, you know they're not really comparable. A three-tier system. I I can see the the, the strengths and the weaknesses in it. it it's um, and I know that uh, you know perhaps the large guys uh, are quite happy with the three-tier system, and and some of the small guys and uh, you know with direct shipments it'd be more appealing and so on. So, you know there are there are pros and cons. Uh, I think the real advantage to a, a to a vertical integration system is one where you do really. 
uh, have control over your product and you can really uh, then dictate how the beer is is going to be looked after and handled and that is and, and that applies to all beer you know uh, I, I talk a lot about flavor stability you know and, and brewers do all this stuff we you know all this hot side aeration stuff and so on trying to to give the beer its best shelf life and then then they lose it you know they have no control over the beer once once they, they it's left them and and anything can happen and yeah. uh, so that is the advantage uh, of really having control of the product from from the start to the finish okay all right jay watkins in the chat room has a simple question he says uh if charlie were a beer what kind of beer would he be <laughs> a really good looking beer um <laughs> An old with ale a, with a very large with a very large head. <laughs> yeah, um, you know that's another way of saying what uh, what what's my favourite beer. And of course, I never I answer that question, but uh, you know it depends. I, I I like to think I'm different things at different times, but uh, you know we we talked about English cask ale, and uh, that's got a lot going for it. Okay, were you ever a home brewer? No, no, never. You've never brewed a batch, never. How about professionally? You ever brewed a pro batch at Bass? <laughs> I was the quality manager for Bass, yes. But so you didn't brew there. I wasn't. I wasn't. Uh, you know, in those days, you had the, the, the an unhealthy um, division between brewers and quality people. And the quality people were really the policemen. They, they were the irritants who were going around. And the, and the brewers um, uh, were, were sort of defending their patch. And the quality people were attacking them and so on. And that was very unhealthy as well. And I, I, I cut all that out as well. So, uh, so, no, I didn't push the buttons. And I didn't dig out the mash tun. But yeah. I, I, I was there and I was involved uh, intimately. Okay. Um, all right. To your knowledge, has anybody actually done any controlled study on first wort hopping, IBU levels, and flavor extraction? No. None? That you don't know or, or just that well, you don't know, but you don't don't know, know of any of it? Yeah. Well, and while we're on that, uh, that topic, yeah. how about uh, Whirlpool uh, hop additions? Is there, is there information that could give uh, an estimate of what the IBU contribution is from, uh, from Whirlpool hopping? Um. Uh, I think I would need to uh, hunt out literature from people like Tom Shellhammer at, at Oregon State because uh, in terms of utilizations, the, the guy who has done the most that I'm aware of in, in terms of putting some real science into hop utilization, it would be Tom. So uh, whether he included uh, uh, Whirlpool into that, um, I, would, I would need to refresh my memory. Well, it's, com- it's coming up a lot because you know, we're, we talked to a lot of home brewers and or uh, professional brewers and these the west coast hobby beers just become a big big portion of the regimen they're actually foregoing the 20 minute edition and moving a lot of that right, right. into the whirlpool right right um as, as i say if i wanted to look at some science of that i would i would look to oregon state great came up also when i was with justin at more at more brewery right uh he had mentioned when he was talking about his brew process that he does his uh essentially flame-out hop addition, but he doesn't chill his wort for another 45 minutes to an hour. Mm-hmm. And now he he has a square uh, uh, a kettle, which, well, by the way... He's using the farm, the milk equipment. Yeah, yeah that's right. which, by the way, he thinks just as, it's just as crazy as it sounds. <laughs> um, so he's, so not much of a whirlpool going on mm-hmm. there. And um, for, for, whatever, for whatever other reasons, he, he has this kind of last addition sitting for 45 minutes, and 
at it's not boiling temperature, but it sure is up there, isn't it? Right. If if it's if it's hot, you know, you're still isomerizing the alpha acids. I mean, you know, and and, and any aroma that you smell coming out of the beer, that's yeah, aroma flavor that's not in there. So one thing he mentioned also though is that it's not being agitated, mm-hmm. and that's part of the isomerization too, isn't it? That it's I mean that is it part of why we do a boil and. Well, the the uh, the agitation, the key role of that is to, to two things. One is to promote uh, precipitation flo- uh, and the uh, uh, the precipitation and the adhesion of things together, and okay. good hot break production. The second thing, however, is uh, is volatilization, release of uh, of volatile materials. And when you mention lengthy hot work stands, and the, the thing that straightway comes through to me is DMS. Um, and, and, and a lengthy hot work whirlpool stand was part of the deal when we were brewing Carling Black Label because we wanted a certain level of DMS uh, in the beer in Burton. Ah. So what we did was we regulated the length of the boil to get a certain level of the precursor going into the hot work stand. Then we had a one-hour rest uh, in the whirlpool. Hot, so you got the breakdown of the precursor, but not turbulent. So the, the, the DMS stayed behind. I see. Uh, so one of the risks, well, depending on what you want, what you're looking for, sure. one of the risks of a lengthy, gentle, but hot, hot work stand is a high level of DMS. Okay. So what style of beer was that that you really Carling wanted? Carling Black Label was a lager. Okay. So um, it, it was, uh, it, we wanted some DMS, we didn't want too much, but it's the biggest selling brand of beer in the, in the UK, and uh, if you analyze that beer, you'll find about 50 parts per billion of DMS, uh, and we felt it was an important part of the character of that particular beer. Because mm-hmm. most times DMS is a, is a fault that most judges are looking for, but if you're looking for to brand it... Well... The classic is Rolling Rock, of course. That's, of course, that's yeah. the, the yardstick for DMS. But Carling has got a lot. Um, in, we're going off topic from from hops, of course. But uh, you know, in the back in the seventies, when when the English discovered for the first time lager, and the rest of the world had discovered it a while before. <laughs> but, uh, but um, we or my predecessors actually looked at uh, Germanic lagers. Uh, to 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 find out what the character was, and DMS was the thing that really. Throughout, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. and they talk about it as a, as a defect, yeah. and yet mm-hmm. it, it is the type character of, of many of these beers. Yep. Um, and so, uh, Bass at the time with Carling Mac Label decided they wanted to get that character into the product and control it mm-hmm. to 50 micrograms per liter plus or minus 10. And the whirlpool, the hot work stand was critical to that. Mm-hmm. All right, Pseudo Chef in the chat room says, uh, I'm going to defend my PhD in January. And most likely doing a postdoc in molecular biology. Are there really no jobs left in the brewing industry for scientists? <laughs> you know, he's, he's about 30 years too late. Uh, um, uh, or uh, is he Japanese? That, that would help. Um, because uh, be. you know, the likes of Kirin and Asahi and Sapporo and so on, there, Suntory, they, they still have um, some uh, opportunities. But I can't think of any brewing company in uh, in the United States or in Europe that really, really uh, has a sizable research department. Mm. Uh, the last significant one was Miller in Milwaukee, and uh, they wound that down uh, big time. Uh, so there's not much left in terms of research. And I think the the reason is that that the the the, the powers that be 
um, decided that uh, they, they everything had to contribute to the bottom line, and uh, you know doing fairly esoteric research uh, was 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 a, a valuable thing, an important thing, but but it wasn't contributing to the bottom line, so it it got you know that line got taken out. Okay. So, so just, just talk dumb and say you're a master's. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, you know, what, we're, what most of the people coming out of UC Davis, for example, whether it's the campus or the extension, they're, they're going into breweries, either the craft industry as, as brewers and, and, you know, shoveling, shoveling and, and doing the whole nine yards, or they're going in as, as, as managers into the bigger brewing companies to be shift managers and so on. Mm. Okay. All right, I had a question for you. Um, yeah. You think of any of the more surprising things you found out about beer in your research? Something that you just didn't expect? Um, my own personal research? No, not really. I mean, there's occasional things you you come across that other people have published that you find is uh, there's a recent study a historian who who, who found uh, that uh, historically beer was probably a rich source of tetracycline. Um, that was kind of interesting. Hmm. Um, there's a Japanese study that showed that. Uh, uh, fresh beer makes you pee more. Uh, that was kind of interesting. That is interesting. <laughs> um, and uh, probably because, you know, fresh beer, you drink more of it. I think uh, we could scientifically research that here in this studio yes. during a show. Interesting. <laughs> I, w- I wonder what the bucket in the corner was for. <laughs> yeah. um, now you know. And uh, so there are, you know, a few interesting things. Oh, my God. Uh, somebody's just stripped off in the room. But anyway, there we go. <laughs> it's on camera, That's too. probably one of the most disgusting things I've seen for a while. <laughs> That's new for your research. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Charlie. <laughs> it's not compulsory, is it? Yeah, no, you're all right. What's the young lady doing behind the... <laughs> She's got She's been naked the whole time. <laughs> all right. Uh, Mills actually wrote in this week. He wanted to know, in your mind, what makes a perfect bitter? Um, balance. Um, I think we talked about this earlier on. If we're talking, if we're talking draft... Ale in in England, if you if, yeah. th- if that's your definition of bitter, um, then uh, we're talking uh, a nice balance between maltiness, uh, bitterness, and that nice dry hop character. Um, in good condition, I, I'm from the north of England. Uh, okay, so that you know we, we have a reasonable uh, foam on our, our draft ales as well. Okay, and uh, and that to me would be the a sublime bitter. Um, you know, um, Timothy Taylor's from from Keithley, something like that would be just, you know, nectar. Any particular techniques for us homebrewers? Is dry hopping the key? Yeah, is- it's 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 the it's the it's the dry hopping thing, and it's uh, it's all all the obvious things. You know, the hygiene thing as well. But yeah. uh, uh, you know, not excessively carbonated, and uh, but but you're well aware of the the traditions of of, of cask ale, and it, it's the balance. Okay. All right, here's a nice one, uh, a long one, but I think a good question. Carlo from Sonoma wrote in. He's got a question regarding um, Carlo. the book Beer, Tap into the Art and Science of Brewing, mm-hmm. third edition. Okay, I wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> on page 140. Oh, my oh, God, uh, I can't remember what's on page. <laughs> <laughs> Under the subheading, The Breakdown of Protein, you mentioned two different enzymes and an inhibitor. Yes. Proteinases, yes. not heat-resistant. And carboxypeptidases. Thank you, sir. Uh, quite heat resistant. <laughs> uh, continuing, you note that there's an increasing evidence that inhibitors are extracted from the malt alongside the enzyme block, uh, much of the potential protein hydrolysis in a mash. 
Within the grain, the natural control mechanisms regulate the extent to which the inhibitors are able to interact with the enzymes. Once extracted, though, in what is literally a mishmash, the inhibitors are freed from these restraints, and so protolysis, proteolysis, is limited. Is limited. So the question... Uh-huh. Because of these inhibitors that we are releasing during an optional protein rest that would have otherwise not been released, is this protein rest actually doing more harm than good? After all, aren't we limiting the proteolysis anyway with the release of these inhibitors? Okay. Um, so um, the question is uh, just how much proteolysis occurs uh, in a low temperature stand. And there are two schools of thought. Uh, there's the Germanic school of thought, um, uh, that actually it is a legitimate proteolytic stand. But then there's a school of thought which is really um, championed by my predecessor, Michael Lewis, uh, working with a guy called John Serbia a number of years ago, which, who showed that really the amount of protein hydrolysis that takes place at these low temperatures is not uh, very much at all. There may be some precipitation taking place and some extraction, uh, but not much breakdown. Um, which is an, uh, and that the reason probably is that when you grind up the um, the malt, uh, what you're doing is extracting not only enzymes but these inhibitors in the intact grain. The inhibitors and the enzymes are kept apart, so you do get proteolysis during malting, a lot of proteolysis. Um, but when you extract the inhibitors and you extract the enzymes, they get together and uh, and block the proteolysis. The lower temperature stand, however in many instances is doing good uh, because actually it's beta-glucans that are getting broken down. So it's it's more accurately called a beta-glucan rest because the enzymes that break down the beta-glucanases are very heat sensitive. And so if you have less than perfectly modified malt, you are going to uh, help things, help help extraction uh, by this low temperature stand. So it's it's a glucan rest rather than a protein rest. Okay. Thank you, Carlo. And Carlo actually in the end just says, hey, thanks for your wonderful book and taking the time to answer the question. Thank you very much. Um, Okay, Dr. Bamforth. Firstly, I've read a lot of your books. I have six of them in my brewing library. I'm a foreign student in China, as well as possibly the only home brewer, he thinks. (laughs) Uh, I hope to make a career out of my passion for brewing and would like to apply both my Chinese and brewing abilities and work in the brewing uh, industry as it expands in China. Do you have any advice on which aspect of brewing you would believe would be most beneficial for me to study in terms of developing a career in China for brewing? He says he's been trying just to and uh, trying to focus on the science behind the beer. Is this where I should continue? Well, a science education is is important, and uh, if you want to be a successful brewer, you need to understand the science behind it. Uh, there are one or two universities in in China that are uh, doing relevant work. Um, perhaps the most, uh, the one I know the best is in Wuxi, uh, in China, uh, and uh, so I, I suggest he, he he searches around. There's a lot of Chinese students who want to come over to uh, to the West uh, to uh, to learn. Um, they can they make the decision to make. Then you know there are certain brewing schools. There are famous ones in Germany. Uh, they want to learn the German way of doing things. Uh, there are certain in uh, the UK, uh, in, in Edinburgh and in Nottingham. And, of course, uh, if they really want to uh, aspire to greatness, they should come to Davis. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. And that was it that I had uh, sent in to me. I did have other questions, but some of them are just rude. <laughs> and others have to do with Jamil. 
<laughs> that are which, still rude. Which we'll get to. <laughs> which are even ruder. Which we're going to get to. Or more rude, I should say. <laughs> Rudiest. All Rudiest, right. Yes. Um, let's take a quick break. In fact, this will be our last break since we've gone so long. Charlie, can you stay with us still, or you have to go? I know it's getting late. I ought, I ought to be going pretty soon. I you got to go soon. Got a new granddaughter this week. I, uh, oh, is that right? Yeah. You had a busy week. Ah, I'm going to Washington tomorrow. How about that? D.C. Let me make sure I have all the questions answered okay. then, so that I can let you go at this break. Um, Thatcher? <laughs> no. Uh, where's the best place to find published research on beer and brewing? Um, what, uh, articles or... Yeah, I guess, yeah, he's looking for probably articles, probably academic articles on it. Um, always a good idea to join uh, some of the societies. So uh, if, if you're a scientist, then the, the places to go are the Institute of Brewing Distilling or uh, the American Society of Brewing Chemists, uh, and you can go to the uh, journals online. Um, there's some great... Um, technical journals out there, you know, the um, uh, Brewer's Guardian, for example, and so on. So um, uh, I would suggest that. There's, there's a whole raft of, of textbooks uh, that you could uh, look them up. If you go to the Brewer's Guardian website, you'll find some interesting articles, and you'll also find a bookstore there and uh, with uh, a whole raft of, of books on, on diverse topics and beer. Okay, perfect. And the last question for you if a guy that you've been working with for years, very closely, who's very famous and popular, is about to open his own brewery, yes, but let someone else scoop him on the idea of this brewery and, and the whole world finds out about it, other than through the, the avenue he had been working with closely all of these years, do you kick him in the nuts or, or not? Or buy him a beer. Or buy him a beer and say congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Doctor Banforth? As a doctor, as a do- I, I just think you take the mindful and tolerant way and just breathe. <laughs> <laughs> he would always go with buy him a beer. Buy him a beer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, uh, more with Jamil when we come back, and we'll let Doctor Banforth go. Beer is proof God loves us by Doctor Charles W. Banforth. You can find it on Amazon now, and I'll work on getting it in the store. ASAP. It's a great read. It's a pretty quick read. It, it's, it flows well, and um, a lot of it is his personal notes in the back, which to me is, is kind of the most awesome That's part. That's kind of where I right, went right to. I started thumbing through the book. I went right to the back. Yeah. yeah. The personal notes are very cool, and they go along. Obviously, throughout the story, you can just go look at the personal notes and, and find out about that. Well, they've been asking for you for years. Uh, you delivered, Charlie. Thanks for being on the show with us. I Thank appreciate you very it. Much. Thank you very much. It was a lot of fun. I think I probably will be bugging you sooner than later to come back. That's okay. Because um, it was really a fun time to have My you. My pleasure. It's a, it, it, delightful to come and see you. Wonderful. Thank you very much. All right, you can go see uh, Charlie by joining the UC Davis uh, beer program up there. Please do. The food science program, actually. Yeah. And um, it's a good program. Thanks again, Charlie. I Thanks appreciate it. Thank you. All right, hang in there. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, I have to do feedback. Yes, you uh, do. We're going to talk to Jamil a little bit about his new project, and um, I don't know, we'll probably have another beer or two. Drunk, Drunk of the Week phone calls, and you name it. Hang in there. It's the session, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. 
organic ingredients. Fresh, clean, good for you, good for the planet. Seven Bridges has the best selection of organic ingredients, including over 27 varieties of organic hops at breworganic.com. Join their mailing list for special deals and regular updates. They've been brewing organic and serving organic brewers for 13 years. They can help you brew great organic beer. And Seven Bridges is the proud host of the fourth annual National Organic Brewing Challenge, the only BJCP-sanctioned nationwide brewing competition just for organic beers. Take the challenge this fall for a chance to win great prizes, including stainless steel brew kettles and organic brewing ingredients. This year, the challenge will be judged in two locations, on the East Coast at Capital City Brewing in Arlington, Virginia, and on the West Coast at Gordon Biersch in San Jose, California. For complete details, visit breworganic.com slash competition. Seven Bridges is cooperatively owned in awesome Santa Cruz, California. Everyone there is dedicated to great beer and people-friendly business practices. They offer environmentally friendly, fair trade, and fair wage brewing products whenever possible. Seven Bridges, breworganic.com. Downtown Joe's, located in the historic Oberon Building in beautiful downtown Napa, California, offers an award-winning brew pub experience from 8.30 a.m. to 1 a.m. every day. For 15 years at the corner of 2nd and Main, Downtown Joe's has been voted Best Night Spot seven times and Best Brew Pub for the last four years in a row. Brewmaster Colin Kaminsky's handcrafted ales, like his Tailwagon Amber Ale and Double Secret Probation IPA, are the perfect accent to riverside dining, live music, and a relaxing outdoor patio. Don't miss the Beer of the Month, Special Rotating Taps, and the BN Army Member Special. Wear your BN gear, get 10% off your beer. Visit downtownjoes.com to make reservations, peruse their extensive calendar of events, or just read more about their fantastic beers. Come enjoy the fine beer, food, and music. Downtown Joe's, the award-winning brew pub where you'll feel at home. Whether I'm making me dry stout or rebuilding me kegs, I head to the heart of dear Dublin for me homebrewing supplies. You head all the way back to Emerald Isle just for a wee batch of grain for a bit of keg tubing? No, you moronic ways to deliver Dublin, California. I go to HopTech. For 30 years, HopTech in Dublin, California has been supplying homebrewers with malt extract, fresh grains, hops, spices and sugars, hop oils and extracts, and much more. HopTech is one of the first homebrew supply shops on the internet and is proud to offer a war winning beer kits, both online and in their store. Mention the BN Army for a 10% discount off your order. The store is open every day except Wednesday or shop online at hoptech.com anytime. Hoptech is run by passionate, award-winning brewers who live, love, and travel for beer and bring their experience to the store for you. If you don't want to visit Dublin, just call toll-free 800-DRY-HOPS or go to hoptech.com. Visit Hoptech today in Dublin, California and at hoptech.com. From the stovetop to a camp burner to some kind of brew stand. Most homebrewers follow some version of this progression. With each move, a homebrewer will often have to change a lot, if not all, of their equipment. Until now. Blickman Engineering brings you the top-tier brewing stand. The only brewing stand that grows with you. For example, buy a top-tier floor-standing burner now, and it'll bolt right to your top-tier brewing stand when you're ready for all-grain brewing. The top-tier brewing stand is perfect for 5-gallon to 20-gallon batch sizes. Its modular design is adjustable and accommodates everything from small footprint coolers up to 30-gallon pots. How does the top-tier brewing stand do it? At its core is a strong, heat-treated, and anodized aluminum main post. On all four sides are built-in T-slots for the adjustable heavy-gauge stainless steel shelves and beefy burner tiers. The tiers accommodate any manufacturer's pots or coolers up to 21 inches in diameter. 
Best of all, not only does the top-tier brewing stand grow with your skills and equipment, but it easily knocks down for long-term storage or transport, too. The top-tier brewing stand from Blickman Engineering. Learn more at BlickmanEngineering.com and to find a local Blickman retailer and start brewing from the top tier. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of our 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Our Williams Belgian Pale Extract is mashed with pure Belgian two-row malt and a small percentage of Belgian wheat malt for an authentic Belgian character you just can't get from other extracts. Or check out our unique fermenters, two-and-a-half-gallon kegs, paintball tank-based draft beer equipment, bottling aids, and much more. We even have our own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse our vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 3.30 p.m. Pacific time ship the same day. Brewing is easy. The Williams way. Wait till you can pour it out of your own kegerator. (laughs) I mean, your friends will look at you with awe. And it's just hot. It is? It's so super hot. (laughs) (laughs) The the home of live beer radio. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. You're listening to The Session. Since 1921, Mundins has been a provider of quality malted grain and extract. What did he just say? What did he say? That's 90 years of locally sourced grain for home brewers and professional brewers alike. All farm within 50 miles of our malt houses. What? I can't understand what this guy said. last part. Whole and crushed malts, including wheat and peated malt, liquid extract, hopped and unhopped, as well as dry malt extract. Everything from beginner home brewer kits to all the ingredients an infant's home brewer needs. Something about trains? What? Language is this guy speaking? He's from Austria. <laughs> Mundins is proudly serving brewers in 54 countries and honored to be a leader in malting. Can you understand this guy? No. <laughs> That's a really free language. Muntins for brewing, distilling, and baking. Quality malted grain and extract for 90 years. Make your malt Muntins. Hey, Push, the new brewery's looking good. Thanks, Fen. Piece by piece. Well, let's fire up. Whoa, is that a new kettle? Yeah, just got it brand new, but paid half price. What? And that blade scale? 40% off. And the new tap handle? Five bucks instead of 13. Got a new regulator for the brew stand, too, but five bucks instead of 25. Dude, where are you stealing all this stuff from? Where else? The more beer deal of the day. Announcing the Beer, Beer, and More Beer Deal of the Day. Every day, a new fantastic deal from big items to small that will blow you away. Boil kettles, carboy carriers, sterile siphon starters, digital timers. Watch morebeer.com every day for a new deal, and you just might find the item you've been waiting for at a price you cannot believe. Hurry, because stock is limited on most items. And that sweet Guinness cap, let me guess. The The More Beer beer Deal deal of the day. Day. Yeah, I knew it. Come on, let's brew something. Find the More Beer Deal of the Day at morebeer.com. Celebrity voices impersonated. Do you support the Brewing Network? Do you brew your own? Are you looking for any economical, fun, and legal way to do both? Subscribe to Brew Your Own magazine and do just that. All year long, Brew Your Own will surprise you. 
entertain you, and educate you with articles on beer and brewing from authors like the Brewing Network's very own Jamel Zedashan and John Palmer. Each issue is a full pint of brewing techniques, homebrew stories, tips and photos, projects to make yourself, and recipes for the avid home brewer. Get your tough questions answered by Mr. Wizard, and polish your style accuracy with Jamel. A portion of every subscription goes to the Brewing Network, so subscribe today at byo.com slash brewingnetwork or just click the BYO logo on the Brewing Network homepage and support a fantastic hobby and your favorite broadcaster. Brew your own, the how-to homebrew beer magazine. What's funny is Bruce will say, yeah, I don't brew to style. I'm brewing my own beer. And it's like a German Pilsner, but it's black. Yeah, it's a sports beer. beer, (laughs) The home of live beer radio. TheBrewingNetwork.com Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. You're listening to The Session. You're listening to The Brewing Network. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. All right, thanks for sticking around, and special thanks to uh, Dr. Charlie Banforth for uh, for spending all that time with us. He spent a long time here. Yeah, that guy's awesome. He's, he's, he's so generous with his information, his time, everything about him is just just he's funny fantastic. as hell too. That, yeah. Is, yeah, that is just cool. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Charlie likes being around students and everything too. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. He's having a good time with his life, I think, and I did appreciate him staying a while. Uh, I did the old. Uh, oh, it's only like a couple hours thing, you know. The uh, well, I figured I always then kind of uh, give them the opportunity to Could bail. Because yeah. uh, I know that once most guys get here, they have such a fun time just yeah. talking yeah. beer right. that they don't care. And, and I'm happy to let them go at the allotted time. He didn't care. He's ready to stick around for a while. So I appreciated that. And and let me tell you, uh, I'm not even selling this book in my store yet. And I'm recommending that you go get it because it's really just a cool look. Yeah, yeah. From a guy who spent a lot of time in the beer world, and not just as a drinker, as some schlep, uh, but as a researcher, as a, as a guy in the industry, as a person who really thinks about it the whole way through, that's what I like about this book. So check it out. Beer is Proof God Loves Us from Dr. Bamforth. I think you'll dig it. And uh, I will try to get it in the store so you can buy it from us because I know it'll happen. You, yeah. A lot of you will listen to this episode a year from now and want to buy the book. I like so. this little take on, hey, I like my... My meat well done. Don't look down your nose at me. Yes. <laughs> yeah, every bit of that. And he's got a good... Uh, he's just... That's what I meant to say when I was talking to him about uh, even all the research he's done about health. He just still goes, look, I just pick a beer because I like it. Yeah. And I drink a beer because I like it. If I want to be healthy, I'll exercise. You know, it's, he's, uh, he still has a very open mind about, uh, about beer. And Anyway, that was... Uh, that was awesome for me to have him in the studio. I had a good time with them. So thanks again to Charlie. Who likes their steaks well done? I mean, you know, my, I, I'm uh, on board with this principle. But yeah, I'm with him on that. Everybody I'm, in really? my household except for me. What? Oh, my God, yeah. And um, I, I'll throw three steaks on, cooking for a while, and then I throw mine on. So right. mine's yeah, more same, rare. Yeah, same what? sort of thing. And now me. the boys are starting to like, oh. 
they'll take a couple pieces of mine. Yeah. Oh, that's that's kind of nice. I didn't um, want to sound like I was blowing the dude because I'm all about the well done steak too. What? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Why? Oh, my yeah. family, I, they will. It's a, if it's pink, man. I, I I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm back up, not eating my meal, and I'm oh back on the grill. They'll put it in God. the microwave in my house if I don't, if I don't make it well done for them. Oh yeah. yeah. Now I, I can, I can do a little, a little pink. But a little pink. Wow. Chad used to. Yeah, Chad you, knows. You normally don't go towards the pink. You go, <laughs> no. you go the other way. Just a little pink. The dirt road. Chad knows. He used to barbecue for us all the time, and he'd go, "Yeah, this one. That one's Justin's over there. That's uh, really, Burnt. really dead. Yeah. The yeah. shriveled up piece. You, you actually just took a paper towel and dipped it in Worcester sauce and threw it on the grill, Pretty much so as not to waste the ribeye on Justin. Yeah. Oh, it's a it's a good flavor, Next man. <laughs> No, my my wife is suspect uh, if it's if it's got a little pink in there that she's like, oh, it's not done. God forbid, chicken wow. is not done. Right. And everything. Well, chicken. Well, chicken. Yeah. No, I mean no. Yeah, I, I don't go to the rare chicken. No, not a good idea. No, there's a point when chicken's no, done and chicken is it's, and then dry. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a window. And, yeah. Well. Yeah, well, fish and beef, the rarer the better. Chicken, I'm with you. I just I don't get it. I know to each his own, and I agree with Charlie, but I don't get it. All right, we'll start taking our Drunk of the Week calls here in just a minute, 888-401-BEER. Before we do that, uh, a very big announcement. It's, it's, uh, I think it's important stuff. A very good friend of mine who's been working hard and, uh, and, and really trying to make things happen. Thanks, um, man. Has, has come to a point in his career. Uh, so it's, this is a big deal for me. Um, Tasty has two beers on tap. Uh, one will be at Downtown Joe's uh, on the 21st, and the other one uh, uh, also f- uh, from Russian River will be on tap there, and I'm real excited about That's that. That's awesome. Thanks a lot. Thanks Congratulations, a lot. brother. Glad we got that announced on the show. All right, Drunk of the Week calls. I going to announce it on <laughs> I think on the Brew Home uh, Talk Forum I was going to do it, but I decided to do it here instead. Jamil, what happened? <laughs> what? Well, all right, so you're obviously talking about brewing TV. <laughs> We love no, those guys. I'm in, yeah. I, those guys exactly. pay you or what? It's great guys. Open up that window. I'm in Fargo, and I'm feeling the love of the Fargo population. Oh, you're so drinking I'm, there. I'm I feel, it, yeah. yeah, I'm feeling good. Oh, jeez. And then, then Chip walks up. Now, have you ever seen Chip? Have, have you ever seen like a really ugly dog comes up to you? It's missing a leg, an ear. It's all just totally fucked up. It's a piece of tail. It's got mange. Yeah. Mange, especially. It's, it's, dro- and, and it's drooling out the side of one. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's had a stroke and half to have its face in the organ. Yeah, yeah. Probably, We've it, all it, seen that. And it really smells. But the look on the dog's face, right? So you're not going to yeah. throw it a bone it's every now and then. Right? Yeah, you're like, oh, come on. Well, if you've ever seen Chip, I mean, uh, there you go, right there. So, uh, one look at his face, I'm thinking, ah, you know. I said, Chip's the producer at Brewing TV. He comes up to you all homely, and what happens? (laughs) He's asking me what we're going to talk about, and, you know, I didn't have a whole lot to talk about. You know, we're talking about Brewing Classic Styles. I mean, we already talked about Brewing Classic Styles, so we're talking about... You have a judging competitions and yeah, I said, well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll throw you a bone here, and we'll we'll talk about uh, Heretic Brewing Company, which oh, is uh, yeah the brewery that we're opening. So, so I've been talking to you about this brewery for some time now, and what do you tell me? <laughs> Don't tell anyone. <laughs> and me with my journalistic integrity, uh-huh. keep my fucking mouth shut. Yes, I should have run right out the next day. Uh, yeah. Could have got the scoop. I should have yeah. tweeted. 
Right after you talked to me the very first time. We I all get that secret tweet. tweet. I should have oh, yeah, yeah, no yeah. big deal. Right. And I should have tweeted the shit out of that. Yeah, well, you know. If you were a little more homely and ugly like Chip. <laughs> right. You let think, me do I it. I think it would have been fine. Yeah. Uh, well, a more, more importantly, how fucking rad is it that Jamil's finally going to open a brewery? been waiting for you to do it for five years now, man. And where's this going to be? <laughs> This is going to be, we are going to do what's called an alternating proprietorship at the EJ Fair Brewery in uh, Pittsburgh, California. Okay. So, uh, JJ. Oh, Chad's uh, new brewery. Yeah, Chad's, Chad's going to be the <laughs> brewer there Chad, at, at the EJ Fair ship. in uh, Pittsburgh, who's, California. Whose bitch is he? And uh, it's alternating. Oh no no no! So an alternating uh, prim, uh, proprietorship is two entirely separate independent breweries. Just happen to you know alternately share uh, brewing equipment. So um, you know we are going to brew our beers on the the same brew house that Chad's brewing the EJ Fair beers on. But so, the key is when you say that the key is that you are going to be able to brew your beers right. rather than um, um, paying somebody else mm-hmm. that, who's who you have nothing to do with to brew your beer. Right. That's that's, that's contract brewing. Okay. Where you go and you have somebody else brew your beers for you. Uh, alternating pr- uh, proprietorship, which the TTB seems very in favor of, it's an opportunity to go in if, if there's a brewery where you can lease their equipment. Oh. They completely get out of the way, and you you do your own thing. And um, you know the TTB actually wants it that way. They want the businesses to be completely separate. You don't do you know They're anything. Talk to I mean, each other. Yeah, we'll we'll be we'll be we'll be talking and having oh, a good time. On. I'm sure. No. Uh, but yeah, you, your ingredients are separate. Your beer is separate. Your wort separate. Everything's kept separate, and uh, you know mainly for tax purposes. But. You know, it's uh, it's a great way to get new breweries started, so they're quite in favor of it. Wineries have been doing this for a long time, and uh, what they want to see is a plan for that brewery to go ahead and build their own brewery and spawn their own, you know, uh, facility somewhere down the road. So that's part of your business plan and a requirement of the TTB. Okay. Now... Are you going to brew the beer, Jamil? Because you're a lazy fucker. I know this. <sighs> you know me too well. <laughs> <laughs> What's going to happen here? So I'll definitely, you know, participate, uh, especially early on. Uh, uh, you know, g- helping get uh, recipes dialed in, and uh, you know, doing more of the Bamforth quality control type of thing. Yeah. But the brewer, our head brewer, is going to be Chris Kennedy. He's sitting and over Chris here. Chris is right here. here. Chris, yeah. grab a microphone there. And he's, uh, you know, he's already. Uh, a brewer out in Denver uh, just just won a gold medal at uh, GABF in oh, the, yeah. uh, the Strong Pales. Nice work. Anyways, uh, yeah, we ran into each other on the on Peter and I when we did that road trip. Yeah. Uh, ran into Chris there, met him, got to got to know him, got to like him, and uh, you know everything kind of started falling into place. So he's gonna he's gonna be the brewer. Now you know I've brewed a batch or two in my day, Jamil. You have. I don't, I don't, you have. I don't remember have. talking about this with you. Uh, you know, you're so busy with the brewing network. Yeah, I guess you're I right. Really don't want to interrupt. Lazy fucker. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's true. Yeah. That's true. I guess you're right. I can, really can you brew busy. afternoon? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. Does your uh, does your proprietorship yeah. start at about one? Get a one, second shift, two o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> He's now, on French time. It's a good time right now. Chris, how old are you? You're a young-looking guy over there. Uh, 27. 27-year-old guy. How long have you been brewing? Professionally. Uh, professionally, about three years. And home brewing? Uh, about two more years than that, so about five years. About five years. 
you kind of started out listening to us. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah I learned most of uh, most of what I know. Oh about God! From me, you're welcome. <laughs> you are very welcome, Chris. Yeah, this is going to be a real uh, BN kind of brewery. Uh, opened up by you know Jay Z and yeah Chad brewing in the same place. You know. Me getting pointers from Chad constantly. That's true. We're kind of owning that shit. Aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> gonna get JJ. Uh, it's gonna just, be great, man. Just gonna kick his ass out of there. I think <laughs> soon. It's almost all BN in there. <laughs> so if our beer sucks, it's to take over. It looks bad on the BN. So <laughs> yeah, I know. guess so. So everybody that's listening, you drink it and you go, yeah, it's the best beer I ever had. <laughs> that's right. This in support happen. of the BN, you right. love it no matter what. Yeah. It can't happen. It is quite a compound that's being built out there. Now that we're thinking about it, it is a and I see what's happening out there. I mean, too. the brewery's going to be cool. The building's cool, um, but you start putting people in place like uh, Jamil and Chris here, and you know, ideas start flowing and labs start being built. It's going to be awesome. It's just going to be a good resource for I think local homebrewers too. Um, it's going to be one of these places that it'll outlive a lot of different us. Hopefully, right. it's going to be a cool place. Very nice. I'm pretty excited now. I mean, having you guys around. Come yeah, on. it was That's great be while you were on your own, but now that we're there, it's, it's absolutely going to be fantastic. I'm giving you your kudos here. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, well it's and, true. It makes it kind. Of, you want that? It's kind of a like you like you said, kind of a compound, right? You want that? A, mm-hmm. a good beer, a destination, family, yeah, you know, a destination too. Yeah. Now let's let's talk about this for a second, Jamil, because for most of us, and for you too, whether you've admitted it or not, it's been a no brainer for years that you should have a brewery. Your, your beer's fantastic. Everybody who enters your recipes gets a medal. Um, it's been known that you know how to make a goddamn good beer. You've even been a consultant for, for other breweries. But you've always kind of, you've always said, no, nah, I don't need to. I'm not going to do it. It's a big pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. So why now? What, what? Well, a couple of things just really fell into place. One was, you know, meeting Chris and uh, having the opportunity to work with him. And another was that, uh, you know, this opportunity with JJ at EJ Fair. Okay. You know, he, he realized he had additional capacity. I realized he had additional capacity. We met together and I mentioned it to him. He's like, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. And, you know, it's really through his generosity of, of being willing to uh, lease us, you know, the brewery uh, when he's not using it that allows us to do this. Otherwise, we would, in order to put in a 30-barrel brewery and, you know, the, in the type of building that they're in, um you know, it, it takes a huge amount of money, right. and you know we just don't have those resources. I would end up, you know, trying to spend most of my time trying to raise money, and you know, always worrying about a, a budget. Whereas the opportunity he's giving us, um, you know, we're able to get in for you know just a recurring monthly payment, and because he he figures, well, we already have the equipment, and you know, we've got some uh, some history working together, so it's just. It, just works out perfectly for us allows us to do this and with this opportunity i I couldn't pass it up i mentioned it to my wife and she's like well you you need to do this why are you not doing this even your wife said yeah she said this is it would be crazy if you didn't right you know it's like somebody handing you the keys to a brewery and just asking for you know a nominal fee to you know offset their expenses and uh you know a little bit above that right so just fantastic so here's my daughter, bring her home at midnight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
essentially you can't yeah. pass that up yeah a lot of a lot of trust going on there and, uh-huh. and hopefully we can help as well and like chad's saying it's kind of a mutual thing uh you know working together and uh hopefully we can you know draw excitement to uh you know the area and get people to come down there and, and experience uh you know ej fairs and uh, heretic brewing and you know we'll have beer dinners hopefully we can get uh, paxton out there and we can mm-hmm. do do a lot of things that uh uh, you know, one of the things that uh, Chris and I have already been talking about is uh, getting uh, folks into do the pro am. So great, we there we should have beer at uh, the NHC in San Diego, the Homebrew Conference in San Diego. We will be pouring at Pro Pro Night, but nice. also at Pro Night is which, by the way, means you're going to be pouring at BNA Six. I hope absolutely okay. whatever beer you want. However, I can wash away the pain of the betrayal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How much beer that takes. Thank you, sir. Uh, I, I will do. Um, <laughs> take a, take a lot. Of guilt, buddy. But they also have this uh, this pro am uh, competition for that that pro night at, at uh, in San Diego. Cool. And we were thinking maybe it could be a BN listener that would come out and uh, brew with us for wow. the, the pro night down there in San Diego. That would be awesome. You yeah. know that they would love that. Yeah, so we want to do a lot of things with the the BN listeners and uh, kind of get them involved in what we're doing at Heretic. Okay. So, what's going to be your outlet? Is it going to be through EJ Fair's uh, place down there? Well, you have to again be wholly independent. We will, um, uh, you know, sell our beer to EJ Fair if they want to uh, put it on. And you know, right now, JJ so is absolutely interested. He's got to see what our first beer tastes like, and then oh, you know, come on. he'll go we'll into the on. tasting panel, I, I don't but. think he has too much of an issue with that one. <laughs> but, uh, what kind of beer are you going to be making initially? You know, we'll, we'll be distributing uh, you know, throughout the area, and, and eventually we'll get into 750s, and uh, you know, hopefully we can push that nationwide uh, in not too long. That's uh, kind of the plan. Like, kind of like uh, what the brewery's done. Yeah, Patrick at the brewery has been really helpful in uh, providing information uh, to me about uh, numbers and you know percentages of you know what his uh, his, his market is, and that's been really helpful. Uh, you know, I think um, you know they've they've done a really great job with that, and we'd like to kind of follow suit. So labels. Uh, your face, just different expressions for each beer. <laughs> that's right. That's a good idea. That is a good I idea. We'll I like it. that. No, we we sour beer. The backside of the bottle looks good too. <laughs> you know, right? right. <laughs> well, we got to you know I, I went on the internet and for eighty nine bucks I got a guy who does does logos for eighty nine bucks does an amazing job. You know, provides like fourteen different looks and you know very creative. Yeah, I was really excited about. I know that. those Indians are amazing. Right, that's just like a, a guy. <laughs> I think in the you mean Native American, Justin? <laughs> no, he's Indian. I don't think I don't I don't think anybody in the the third world could do. Uh, uh, do all this for for as cheap as this guy did. He puts a lot of. I can tell he's got a real passion for doing this, and it's kind of like, well, he's you know making a living, so he's not uh, not trying to stick anybody for the uh, the cost. So he's also seven and lives in China. <laughs> That's right. Could be. Could be. I haven't met him he's in, got a PayPal in person. Uh, yeah. But uh, it's just fantastic. Uh, now, more importantly, is that I've invented all of you. You all have me to thank for this. That's right. Even even the brewery, even Patrick down there. I've created all of this. That's the important part. The compound this is all a dream, Justin. <laughs> you need to wake up. I think it is true. Is this a copyrighted thing? Or I'm glad that you figured it out this way because I would have loaned you all the money for your own brewery, but then how would I pay Doc's salary? All right. 
I, 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 I wouldn't have that. You know, I, I would have taken a week's cut. You would have taken one <laughs> week's cut to do it uh, his own way. So I'm glad you've worked it out with another brewery so it didn't have to come to that. Mm-hmm. I think you've done it well. Yeah, like I said, our plan is, uh, you know, we're a wholly independent brewery, and uh, the plan is, you know, once we get our distribution down and we get our uh, our product line kind of in place how we want, then we're looking at, uh, you know, raising the investment capital and, and going ahead and, and building a separate brewery somewhere. Well, and those questions are already coming through, of course. Does Jay-Z plan on making his beer available in Canada is the first question. <laughs> yeah, I got a lot of, well, I hope you're shipping to the U.K. <laughs> are we going to get it in Australia anytime soon? Yeah. Uh, you know, can, you, can we get this in New York? And I'm like, well, you know, as soon as possible, we will. <laughs> BN Tart asks, uh, is, do, do, do you plan on using uh, Brewing Classic Styles recipes? No. You know, that's, that's a thing. It, it, uh, and Chris Wright was telling me, he's like, you know, one of the things you should do, you know, people would expect you to do brewing classic styles. I, I don't think so. I don't. I don't like brewing to style. I. Uh, <laughs> <what>? <laughs> wow! I after like five years else. of yeah. this, yeah. right? Um, uh, you know, I I, I, I like creativity. Wait a minute, you're and, fucking and, rolling and, over and, on us and, here. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we got a whole goddamn bevy of shows out here. That's about stuff. You're I, killing me. You're Jay-Z. throwing us under the bus here. I didn't. You Arlie, this is your swan song here. I didn't. Go ahead, say goodbye to us. Go ahead. Tell them where this is going. I didn't think you had any other recipes. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. You well, shot your load. That's right why there. I need Chris. You know, he come up with the, the creative uh, recipes. Uh, you know, we want to do things that are. You know. Uh, the name of the the place, Heretic Brewing Company, is. Um, I love it. By the way, such an awesome name. What does that mean? Well, that's what people ask me. <laughs> well, what does it mean? You know, be a heretic. Don't drink ordinary beer. A heretic is somebody who doesn't uh, go along with societal norms. You know, somebody who's willing to, uh, you know, go against the grain, so to speak. So someone that would have been burned at the stake burned in the seventeen hundreds. Right. Yeah, well, uh, for right. example, Galileo was considered a heretic because he said, yeah, you know the. Everything doesn't revolve around the Earth. The Earth actually travels around the Sun. Oh, you're a heretic! Burn heretics! Right? You know the Church believed otherwise. So, you know we're not we're not really getting into the religious thing here. But you know, for a lot of people, beer is a religion, right? And you know, just don't accept the the norm. Don't don't accept that that uh, that mass market uh, mentality. Go ahead and you know do something different. You know, follow your passion. And you know, look look towards enjoying those beers that you think are awesome, regardless. You know, like Bamforth saying, you know, whatever your passion is, whatever you consider to be uh, a great beer, that's that's what you should enjoy. And it doesn't matter whose beer it is. So, uh, as long as it's yours, yeah. And as long as it comes from a place called Heretic Brewing Company, uh, you're 100 percent right. Based in Pittsburgh, California. <laughs> well, you can't make that much. You can't make enough beer for everybody to get it. So. Right, right. Yeah, some people that's won't the, won't like our beers. That's they why won't, they won't well, be for not them. So much that's why there's 23 categories. Well, that's styles. why there's EJ Fair Brewery as well. Right. <laughs> and you have all the brewing classic style recipes you want. There you go. <laughs> What's Chad going to use? <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> called brewing classic style. You can pick up a copy in the Brewing Network store. Film Lab Rat wants to know if Jamil will continue to write homebrew books. Uh, that is currently the plan. I don't have any contracts signed right now, but I would not refuse to go ahead and continue doing that and to doing, uh, you know, the BYO articles and doing shows here. And, yeah, what you know, about this the is, shows? This is really important to me. I, I think, you know, what the what you've done with the Brewing Network, I think it's a valuable resource. I really enjoy it. I'm, I'm really proud to have 
been able to be part of this, and I wouldn't want to ever give that up. So um, whatever it takes, and that's another reason why Chris is involved. So perfect, Chris. He'll you be keep doing all the working because I need Jamil hard over here. work. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be sitting here drinking and, and talking, which right. is you know what I'm so pretty like much cut out for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what kind of book you could write, Justin? Yeah. Brewer hygiene. <laughs> like do like a whole book on brewer's hygiene. I probably could. Yeah, don't touch nothing. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, just yeah. don't touch Scrub nothing. Scrub with a uh, deck brush. <laughs> I probably could. You're actually right about that. Uh, let's see. Don't take showers. It just spreads the germs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, that question oily. was already answered about Heretic Beer at NHC 2011. It sounds like there will be. Um, oh, all right. A question here, and I heard Tasty ask it too. Um, what what's the first beer we're gonna see at a heretic? You know we're still working on our our first beer. Can I get that goddamn scoop for heaven's sake when you decide on what the first <laughs> beer is? Just make up something. Just make him happy. Look really yeah. mangy. You get a puppy dog look. <laughs> right, right. Like Wine now. a little bit. Get down on all. Can we four. see the label? Can we put the label up first or something? Yeah. Just a little, a token. Uh, all right. All right. A little bone. Well, what are you talking I, about? I'm like sure a pomegranate can. hybrid wit or something like that? <laughs> no. <or>? No. <laughs> that, beer, that'll right? sell. No. Fruit no. No. Um, you know we're we're experimenting or Chris is experimenting. We're we're talking and and he's uh, doing some pilot batches and uh we've been tasting some of his pilot batches and trying to dial in where we want to go with the with the first beer i think i think we're fairly close uh you know but we want it to be special i i would rather brew 10 batches and dump them all than to send out our first batch and feel like it was less than what we're capable of achieving you know you know i figure we'll get better later on but I really want to send out a perfect beer first one. I don't want sure. anybody to buy it and go, well, it's all right. So all we right. need a new term. Well, and you're in a unique position, I think, in, in the opening of a brewery. Because, let's face it, you have a reputation, Jamil. And mm-hmm. I mean this. I'm not saying this to be an ass. Uh, you know, other people can, can go and open a brewery. And um, uh, certainly they have to produce a good product for people to like it. Uh, your product not only has to be good, but... You're Jamil. You've no. made you've well, made the- some excellent beer over the years. You've been awarded for excellent beers. You've you've written right. about excellent beer, and so I, I hope I'm not giving you a nervous breakdown. But I, <laughs> uh, but I think it's really good that you're looking at it that way because right, it really right. does have to be excellent. Doesn't well, it? that's the new term we need to come up with, and I'm thinking Jamilic. It's Jamilic. <laughs> How Jamilic is it? And that, it it's a higher standard. It than is a higher else. standard. Right. And yeah. that's why I'm excited about the brewery, actually. We want to pour out any beer that's not perfect. Well, wait a minute. I got to talk about it. Comes the, the, the root, don't disappoint. That, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't want to pre announce this too soon, but I'm starting a brewery as well called Lunatic Brewing Company. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll take that shitty beer. All the beer yeah, I pour out right. under my label. By the way, it's just across the street from the Heretic Brewing Company in yeah. Pittsburgh, California. I just went to Home Depot and got some guys interested in bottle that stuff. Are you, you going to sue Jamil over his tap handles? <laughs> yeah, yeah, first off. No, it's got to come in cans, Tasty. Oh, yeah, cans. Cans. Right? Yeah. Tasty Especially line cans. cans. Tall boys. All right, so beer on tap to begin with. <laughs> right, and then little right. short ones. Locally. And then, uh-huh. and then uh, bombers after that. Yeah, or 750s probably. Oh, 750s. Okay. Oh, yeah. Very nice. Yeah, so, no, seven, we, uh, 750s. Oh, 750s. You know, about but an hour's pay. You know, we're, we're, I think we're, we're leaning towards, you know, maybe the sour end of the spectrum to start. So to start? Your, yes. your face on that label. Wow. Now that's a... So how long <laughs> off is that? That's a ballsy move, isn't it? It is. It is. You know, we're, we, we're considering our, our options. You know, we don't, we don't want to just make another 
pale ale or something. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. But there are so many great pale ales out there. Do you really yeah. want to need another one? Well, I do, but that's because uh, I'm just a huge fan of the style. Right, right, but sure. I'll tell you that one of the best beers I ever had of yours was your Flanders Red. All right, right. And so you, you can make a good sour. Yeah, so, you know, like I'd that. like to go down that road. And, you know, someday... I, I do want to make a great pale ale or a great IPA or something like that, but I, I think you know where we can really focus to start is uh, you know those uh, you know maybe a sour beer or two. Well, I can see why you're talking to Patrick because he went right for the kind of out of style right, right. type of beer too. Yeah, just going through. for it and just making something that you feel is perfect and you know that some set of the you know the beer world can really appreciate so they can drink it and they go yeah this is fantastic right uh, you know so i was thinking about this earlier and um you know like a beer like russian river consecration you know, the, the first time you you taste that you're thinking you know this is absolutely fantastic this is this is like the first you know when you realized you could play with yourself and <laughs> And, and, nobody's watching. and you did it 13 and times that night. And have excitement. You know, it's that kind of feeling when you oh. when you taste a beer like that. It's, uh, you know, whether... whether can't, You can't wait for the next time. Whether it's, whether it's uh, playing with the little man in the boat or, you know, uh, yeah. you know giving a few strokes to the uh, baloney pony, whatever it might be. Right. You know, you have this, uh, you know, this uh, excitement and thrill of something that, you know, for the first time you've tasted this this great beer. And you know, I really want to capture that spirit of masturbation in, in our beer. <laughs> Maybe that should line. be the, uh, the, yeah. the, the, the <laughs> capturing the spirit yeah. of masturbation. Like, oh, like pinching yourself for the very first so time. Definitely yeah. in old have, English. <laughs> yeah. It definitely has to have a mushroom cork on the top. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The second you're done drinking it, you swear that's the last time. Right. <laughs> and you don't open it with a corkscrew. You just keep rubbing the bottle until share, the cork comes out. Yeah. You don't share it with grandma. Right. Uh, <laughs> a little yeah, note. Yeah. It's perfect for making, uh, you know, uh, playing spin the bottle with or something. Right, right, right. Well, that's one of these shuns that Vinny probably give up. Uh, the masturbation. Masturbation. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only yeah. one you can have. Right. <laughs> well, you I'm think? excited for lack of a better statement at this moment. <laughs> You're aroused about this. By the, uh, You're aroused by the, about the thought this, of these beers. About the about first time is what he's thinking about. This <laughs> new brewery just sounds great. So, so I, probably the first one should be a white ale, <laughs> <laughs> real, real creamy thick consistency. Yes. Yeah. Well, congratulations, and uh, I think it's awesome that you're finally doing it. Thanks. And um, Chris, uh, don't fuck this up. <laughs> also, because you get one chance, buddy. Because Jamil's real nice now. Well, let me tell you, he'd yeah. be a real dickhead. You start mm-hmm. fucking things That's up. Right. That's, That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you better get it right. As long as you're successful and everything is great, I'll be nice. (laughs) It's not just your career. It's your life. (laughs) Uh, You guys will be fine. uh, You know, this one's a no-brainer to me. Jamil in a brewery, it's a a no-brainer. So I think you're going to do great, and I can't wait to taste a beer. So Jamil has a shovel and a gun. Any questions? (laughs) (laughs) All right, I think I got a drunk of the week call. Oh, it looks like he hung up now. Let's fuck feedback. about feedback? Hello. Why Eight at eight four zero one beer. We'll do drunk of the week. Uh, I still have to do feedback, don't I? Yes, yep. you do. Uh, is there a website or anything you d- direct people to yet? Uh, uh, HereticBrewing dot com. I, I, it's just just a placeholder right now. But I would encourage people to um, sign up for there. Twitter, Heretic Brew, and uh, also Heretic Brewing uh, on no Facebook. Twitter. But Heretic Brew on 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 Twitter. 
And, uh, you know, the people that sign up, I'm, I'm planning on giving stuff away to the people who are on Twitter for the, you know, the longer they are on Twitter, the more chances they have to win. But, uh, yeah, whoever signs up, uh, let's, let's give away some, some, some goodies. Stuff. So probably in the next six, few a month or two whoever <laughs> i don't know we'll put some time limit on it hey but, speaking um, of which the whole brewery is well thought out i can draw, tell. draw from from twitter I'll, I'll pull 10 names from twitter and i'll send a, a goodie package to whoever's on our twitter account all it, right twitter.com slash heretic brew heretic brew yes right. oh, that's pretty sweet hey yeah. doesn't jamil get to like fly out to somebody's house isn't there a raffle going on we have for a top tier <laughs> Right. What's yeah, going on there? Yeah. yeah, how's that going? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, anybody who signed, anybody who buys a top-tier uh, system from Blickman between now and the end of January, I think. Right. Oh, yeah, you don't have to buy it directly from Blickman. You can buy it from, you know, Northern Brewer or, you know, whoever is selling the, the Blickman systems. You can pick that up. And uh, through the end of January, you buy one, you're in the drawing, and it's not just me. It's uh, uh, John Palmer's going to come out, and John Blickman's going to come out, and... Uh, the three of us will cool. go out to to your location and help you brew on your on your Blickman uh, top tier system, or uh, you can come out to my place. Because of three J's, yeah, really? You can come out and uh, you know brew with us there, or if you want, come out to Heretic Brewing, and we'll we'll have you uh, have brew, you there as a guest. Brew cool. Big. And Chris will take care of you, and I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll be there maybe. I'll be drinking and sitting in the back. All right, Tyler from North Dakota is on the line. What's up, Tyler? Fargo. He's cold. Uh. Not a whole lot, guys. How you guys doing out there? What's up, man? Are you cold? Just uh, just hanging out with Jamal um, the Trader. <laughs> Actually, you know what? To be to be honest, it's not that cold right now. I was outside uh, working on my fence today at my house here. The wind blew it over because. All right, what have you had to drink, <laughs> Tyler? <laughs> yeah, hey. that, that you don't think it's cold in Fargo? <laughs> you must have had a lot. <laughs> what have you had to drink? That's it, a relative yeah. thing. I, I may have had a lot to drink tonight. Um, right. Did you knock I've the fence over? A bit of home- oh, no, no, the fence was knocked over last week. Sorry. I had some homebrew, uh, a few bottles. I still bottle. I was actually just, just like uh, cleaning some bottles before I called you bastards. Um, All right, a few homebrews. I had some homebrew. Yeah. Had some uh, Rogue Bombers. Uh, one or two of them. I had the Yellow Snow and the uh, Saint Rogue Dry Hop. Nice. All uh, right. I had. Now I know I'm looking at a Bell's Batch 9000, uh, which is. Uh, I don't know if you guys. Know I know it. It's a great beer. You're looking at it. Or you had it. Well, I'm. I'm looking at the empty bottle of it. Okay. Cool. Um, great beer. I had a. A couple other things. I think a Wee Heavy. And uh, the standard tumbler, and um, I can't tell anymore. Um, it's pretty good. You're doing good. This like is a nice list. Like I, I said it. earlier, I may or may not have been drinking earlier. To be honest, um, you live at your mom's house, Tyler. Anything, I, and no, I'm I'm at my my house specifically. But your mom lives uh, there too. Yeah, she just she just she just moved in my uh, my basement. She's hanging out, you know, knitting some shit. <laughs> just knitting shit. <laughs> She's alive, right? Uh, I haven't. I have. I actually didn't hear the last thing you said. I don't know. Um, my apologies. I didn't catch the last thing. I, I asked if she was uh, alive. That's all right. Oh yeah, she's she's definitely alive. Okay, just checking um, because I, I can I can hear the clinking of the needles. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, tell her to hurry up. It's getting cold. We need something. 
Yeah, All right, Tyler. It's that's definitely going to be freezing up here. That's a pretty good recipe. I wanted to, uh, Is there snow on the ground outside? Well, um, no, it all melted. It's actually an unseasonably warm November. Um, I'm sure Jay-Z was pissed last weekend. Yeah, it, it was so warm. warm. Yeah. <laughs> I, couldn't, I, I, I almost got back on the plane and left. Yeah. Jay-Z likes yeah, to stick his dick in nearly, the snow. He doesn't like it when there's no it snow. Wasn't, it's it wasn't ne- like negative 100,000 like it typically is at this time of year, so... I know that it was probably a little bit disappointing. All right, Tyler, you're in the running for Drunk of the Week. You're our first contestant, uh, Tyler from uh, North Dakota. Really, it, I'm really it, glar- glad I've never eaten white snow. <laughs> is, it Far- <laughs> <laughs> is it Fargo spelled backward? I'm fucking cold. Yeah. <laughs> I think that is how it goes. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, 888-401-BEER if you want. I think it's uh, all graph. Uh, <laughs> all graph. Drunk yeah. of the Week. Oh, my God. You've got mail. Kick ass. Uh, let's see. Feedback's brought to you today by... Oh, the 21st Amendment. Who? Uh, 563 Who? 2nd Street. Just two blocks from the world champion San Francisco Giants. I was there for game two. It was quite oh. an atmosphere. It was uh, lying around the corner to get in. It was awesome. How did you afford that on, <laughs> your, you get on your BN I, salary? I dropped Sully's name at the door and nice. Claudia hooked it up. It was good times. Uh, uh, fireside chat in cans now at the 21st Amendment. All right. Feedback. Uh, okay. Let me let me uh, uh, proceed this 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 feedback email by saying I've been waiting for this for a couple of years now. I fucking knew I was going to get this email one day. And it okay. goes like this. Justin, okay. you know talent hack. <laughs> I heard one of those in a long time. Starts out the Abita episode was terrible. No beer information. And way, way, way too much time spent harassing poor Alonzo. We all know Alonzo. Who? Caller. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I haven't heard from Alonzo tonight. Comedy at JP's expense is hilarious because he's in on it and can dish it out as well as he can take it. Comedy at Alonzo's expense was just sad and mean. Felt like I was watching some middle school bullies beating up on the class dan- uh, dunce at recess. Sincerely, Alonzo. <laughs> <laughs> Here's where here's where it gets to where I fucking knew I was going to get this email. Surprised I haven't gotten more of them. Justin, I'm a subscribing member and nearly canceled my monthly donation after this episode. I work hard as an engineer and struggle to pay my student loans. As far as I can tell, you hit Burning Man, Surf, Travel Europe, <laughs> all shit I wish I had the time and money to do. On our dimes while putting, lately, a minimum amount of effort into the show. It appears that you don't really need my money, and I'm definitely not going to hand it over if you're not going to try to produce the best program you can. Well, he's got you on that minimum effort thing. (laughs) He does have me there. Or is this it? I also don't even get why Beersmith is still paying you. Your spots in the beginning of their sponsorship were good. They seemed genuine, as if though they uh, really took, as if you really took pride in supporting their product. Now it's clear you just mentioned the product because you have to. You don't even know whether or not it could import pro mash recipes. I mean, come on, at least give a little effort. I've canceled. <laughs> I have. I have not canceled my donation. And I just downloaded the Women of White Labs episode. I'll give you another chance or two, but if the quality of the Sunday session remains this low, I'm going to start PayPaling my cash straight to Tasty. <laughs> I'd include Doc Palmer and Jamil, but Doc clearly doesn't need the money, and I buy Palmer and Jamil's books. 
need a book. I need a book. So that's from Chris. <laughs> now. Yeah, that was me. Yes, that's, that's us, Chris. Let me turn the music down for just a second. Oh, oh. oh. Getting serious. He's serious. He's serious. I fucking knew I was going to get this. The second a brother can, like, not have to eat top ramen and can actually pay his landlord on time and do all the things that a normal human being does with a job, what happens? Everybody be hating. Justin. Someone's going to call in and say, oh, you're living off our dime and having the best time of your life and you don't do shit. Started making announcements on other shows. You, <laughs> first off, you were living in a van down by the river yes! over, over in England. <laughs> That's right. I was in a fucking van. And second, uh, you brought us content back. That's right. Right? It was work. Right. We talked about this. It was all about work. And uh, if they had Top Ramen over there, that's what you would have I been was, eaten. I, I was on the English version of Top Ramen, um, which apparently is cockaleaky soup. It was also, <laughs> uh, like you said, a, mi- a mileage trip. Yes. Free flights. Free flights. And I'm sure you didn't buy one fucking beer when you were over there. <laughs> Did you? I bought a half of one once. Okay, and except for the ones you brought back for the show for us to taste. Those I bought to and, share and with I've you And I only guys. had one, so you better bust one out for the Yeah, quick. we got more. <laughs> Good. So uh, I knew it. You, you're, you're still on. a cheap motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Yeah, Even if it's on our dime. <laughs> Ah, uh, you're still a cheap motherfucker. It was worth the six dollars. You wouldn't have gone over there right. if, if if someone would have floated your boat the whole time. And by the way, the last time was it the last time the time before last time I think that I went. It was on somebody else's dime. It was a very generous listener right. uh, who actually bought my flight over. There. But all of that being wait, said, wait, and, and your, your surfboard you stole from somebody else. It was given to me. Uh, you were camping on the beach, eating what? Ramen. Top ramen. Yeah. So, um. So your life really hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. Don't, 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 don't feel very good about the, yourself. The venue has but, changed, but you know what? The words are still the same. Are still the same. But even if it had, let's assume for a second that I can afford to go do something like this. You, there's one. There, one way you could look at this is I'm living off of your dime, guy who's paying me money every month, two dollars, whatever it is, however generous you're being. Wait, wait, what's that? Per the year? other way you could look at it is that you're paying me for a service that I provide, just like the rest of the working world. Yeah. Right. If he was yanking you off each night... You'd you, give you, me two you, bucks. You'd give him the two bucks. And yeah. you wouldn't complain. Right. It's a service. You'd say that was the best hand job you ever got, is what you'd say. <laughs> yeah, Bill Gates gets to live in a huge house, and uh, he gets... <laughs> but you sound like Damone from Fast Times at Richmond High. <laughs> This well, is a service. I, just, I, I provide a service. It's a service. <laughs> I provide. The service costs money. Now, don't don't be upset with me because, uh, and I think it was Tasty that pointed out to me uh, this to me one night. We just were driving home after a night of drinking or whatever. Somebody else was driving home after a <laughs> night of drinking, whatever the case we're was. We were in the back seat. We don't know and, who was driving. <laughs> but he just, he made, it became very clear to me. He just said something like, you know what you do is you make good decisions about how you want to spend your life. That's all. And that's what I've done. I've made good decisions about my career. And if my career, uh, however little it pays me, allows me to do a little traveling, drink a little beer, hang out with some good people, well, fuck you for not making the right decisions. Don't be mad at me because you're having trouble with your student loans. I got the same thing. Well, and honestly, I don't think a lot of these people would trade positions with you if they were off. If they really oh, man, do, if, yeah. if they saw really what went on. Right. I, I don't think they would. I think oh, they'd, they'd stick with their engineering I've, loans and uh, be oh, very yeah. happy. I've come over As here at the should. crack of noon. 
to see what he looks like. Disheveled, ugly, with with a cup of coffee. Still, yeah, still asleep. And, you know, he's, but he's right here at this board. Working. Working. Oh, man. See, well, that's the thing. I knew I was going to get it. He's picturing you flying out on the Concorde <laughs> and eating uh, a room service every night and you're in the Four Seasons. And that's, uh, you know, yes, you can now put the chicken in your top ramen. Right. So that's, now, you know, it's a step up. He's traveling the English countryside eating parts of animals you wouldn't want to eat. Okay, we get it. You work hard. Can we move on, please? <laughs> wow. Is that the voice of reason? Enough poor me. So Chris, the same Chris, wrote back later in the week. I was drunk, sorry. He said, <laughs> he said just finished listening to the Women of White Labs episode. Alonzo's obnoxious, and you totally redeemed yourself. Keep up the good work. <laughs> later from Chris. <laughs> so, yep. anyway, that's the first of many of those, though, I could tell. Uh, a little bit more about uh, Four Loco. Thought you asshats might appreciate this. Um, Washington uh, Washington State Attorney General Rob McKenna this week called for a nationwide ban on canned drinks that combine alcohol and caffeine. Uh, a party featuring one popular brand, Four Loco, a fruity, inexpensive caffeinated malt liquor nicknamed Blackout in a Can, led to the hospitalization of nine Central Washington University students earlier this month. Six students in uh, New Jersey were recently hospitalized after drinking Four Loco New Jersey, though. with tequila shots. <laughs> Both schools have banned the drinks, and 18 attorneys general have asked the FDA to review their safety. Come on, that's a small percentage of the four local drinkers <laughs> that are actually in the hospital. Right. Yeah, most of them are just dead. Come on, so, we don't talk about those. I, got, I, get, I get sent tons of four local news now, but uh, that's the only one I'll read. Uh, we're bringing a case to Burning Man next year. I just can't wait till we read about Rob McKinnon about six months, and he hooked up with like a gay prostitute, and he's got a raging methamphetamine addiction, because that's what's going to happen. <laughs> They should pay us for sponsorship. They should. Who's this? Muser? Is that his name? Muser. Muser for Drug of the Week. What's up, man? Hey, man. It's Mauser. Oh, just kidding. Mauser. <laughs> Bevo still can't hear after all these years. Shut up. You talk loud. I may be making a fortune, but she's still deaf as shit. <laughs> What's up, hey, Mauser? Bevo, Bevo rules. I, she's the best person I've ever talked to on the phone. Oh, he's really drunk. Yeah. Oh, he must be drunk, but she's a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice to people that don't know me. Uh, I guess that's true. All right, what have you had to drink, Mazer? <clears throat> uh, I've been drinking the only homebrew tonight. I got, these are 22 bombers. I got four <laughs> Belgians, and I got three browns. All right. And a little cousin. And a, oh, and a, a little, little cousin. A little okay. cousin. Just to round it out. Little cousin. Yeah, well, hey, you got to do it right. I, I got to work in the morning, so. <laughs> so, so you got to do it right tonight. Yeah. Start early. Master, where are you Fuck calling yeah. from? He's a school bus driver. I'm in Massachusetts right now. <laughs> he was the first call that we dropped from Massachusetts. Oh, uh, okay. Can you say Massachusetts? I can't. I can say Massachusetts. Excuse <laughs> me. All right. and Harvard Yard. I'm going to the bar. What do you do for a living? School bus driver. I'm a carpenter. It's like Jesus, Bevo. <laughs> That's why I like him. <laughs> Call us back in the morning. Tell us if you still have all your fingers. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, you're in the running. I got nine out of ten. That's not bad. <laughs> He's already lost one. All right, you're in the running for drug of the week, my friend. Thanks, brother. Cool, man. Thank right. you. All right. Three Good finger work. Louie. Good work. All right, a little more feedback. In the Beer for Boob show, you asked the ladies at White Labs what they did with the, all the cast-off from the starters that they made uh, uh, when they were making the yeast starters and all that, what they do with the beer, uh, which reminded me of a conversation I had at the Craft Brewers Conference last year. Over lunch one day, I was talking to the brewer that worked in the yeast propagation lab at an unnamed macro brewery. His job is to produce, uh, produce all the yeast to brew their beers. He said that over a course of the year, he produced 1,500 barrels of just yeast. And uh, to produce the yeast, they produced over 80,000 barrels of beer. This, of course, begged the question what they did with the 80,000 barrels of yeast starter. The brewer smirked and, without missing a beat, said they blend it to make bush light. That's <laughs> his answer. Mm. Huh? Tasty. Could just be a rumor. They're using that instead of water. But I thought I'd read it. Hmm. You know, it makes it nice, sterile kind of yeah. rinse. <laughs> it's got all the oxygen taken out of it. Yeah, it worked. All right. Uh, Colin writes in. It's your skin real smooth. Just wanted to send a quick thanks for doing the Beer and Boob Show. Three years ago, almost to the day, my wife was undergoing her third breast cancer-related surgery. Uh, they can rebuild her. Bigger, stronger bigger <laughs> uh, she's uh, the strongest most beautiful woman that i know and she can knock back a sour beer with the best of them anyhow she's great now but not a day goes by that i don't fear that blood-sucking mother whore of a disease coming back so i want to thank everyone walking donating motorboating or whatever uh for the cause and i did donate to the team the bn rocks we should all hold the boob up high that's from colin and uh, he says, P.S., the wife likes the head straddle, too. That must be for you, Bevo. And P.P.S., so do I, he says. <laughs> so, uh, all right, Colin, gl- hey, glad your wife's doing better, and I uh, hope that keeps going up. So thanks for the note. Uh, let's see. Oh, this is a fucking long one. I'm going to skip that. That was real long. Dr. Scott! Oh, hey, there's one for me. <laughs> is it a nice one? Uh, I think we've answered this before, but we'll do it again. Oh, is it a question? It's a teeth one. Ah, okay. (laughs) I was curious if beer had any effect on our teeth, be it good or bad. From what I understand, uh, pH is low in beer and even lower in sour beers. Does this help rid rid our teeth of any unwanted bacteria, or could it melt off any enamel? Yes, it melts off enamel, but probably not at that pH. Um, Diet sodas and sodas in general are bad. Uh, Your Gatorades and your sports drinks are, are a lot worse. Didn't so, you say, I was trying to remember this, didn't you say we're supposed to rinse with water before brushing to get the yeah, pH back? Yeah, um, if you're, well, there's a lot of things that, like, if you're a, a purger, yeah. to all our purgers out there. What do you uh, mean, throwing up? Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you're, you know, hugging, we have a large bulimic hug, listener base. Hug, well, or, what, what if our beer listeners are hugging the porcelain? Yeah. Uh, you don't want to brush right away because you've already softened that top layer of enamel and by brushing it it will actually take it off hmm. so just rinse with water first and uh, brush a little later maybe tomorrow morning instead of trying to oh, oh I gotta brush, yeah brush this out of my mouth because you will take a layer of enamel off that way interesting um, does so, it grow back no that's it it's not like a lizard's tail no once it's, it's gone not, it's gone no you can't like oh I'll do some fluoride and grow it back it doesn't work that All way right. 
So uh, that uh, or and uh, I think mine regenerates just for the record because because <laughs> I'm me. Right. Well, he's one of the chosen people. Yeah, that's right. Very shark like. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's good. But now, uh, if, if you're uh, the low pH stuff is bad for your enamel. What about regular beer? Same. Well, what, what's a low pH in, in a beer? A four two or three eight, probably. Oh, you can get into the threes. Yeah, for it, sour it, though. Yeah, and that's you're not drinking that every day all day like some of these people that are drinking the, oh, mountain, the mountain Dew. Well, <laughs> Jamil will be well, soon. Yeah. People are sucking Mountain Dew all day long, or they or they they think that uh, drinking Gatorade or some of the sports drinks are. Are fine, mm-hmm. and that that's got even lower pH and the sugar in it. So you're really trashing yourself at that point. So, okay. um, you know, knocking back a few sour beers with Jay Z, you know, watching football is a lot different. All right. It's no problem, in other words. Yes, <laughs> no problem. Fine. Heretic beer is good for your teeth. You heard it here from a doctor. <laughs> there you go, from a doctor. All right, so last there, one. There is doctorness in beer. That's true. All right, hey guys, I was watching a cookery show on TV last night. Cool. And the chef threw in a quick tip that might be useful to brewers, he says. He was making a soup, and the pan was boiling over. He tossed in a metal spoon into the pan, and the boil calmed down. He said that the metal conducts the heat out of the pan and stops the boil over. It's not a solution I've ever heard suggested, so I thought I might just throw it out worth a try. That's from Matt in the BN Army UK division. Sugar. That'd be a pretty fucking big spoon for a brew kettle. Well, I don't know if it's conducting it out, but it's, you know... It's absorbing. It's, it's, yeah, it's taking away some of the heat. Yeah. Just like when we put in the yeah. word chiller. Right. Yeah, but exactly. it'll well right back up again in a couple of minutes. Yeah. You really you gotta you want to turn your you, heat you, down. Yeah, you just want to get the you know, the proteins well up to the, the surface, and the surface tension is what holds it all together, and that's why you get the boil over. And then at, then after it starts to get the rolling boil, and you don't have the surface tension anymore at the top of the kettle, then you're not going to get the boil over. It's just that first initial coming Might up be a top. quick fix, though. Like uh, I know Chad used that big metal mash paddle, and if it's sure. really going over on you, as you're, you know, you got to reach down. You could kind of throw in the paddle as you. Oh, some people throw in a couple cute ice cubes. Uh, some people just stir. Stirring's going to do the same thing. You just got to get that initial. Uh, if you're really paying attention, I like the spray bottle method because you can. Then you're 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 waiting for it to boil over, so you're right there. See, so then you can kind of turn down and spray down the foam at the same time. I use foam control. I threw I threw a few drops of foam control in there at, at the beginning, and then I don't have to really yeah, worry. Yeah, foam about controls it. the shit. Just right in the boil. Oh yeah, just throw it in. There. It, it works for starters, and it works for your boil too. Mm-hmm. I've it, used it for starters. I mean, it, it works awesome for that, but also I I it's as soon as I turn my back is when it wants to boil over. Yeah. You're you'll be watching for twenty minutes, and then as soon as you turn your back and. Uh, some, you're trying to wash something or get something going, and pff, that's when you hear the the nastiness of that boil over gone. Hmm. So it's a little foam control in there to begin with is key. Then Palmer kind of, he gave me a tip with pennies. Um, you're looking for nucleation points right. uh, sites, so you're getting smaller bubbles on the bubble up versus those big bulging, mm-hmm. big, you know, yeah, for, folding from the, from the flat bubbles. bottom. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, you can use uh, stainless steel nuts and bolts if you got a couple of those. Just throw a couple of those in there. They roll around pretty nice. <laughs> kind of breaks up those convection yep. bubbles. Right, right. All right. Feedback's brought to you today by the 21st Amendment uh, Fireside Chat and Cans. Go to uh, 21st-Amendment.com. 
And Nico Brew, one of our sponsors, is on the line. Nico, what's happening? Howdy, folks. Being Army Sergeant out here in Boise, Idaho. How you doing? <laughs> awesome. Doing great, Nico. What's up, man? Sweet. Well, first I want to let one thing clear. I'm not that Nico from California who likes it in the can. I'm the one that likes to put my tight hops in your warm, loving hands. <laughs> <laughs> and this month of November is an important time for me because this is two years of being in business, so I like to offer the Army a little discount on a few of your favorite hops. Right. So one that I know, Jay, you mentioned that you like is them citrus, them high alpha yummy citrus, and I'm going to do nineteen ninety nine per pound and twelve ninety nine per half pound for the rest of the month, and I'm going to do the same coast coast, and on them East Kent Goldens, I'm going to do twenty one fifty a pound and twelve ninety nine a half pound, and. Please, to track this shit, please use the coupon code I Love Hops on my websites of www.nicobrew.com. And I'd also like to thank you all for your continued support on my little website and this wonderful thing we call the Brewing Networks. And hit that fucking donate button, please. <laughs> and I love their quality, well, their, uh, the programming. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and, uh,. That's about all I got for you, uh, Doc. I see one of your sheep's made out to Idaho, so I I, I got to get going. Um, uh, do you mind if you hang on the phone here while I uh, drink this, uh, slam this here uh, scotch out real fast here for the DOTW? No, you should am do that. Go for that. All right, all right. This has been aging the Myrtle Barrel for eight months. Been in my garage for a couple weeks in them uh, bottle after I force carved it, and uh, she going down. Ah, <clears throat> wow. That am a good ad. See it. Oh. Push back a little bit there. Uh, oh. Yeah. She did go down. <laughs> that was after. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, fuckers. Catching his Thanks, breath. Nico. Later. Be strong, brothers. All right. Late. I hope it stays down. Go to NicoBrew.com, $19.99 Citra by the pound, uh, $21.50 EKG by the pound. Also, some half pound deals. Use coupon code I love hops. And uh, that, yeah, it's I love them hot. I love them. As funny as that was, that was a real thing. So you can go do that and get yourself a, a discount over at nicobrew.com. dot com. Check it out. All right, boys, that's a nice uh, four hour episode, huh? <laughs> Already? Come on, oh, man! Yeah. I thought I was on the other time. And I gotta tell you, I am real tired from driving around in limousines and doing jack shit all over Europe all, all for the last couple of weeks. So I'm yeah, ready like that, that donated money. Is that what they call buses over there? Limousines? Yeah, they call them limousines. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's they call better it Daisy. with the. Mm, I am tired. So did you sleep under the bus? <laughs> what well, funny thing about the bus was it was filled. Uh, it was me and the two Frenchies. One of us is asthmatic. And the fiberglass in the top of the uh, bus among, it's a 1971 Volkswagen, among whatever other flora and fauna are growing in that fucking thing. Uh, asthmatic, his asthma was acting up the whole time. So, Matthew? No. Oh. Matthew, so that was, Matthew that was the end. The Matthew is fucking claustrophobic, it turns out. <laughs> so he woke up in the middle of the night running out the door every 25 minutes yelling, Mommy. I'm not exaggerating. Oh, no, he This wasn't. is not an exaggeration. Mommy. Yes. <laughs> mommy. Uh, oh, the French. They're actually, so even in French, it was mommy. so buff. It was yes. mommy. Oh, man. And then me, I'm a rapist when I sleep. 
Uh, if you sleep next to me, I tend to grope and rape and grab. And uh, the more you try to wake me up, the worse it fucking gets. So that is definitely the truth. Let me tell you, right? I'm not lying, Vivo. I, <laughs> so it was uh, a most interesting experience trying to uh, the three of us sleep in a Volkswagen so, bus. My nausea, toi. Well, nobody French got. Ra- let's just say that nobody got raped, but uh, nobody slept very well either between the three of us mm. and our strange quirks. No finishing. It was, it was pretty bad. All right, one more drunk of the week. Bike foolery. What's up, man? Hey, Justin. What's up, man? How are you? What do you had? This is uh, Josh from uh, Napomo, man. Ah, Josh. What's up? Yeah, well, you didn't mention that you had other, like, Brewcaster beer when you were camping on the dunes, bro. Oh, I drank it all. That's why. Oh, I see. I see. <laughs> I want to let the uh, Army know that when uh, Justin goes out and camps, it's uh, pretty bare bones. Yeah. I uh, brought out uh, probably a growler worth of beer, and I pretty much poured it mostly for him. It was a good time. <laughs> that's true. I did drink all the beer. <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised you didn't bring me a meal, too, because I probably looked like I needed it. Well, you looked like you needed it, but you didn't ask for it when I called you on the phone. So yeah, that's cool. true. I don't ask. I understand. Oh, you got he doesn't tell, either. I hope you're not calling in for Drunk of the Week, because you're, like, in charge of our nuclear secrets or something down there at that base of yours. And you have to be Yeah, no worries about that. I'm, uh, I'm Drunk of the Week, but I don't start work on Monday, so it's cool. Oh, good. <laughs> Monday. No, sorry, we Tomorrow. I'm like, yeah. like, sorry, for four Three hours. hours. Four hours, yeah. <laughs> All right, what have you had, Josh? I had a, uh, a growler of uh, amber from that crappy brewery we stopped off in Santa Maria. Yeah, that'll do the trick. It's actually uh, fresh and pretty good. Cool. And then I had uh, probably another three or four pints of my uh, Belgian Blondale. All right. And two pints of an oaked, uh, oaked uh, oh, God, stout, whatever it was. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it took me three pints to decide it was crap. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes it does. That's a pretty good resume, actually. You'll have accidents, you know. All right, you're, you're in the running. You're not going to throw that beer out, right? Which, no, you don't throw that out. You drink it. Or you save it till it gets good. Right. Or you save it till you run out of everything else. Or till Justin's around and you feed it to him. <laughs> yeah. Actually, Josh brought me good beer. It's really nice beer hmm. out there and... Warmed me up. It was cold on the beach, and he gave me beer, and he warmed you up. <laughs> well, I didn't tell him about the rapist part yet. Uh-huh. <laughs> to find that out for himself, you just can't explain that to somebody. Yeah. All right, Josh. Thanks, brother. Peace, bro. Later. Josh is a good dude. He's he's the one who took me out for beer when my first bus broke down, <laughs> and then when this bus showed up on Pismo and he found out I was there, he just said, "Hey, I'll drive down and feed you beer if you want," and came out just to hang out. It was real cool. All right, uh, Drunk of the Week candidates today are Tyler from uh, North Dakota, uh, who had a few homebrews, a couple of rogue bombers, a Bell's 9000. I can't read my own writing on the next one. And his mother's in the basement. And a tumbler and his mom's in the basement, that's right. Um, Alive, though. Yes. He did. So he says. She's knitting. For now. Then we had Mauser from Mass, who had uh, four uh, Belgian something, three of something else, and uh, and some cousin, little cousin to round it out. And let's not forget that he sounded real fucking drunk. Mm-hmm. Well, didn't he say he had, like, how many bombers? I think he had a lot. Yeah. A lot. Hell yeah. And then, of course, we just had Josh right there, who had a growler of beer, plus four Belgian pails, I think he said, and three shitty stouts. 
so no slouch there either. Another tough competition this week, I think, for Drunk of the Week. Uh, All right, raise your hand if it's for Tyler. I forgot from, Nico. Oh, Nico, that's right. Nico did the chug just in front of us. All right, so Tyler from North Dakota, raise your hand. All right, Mauser from Massachusetts, raise your hand. Yeah, masshole. Wow, unanimous, the whole room. <laughs> and I'll put out uh, Josh just because Bevo's allowed to vote twice. Uh, Josh uh, and Nico. And she did actually vote twice, one for Nico. All right. <laughs> She's never not voted twice. That's why I thought I'd... All right, Mauser, Drunk of the Week, ladies and gentlemen. Nice work. Phew. All right. What a day, huh, guys? And it is. All right, Charlie Bamforth, uh, you rock. Thanks so much for hanging out on the show with us. Go get Beer is Proof, God Loves Us by Charles W. Banforth. Find it on Amazon. And check my store, because I'm going to order it, too. Jay-Z, congratulations, and Thanks, uh, I really am excited that you're opening a brewery. I think it's uh, it's about effing time, you know. So do you get that Onyx card? What is that? That's where you get free everything. Oh, no, I doubt it. You're going to charge us all double. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Chris, good luck with Jamil. He's a big pain in the ass. There you go. But the beer's going to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, anything else? Yeah. Stay tuned uh, for Barley Browns from Baker City, Oregon next week. That's next week. Oh, and then live from Downtown Joe's the week after on the 21st, where you'll get to try two of Tasty's beers, one brewed at Russian River and one brewed right there at Downtown Joe's. So that'll be a lot of fun to come out and see us. And uh, Go Giants. Go Giants. Yeah, baby. Oh, yeah. come on. Nice it's over with. Giants. No, you That's love it. A, hey, how, how long listen, is as a on? Boston fan, you should appreciate how far we should take this celebration. Wow. <laughs> it's going to be a while for the next one. You're a motherfucker. What an asshole. <laughs> what, Sam's not here, so you feel you got to take his place? Yeah, I hear they're uh, whipping much, Sandoval yeah. into shape, though. Did you hear about that? No. Yeah, he's like on a diet, and they're shipping him off to like Arizona, and he can't go back to Venezuela for the off season. They're so getting him in shape. And we, we do have kind of a lot of fat asses yeah. on the team. I'll, I gotta, I gotta he's admit. Like, yeah, he's either he has a place in the roster, or he does, or he doesn't, unless he does this program. Right. It's pretty serious stuff. They're sending him to baseball fat camp. Yeah. <laughs> that was like that was their like winter meeting, and that's all they talked about was Pablo Sandoval getting his <laughs> getting fat, his ass, fat in ass in yeah. shape. Ah, uh, panda. Go, Jenny Craig. All right, everybody. We'll see you next week. Thanks for sticking with us. Give me a wheat beer on a hot summer day. A bar goes to me when the skies are gray. I'll take a Belgian crew any time. And the women sing the lamb is fine. But don't you give me that American crew. Boys, I want a real homebrew. Homebrew. Don't you really love a better homebrew? Can't get enough of it. Homebrew, it blows my mind. I love homebrew all the time. Yeah, I think I'll have me, and well, I'm the one right now.
the love of that home brew. Can't get enough of it. Home brew, it blows my mind. I love home brew all the time. Yeah, the 